warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 268. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, this is Mike Zapsik from AMC's Comic Book Man, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. It is just me this week on the leftover side. Jake is not going to be joining us. Uh, last I heard, he told me he had an ear infection, and he is on antibiotics. So I don't know how he got the ear infection. Probably listened to one of our past episodes, but... We are joined this week by not one, but two guests. And the first guest is Rebecca Daling, the queen of the leftover army. Welcome. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, how you doing? I'm all right. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Did you get hit? Did you get hit? Uh, that's all, folks. Um, did you get hit by the storm? Dude, we were supposed to get like this epic storm here in New York, and then last night they cha- the forecast changed, uh-huh. and all we got was some rain this morning. And now, actually, right as the sun is about to go down, the clouds are gone and the sun is out. So, I mean, so much for the big storm we were supposed to get. You sound so, you sound upset. Well, because well, I'm not really upset. It's just you know they they always make such a big deal about it, like on the on the. Like the like the mm. the weather forecast, they're always like you know, oh, lock up your kids and hide your pets and oh my god, things are going to happen. It's going to be terrible. It's snowmageddon and blah blah blah. And then and then here we are last minute. And they're like, oh, it's just going to be rain. And then it was rain. And and I, I kind of didn't I didn't plan to do anything today because we were supposed to get this big storm. So uh, I did laundry instead, which is would, incredibly would, exciting. Would you rather them not? have you at least prepare if something were to happen, Rebecca? I mean, say, oh, oh, I, no, hold, on, hold on, I want you to think about this and what you're <laughs> saying here. They're doing, they're trying, they're trying the best that they can. And if we, w- if they would have said, you know, well, we'll let it go this time. 
And then we get hit with snowmageddon, and you ain't got nothing but three fucking Pop-Tarts in the goddamn cupboard. <laughs> I know. No, believe me, I know, I know. They're just doing their job. But, uh, yeah, no uh, no storm for us this time. Just a little rain, that's all. Everybody's beating everybody up. Meteorologists can't catch a goddamn break these days. <laughs> no, they can't. They can't. Always taking the blunt of everything, it feels like, these poor meteorologists. I'm making that up. Hey, we are also joined... By first-time guest, Michael Winkler. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you? Now, uh, well, we were doing good until we didn't get hit with a gigantic storm, huh, Rebecca? <laughs> oh, Jesus. God damn it. <laughs> like, you sound like you were really looking forward to that fucking thing. Well, I don't know. Like, I stayed home because I thought it was going to be this storm. And then, I don't know, then you're kind of like, oh, I could have gone out and done stuff. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's all right. I don't know. I'm, I'm attacking you needlessly. It's just, it's just. It's okay. <laughs> this is our relationship now. This I, is our friendship. It's fine. I felt as, as I, I felt like you didn't get hit by a storm. I was like, I'm going to come at you like one. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. I was like, that's what I was going to do this week. I'm going to come at tropical you like, storm, yeah. Brian. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'll be a snowstorm. I'll be cold and I'll be mean. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, Michael, welcome. How you doing? Good? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah. I, our listeners don't know you, so they probably don't care if you're doing how you're doing or whatever. You know what I no, mean? No, no. I, yeah, I know that. <laughs> it's all good. They are, they are so insensitive, these people. Nobody's they're saying terri- <laughs> they're terrible, Mike. They don't they don't they, they just don't care about you. They don't care about my snowstorm or lack of snowstorm problems. They, they, they just don't care. Yeah, I mean, I'm an hour north. Like, I'm about an hour north of you. And, yeah, we were uh-huh. supposed to get, like, you know, 12 to 18 inches blizzard. It's going to be crazy. Power outage. And we've got, like, three inches maybe. Oh, you at least got snow at least. But, uh, yeah, we just got rain down here in the city. Can't please any of you. It's like if the it's storm thing. It's weird. <laughs> if It's got to be. It's got to be, like, this regional thing there where it's like. You know, like everybody here is like, yeah, it skipped us by. Awesome. And you guys are like, hey, you lied to us. <laughs> we didn't get hit. <laughs> Jesus you Christ. Lied. All right. Yeah, we uh, no Jake this week. Uh, we are going to be uh, breaking down the new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. We're going to be doing that here in a little bit. Not going to be reading iTunes reviews this week. we got a few of them. Won't be reading them. Jake likes them. Going to save them until next week. Also not going to be reading the Podbean review that I got this week. Saving that again for next week. Um, But I will read an email here. And I got this email from DJ Blakey Blakes. And it's... Let's DJ Blakey Blake's and the Funky Bunch? I love that band. They're great. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. I don't know. It, it was like it was like once DJ Blakey Blake left the Funky Bunch, though, it was never the same. Well, you know, he struck out on his own. Then he had that whole meth heroin problem. And then the Funky Bunch tried to continue, but they just weren't that good without him. Well, we, we, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know where we're going with this, and so I kind of want to abandon this joke. Okay, good, okay, good, good idea. I was, I was like, I was going to take it down like another road and try to keep going, but I was like, Brian, you're, it's just going to get worse. <laughs> like, no, I, Rebecca, you had good momentum. You were doing fine. I was worried about stepping in. 
Like I was worried about like where I was like, I'm going to try to keep up and do a little bit of do si line dancing with Rebecca here with this <laughs> with this funky bunch DJ Blakey Blake's analogy that she's got going on. And it's working for her. She's doing it. She's doing it. And then if I were to jump in, I would have totally just destroyed it. So I kind of stepped back. But if you, hey, if you want to keep going with it, you go for it. Well, I had a whole joke lined up about behind the music and stuff, but you know, whatever, just move on now. Wow. Well, I'm glad I did end it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you're not getting a storm, you're pissing and moaning about <laughs> some fake anecdote that we were talking about. Um, let's see here. No, uh, it's uh, titled uh, Meh, Then I Missed Y'all. Uh, and it goes on to say here in this email, first time, long time. Hey, guys, I know you all like to read reviews at the start of the show. I've enjoyed your podcast. I was really annoyed with your Bandersnatch review. So I deleted you from my list of pods. <laughs> wow. But I just Take much. <laughs> but I just want you to know I missed you guys. And I do like your opinions and how much fun your pod is. So I added you back. Pardon my temporary insanity, and Happy New Year. Keep up the good work. So let's talk about this. We got this DJ Blakey Blake's email here. Uh, he uh, left our podcast, and now he's back because he missed us. What do, you, what do you think about this, Rebecca? So this guy, he apparently, he loved, he loved Netflix's Black Mirror Blunder Snarf episode. He thought it was fantastic. And he's like, I love... I love uh, Blunder Snarf. It is amazing. And um, so, yeah. Like, what are your thoughts here on this email? I don't know. I mean, if you deleted a podcast from your subscription because of one bad review. Well, hold I think on. That's- yeah, hold on. I, I'm cutting you off here, and I asked you what you thought. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. I, uh, to, be honest, uh-huh. to, to be fair, here's the thing. Uh, Jake gave it a taste, which is a favorable review, review correct? Like, he liked yes. it. Yeah, so yeah J- middle Jake, of the road. Yeah. Not, it's, it's worth watching, trying it out. All right. Joe gave it a high taste, which means that he didn't love it, but he really fucking liked the thing. Right. Okay. I was the only one that tossed it. Well, so is it my, my lone opinion on this made this person leave? Unsubscribe. They hit unsubscribe. When I tossed bingo snacks. First of all, bingo snacks Cumberbatch is highly underrated as an actor. Oh, God. I, tr- I tried to make that funny. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought that would go over better. But anyway, um, I don't know. I think this is definitely the, this guy is saying he doesn't like what you said, Brian. Um, which, But then, like, to inform you, like, how the fuck are you going to know if this guy didn't this guy unsubscribed like are you checking every day like oh i hope i don't lose dj blakey blake you know i mean I and then he's like did, oh but i'm back yeah. it's like a cry for attention look at me look at me i oh i didn't even know this guy existed until he sent me this banky spanks email about you know <laughs> so I, I didn't even know that this person existed but here's the thing if you i honestly feel like if our listeners are listening to our podcast and we review something, and they loved it or hated it or, or whatever, and we feel the opposite. And it affects them in such a way that they are overcome with anger. 
I 100% want you to go. I just, and you don't have to tell me about it. Like, you don't have to. Just, like, keep it to yourself. You know what I mean? Just don't even, because, you know, just, just leave. Because I, I don't want to affect anybody's, like, mental health. You know what I mean? To, the, like, where they tune in every week and they're, like, legit angry at us. Like, if it takes you down that road where you're, like, legit angry at me and it affects how you feel... Like, please unsubscribe. I do not want to be affecting somebody in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, for real. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I've listened to plenty of reviews on plenty of podcasts that I had the exact opposite reaction to that that the host had. It's like, I don't unsubscribe. And if I do, then then that's my choice. And I don't need to fucking announce it. It's like people who leave social media or you know and they're like i'm leaving now <laughs> yeah so just fucking go there's the door bro like i fucking hate that it's, it's a it's a cry for attention it's 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 look at me look at me i can't stand it yeah it's uh they're uh tom cruise holding the bag of fish and saying who's coming with me yeah. <laughs> oh i probably shouldn't have mentioned tom cruise on a rebecca episode <laughs> Talk about anything you want, my friend. It's your show, <laughs> uh, Mike. What do you think about this? I mean, it, well, I think um, I think DJ Spank Bank is just on the wrong path right now. He's trying to call you out for your opinion when two other people on the show gave it a high praise. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like a taste it and like a high taste it. I guess isn't a Tupperware, so it's not the pinnacle of praises but like shit man if you're gonna take two out of three i'll take any day on anything yeah there were two positive reviews it was just like i don't know it's like i I don't know why my opinion on this like made this it's fine Uh, like i can't i know i everybody it's just like you you can choose your own adventure here dj blakey blakes like and, and and unsubscribe that's fine it's just one of those, and you know, I'm glad that you resubscribed and, and everything's on good now. And you have every right to react that way, I guess. Because I mean, if something makes you, if I don't know, I mean, I can't affect. I get angry at stupid shit. Stupid shit drives me crazy all the time. I'm not gonna <laughs> fucking lie. I get angry at some really stupid fucking shit. And like, you know, one guy not liking uh, bongo sex. I mean, that's you know, that would. That I guess I guess for some people, you know, that might drive them crazy. But I just wasn't the biggest fan of uh, of breast milk sacks. So I'm sorry that I didn't love uh, blimpy spoons or whatever the fuck that. That might be the best one. I, think. I, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I feel like he could have went without sending the email like why even send the email i think he was trying to be sweet i think he was trying to be kind of like sweet a little bit like on one hand he was kind of like ah fuck you i liked uh you know banger sax so phone (laughs) but like on the flip side he's kind of like well i've come back i'm also coming back like it's i guess i mean you know if you want to plant that flag that i loved uh you know bandersnatch like i loved it i thought it was amazing that's 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 fine. I I don't know. It's I, I'm not going to destroy this person. It's just one of those things where, you know, for any of our listeners, if you're listening and you get to the point where you're angry at us for our opinions on a television show or a movie, 
then by all means unsubscribe. I don't want it to like affect you to the point where you're like physically angry, you know? So yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's my public service announcement. Fuck off. If you don't, it's not, it's not even really a fuck off. I, uh, if you don't like us, just kind of like, I honestly, I just don't want people getting angry. It's silly. Yeah, exactly. If, if something makes you that angry, then then just don't don't let it be a part of your life. Get unsubscribe and and move on. And listen to something else. Like it's not that hard. There's room and for it, there's room for people to like stuff and not like stuff. That's just what makes everybody different. I did not have a good time with Bandersnatch. I just did not have a good time with it. But I would not say to anyone like I'm. Well, I wish you would have had a bad time experiencing it too, so we could feel the same way. It's not. I don't know. We, I'm, I'm yammering on about this too fucking long. But anyway, what were you gonna say, Michael? No, I was gonna say. You know, if if you didn't like the show, resubscribe and just leave it at that. Like you said, like one person unsubscribing and causing like hate. Just resubscribe. Realize you were in the wrong. And then move on with your life. Uh, but I get what you're saying, that it was an apology, like email kind of deal or like touching base with you. But Yeah. Yeah. Michael, when you make a point, don't bang on your desk or whatever you're at. <laughs> right? It's it's not a podium. Oh, shit. I'm a, I'm a judge during my day job. So, like, I, I'm just used to hitting the gavel. My bad. All right. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, it's, just, it's like I no, I appreciate the passion, you know, like you know, they, I, this is what we, you know. But that it on the other end of this, there's somebody with headphones going, "Oh my, ah, fuck you, Michael." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let's jump into. I want to jump into the um, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, and uh, I want I want to break this one down. So. Um, I have seen the trailer twice now in IMAX, so um, and then multiple times uh, at home. But I've they already have released it in the IMAX theaters. Cool. Yeah. How, how did it look in, in IMAX? Looks very good. Yeah. Looks very good. So, uh, official synopsis for Spider-Man Far From Home. Peter Parker returns in Spider-Man Far From Home, the next chapter of the Spider-Man Homecoming series. Our friendly neighborhood superhero decides to join his best friends Ned, MJ, and the rest of the gang on a European vacation. However, Peter's plan to leave superheroics behind for a few weeks are quickly scrapped when he begrudgingly agrees to help Nick Fury uncover the mystery of several elemental creature attacks creating havoc across the continent. So, um, you know what? We are going to jump into this, but I just kind of like want to rate this one first before we break it down. So here is our rating system if this is your first time listening. That's good pop, bad pop. Anyway, here's our fucking rating system. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to hitting good pop, bad pop first, people. It's a habit. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Rebecca, I'll start with you. What did you think about uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? 
Yeah, I was um, I was a little worried about this one because, as we've talked about many, many times, with the how close this movie comes out after Endgame, and uh, of course at the end of Infinity War. I mean, spoilers for Infinity War, but at this point, uh, uh, you know, we saw Peter Parker disappear. Um, so. Going into this, I, I was worried what would happen, like how they would market this trailer. Would they show Peter Parker's face? And they did. He's all over it. Um, but there is some stuff in here that kind of makes me have a theory about when this movie takes place. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, I loved that they showed uh, Mysterio with the helmet. I thought I was really surprised. I didn't think they would, but they did. Um, I like that Nick Fury is in this. Um, I kind of like... This is all happening, I mean, as the name is, Far From Home. Peter is away from his safety net or his his comfort zone. It looks great. It looks like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, just for the fact that it got me really excited to see this movie. I'm going to Tupperware this trailer. Um, I, I, I liked Homecoming. I didn't think it was, like, the best movie I've ever seen. But this gets me excited for what I think could be an even better um tom holland led spider-man movie nice uh yeah michael what'd you think yeah i uh i mirror a lot of rebecca said um i really liked the uh trailer i liked in the beginning how uh ant man happy kind of have like a weird little thing going on that peter parker notices but um overall the trailer over in europe all the uh, action sequences, all the uh, gliding. He has his new suit. It seems like with the uh, like the web glider suit with the red and black trim, that looked really good. Uh, his stealth suit with like the flip down goggles looked really awesome. All of the uh, villains, including Mysterio, who I agree didn't know if we were going to get with his helmet on, and thankfully we did because he looks so badass in this trailer. Uh, other than that, you know, you have all these landmarks. We have Grand Central Station. We have the Coliseum. We have the Tower Bridges in London. Like, this is a great A trailer, and I'm also going to Tupperware it as well. Nice. Yeah. I um, – <clears throat> let's see here. I was – I was a fan of Homecoming, but I wasn't the biggest fan of Spider-Man Homecoming. And um, this, I, I gave it a taste it overall. I did like it, but it's not my favorite Spider-Man movie. Um, not even close. So here we have the same director, John Watts, coming back. I was, I'm, I'm still, I guess I'm not, I'm not as worried because I did like this trailer quite a bit. And I think... Um, my biggest fist, I, I had, there were some laughs in here. I really did laugh it up a few times and, um, I really enjoyed seeing Jake Gyllenhaal at the end as Mysterio. It's Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my favorite actors. So to see him in this movie playing that character, every time I saw him show up like on screen, especially when I saw this in IMAX, I was just kind of in awe that we have Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio. I am still like blown away that we've got an actor of his caliber stepping into a Spider-Man movie. I, you know, and they've had, we've had some really good actors in Spider-Man movies, not lying. I mean, Willem Dafoe, you know, um, Alfred Molina as uh, Doc Ock. I mean, we've Michael Keaton as Vulture and here they, here they continue that. And we've got, I mean, we've, we've got Jake Gyllenhaal. And so when I see him show up on screen, I'm pumped. 
And I'm glad that they did show him in the full suit because that was one of the things that they did talk about when this was when this trailer was first debuted at that Brazilian Comic Con. They did say that he was shown in the trailer. So I also am going to Tupperware this trailer. I hope at the end of the day, come July, I can Tupperware the movie. So let's go ahead and break down this trailer that we all seem to love. Uh, The trailer does start off at this charity event for um, homeless shelters that Aunt May is involved in. And and Happy Hogan, played by Jon Favreau, shows up and says that, uh, you know, he likes the dress and he compliments it and, you know, says it's a new dress. And she's like, how did you know? And there's like this really weird look exchange between happy (laughs) and peter here and peter asks what just happened because like it's kind of creeping him out because he can definitely feel that happy and aunt may are a little flirty it's weird (laughs) yeah it it kind of surprised me actually like i kind of like that they're hinting at i mean even if it doesn't really go anywhere like at least in the trailer they're hinting at like this little flirtation and uh between happy and aunt may um I, I think it's kind of cool. Like, so we see like Peter Parker being, you know, having to deal with like his 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 aunt, who's pretty much taking care of him for a, a, at least a good part of his life. You know, she's all. I mean, she's still uh, she's still like in the her prime. She still like can date and have fun and all this stuff. And I like to hit for him to see her like that. It's like every kid's worst nightmare. Right? Like to see your mom or your dad like dating and doing like adult things like that and i i like that i appreciated that moment i thought it was a really great awkward teenage moment i think yeah. I, oh go ahead yeah i like that part a lot as well uh it might be leading to like a happy aunt may kind of relationship which i can i can get behind i guess but um i don't know if you guys noticed when um happy's walking in with the big check it's signed by pepper Potts. mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah, for the uh, Stark Foundation. So I don't know if maybe, like, depending on the timeline, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. maybe uh, Happy has been, like, dealing with more of, like, the business side of things, so therefore dealing with Aunt May a lot more. So maybe they're kind of, like, going to get together or something like that. That would be pretty cool. I um, wonder if – I think that the, the dynamic between Happy – and Peter could be really fun to kind of explore in this movie. And I don't know how mm-hmm. much they're going to explore with it in this movie. Because if you go back to, uh, what was it? Was it Civil War? Yeah, where they're sharing the hotel room, Happy and Peter. And I mean, Happy is really annoyed with Peter. Like, Peter just drives him crazy. But I think, like, now... Um, happy if he does have feelings for Aunt May, and it looks like he does, like he is kind of like infatuated with her, he's going to have to be overly nice to Peter because Peter's a big part of Aunt May's life. So I think it would be kind of funny to explore that dynamic in this film of like happy being overly nice to Peter and Peter being taken off guard. Like, why are you acting like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point because we did see in Homecoming how frustrated. Oh, it was Homecoming. Happy would. Yeah, I said yeah, Civil it, War. I'm sorry. 
That's all right. Uh, I try to avoid you getting correction Tuesday. Um, oh, no, I'm glad that you brought it up because <laughs> I, I would have fucking gotten 300 emails about it. So, yeah, <laughs> actually, that happened in homecoming, yeah, Brian. Not actually. So all right. Thank you, Poindexter. <laughs> all right. You don't um, need DJ Blake on subscribing again. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'll have to hear about it. <laughs> but yeah, like that was a, a really great part of homecoming of, of how many times Peter would keep keep calling happy and he'd just be like, "Ugh, this kid again!" Like, yeah. So I think now now to see happy if he's if he is going to pursue a relationship with Aunt May, having to be extra nice to Peter, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it's going to be a lot of like awkward moments that you know that we can all laugh at. Yeah, I, I, I like that too a lot. Yeah. Um, We get uh, Peter planning to go on the school trip to Europe, and some are speculating that this was where the bus was taking him at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War, and that this is the trip that would have happened. And then some are are speculating that it's like the end of the trip and they're going back. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I've I've heard that too. The only problem with that is that in Civil um, Infinity War, when Peter shows up as Spider-Man and Tony asks him like, "How'd you get here?" and he says, "School trip to the Met." That's the only thing uh, that doesn't let that line up. Yeah. Unless Marvel and Sony just because we've seen that happen in Homecoming, right? Like the timeline timeline got a little wonky in Homecoming. Maybe they're just gonna mess with the timeline or just disregard it and and we will see that be the end. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't say it was concrete. I'm just some people are speculating that, but I, 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 I'm leaning towards it not being that now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, with your quote, I mean, I'm leaning towards it not being that, that being yeah. the case. Yeah. yeah, it just, yeah, it, it would mean that Sony would just then just, Sony and Marvel would just have to disregard the timeline that Marvel has set up or the canon that Marvel has set up uh, in Infinity War. Yeah, I don't think they need to do that anymore. No. <laughs> you know, let's try to keep this as streamlined and come on. <laughs> My cat jumped on the nose. <laughs> oh, God. Don't make this a nightmare for me, buddy. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, we see uh, Peter stop by the same New York deli that he went to in the first movie uh, where he's talking about. I, wasn't he talking about that? G- you got to forgive me. I've seen Homecoming like three times and I haven't watched it since. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So was he asking about that? The owners, Mr. Delmar, was he asking about his daughter in that film? And then Mr. Delmar was asking Peter about, you know, Aunt May. I think so. I haven't seen Homecoming recently either. Okay. Yeah, I again, please don't I'll tell you what everybody, if you're listening right now and you know we're both wrong, just just assume that as soon as I get done recording, I'm going to watch Homecoming and I already know the fucking answer. All right? Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So get your fucking little greasy fucking fingers off the keyboard. All right? Do me a goddamn favor. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I did enjoy it. In, uh, however, in that scene when he is in the convenience store, 
in the background, you can see all the pictures of the shop owner with Spider-Man, like, mm. doing different poses and, like, has some pictures of uh, other times where Spider-Man's, like, saving the day around his shop. Yeah, Because yeah. his shop got uh, destroyed, I think, in the first Avengers movie. It did. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got all the I've, – I've, you're, like, basically reading through – did you like, – Grab my notes. I mean, honestly, because <laughs> no, well, I, ha- I hacked your I hacked your computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was the f- same deli that was blown uh, blown up, and so they, there are these news clippings and articles and and pictures. You know, kind of uh, with Spider Man there and other things commemorating the shop, and and so yeah. Um, let's see here. That's that's really cool. I think that this. I think that that's the relationship that they had in the first movie is like they were just kind of like ragging on each other guys i can i pause real quick my cat is driving me crazy right now of course one of moment. course let's pause all right we are back guys sorry my cat is wanting love right now and he is driving me nuts all right um so then we get uh peter picking up his passport and uh i didn't notice this until one of our listeners uh, jordan waldemeyer sent me the screenshot that the year was not listed on the passport. I think once the movie probably comes out, we'll probably see that year. This is probably some more Marvel misdirection. They don't want us to know when this movie's taking place, uh, just like we saw in the Avengers Infinity War trailer, where they kind of like misled us as to how many stones Thanos had on the gauntlet by the time we are in Wakanda. Um, mm-hmm. Might be doing the same thing here with the year, uh, you know, concerning like when this is taking place um but uh yeah i thought that that and they didn't even have his like birth year on there yeah they had no year nothing not his birth year not the year it was issued and not the year it expires so yeah they're definitely they're definitely keeping it close to the chest right now as to when this movie takes place yeah i don't know i still I have a lot to talk about when we start talking about time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the thing I was curious about is uh, all the years being blacked out and everything. That's fine because we all know that it's going to get brought back. But um, the trip could like sorry to backtrack, but could that bus trip be them coming back from the airport from the Europe trip? I I brought that up. It was I, you know, I said that it's either them coming back or them leaving for the trip. And I mean, I honestly, I don't know. Like, um, Rebecca, it sounds like from your quote that they were like in Infinity War, they were off to like his class was off to do a completely different thing. It's not like they were coming or going from a European, vac- like a European yeah. vacation. Like he, yeah, P- Peter says in the movie that they're coming back from a school trip. Guys, I got to pause. Mat. My cat just knocked over my beer.
right. Hey, uh, we are back. Had some technical difficulty there. I apologize. Yeah, this is uh, some great, fantastic things happening on the podcast today, people. (laughs) (laughs) Professionalism, professional people come to find out about uh, the far from home trailer and we are just loaded with professionalism. No, no, uh, no stopping, no starting again. We're not stalling out. Nothing like that. Just uh, just just getting your content just it's just coming at you flying fast and furious just firing like, all cylinders that's yeah. that's what we're doing that's what we're doing anyway uh we see um peter's suitcase and it has the initials uh bfp on it and so he's using a suitcase that uh once belonged to his uncle ben and um that was kind of a really awesome realization when i did notice the initials were bfp i was like oh my gosh that's uncle ben um, you know, and because we haven't gotten a lot of uh, mention of Uncle Ben in in the new Spider-Man. And I'm actually mm-hmm. fine with that because the other two, you know, cinematic Peter Parkers, we got the origin story both times. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, like I, I don't think we need to see Uncle Ben get shot again. I, I, it's It's fine. <laughs> No, and it's not even it's it's not even just that too. It's just like there's not a lot of mention of Uncle Ben either. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of like they understand that they are we know that, and so I think like once we, every time we do kind of get something about this Uncle Ben, I think it's kind of cool. And like even just like the little reveal of the suitcase was kind of cool to me. Gotcha. Um, but uh, Aunt May tells Peter to pack. Uh, his suit, and we see him leaving the suit in the closet and saying that Europe doesn't need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I think he just kind of like wants to take the summer off like a regular kid and just enjoy the trip and not worry and kind of be a kid again. And I mean, was that kind of like what you guys got out of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I took it as that he just wanted to go on a school trip and be a kid for a couple months. Europe, that's not his, like like you said, he's the neighborhood Spider-Man, and he'll be in New York, and he'll help out with the Avengers and all that, but I think he really wanted to spend time with MJ and really just have a good time and kind of take the summer off in a way. Yeah, so then we see the plane take off here in the trailer, and the next thing we see in the trailer is, Peter on uh, it looks like he's on a boat or a gondola, um, and uh, Ned is getting his picture taken uh, of him doing like touristy things, and uh, Betty Brant is the one actually taking pictures of him, and they're a couple now in the film, so like they started dating, and uh, mm-hmm. they're together. So you, um, there was a scene; it was not in this trailer, the the U.S. trailer. But it was actually in one scene in the international trailer where Peter is stopped by, uh, like, uh, the foreign TSA and uh, when they ask him to open his bag. And there's this this reveal of the Spider-Man suit. And apparently, even though he left it at home, Aunt May found it in the closet and packed it with him. And she put a note on it that says, you almost forgot this. <laughs> and so I love that scene. But the TSA or whatever, they're not even concerned about the suit. 
They're just upset that he packed bananas, like, you know, because there's, like, this legality issue with, like, taking produce out of the country and bringing produce into the country and whatever. So um, I I thought that that was kind of cool, um, you know, uh, that that he wanted to leave it at home and she brought it anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm curious about what, what you think about something. So, like, we know that at the end of Homecoming mm-hmm. in the post credit scene, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we see Aunt May catch Peter in the suit, mm-hmm. and, and, and we almost get, like, the the, um, the F-bomb dropped. So, I'm wondering if they'll, like, she seems super chill with him being Spider-Man now. I mean, like, does, does that, I, I don't know, like, what, what you guys think about that. Like, if, if you find that to be terribly believable, or if you think that like she's like giving him, like she's like packing him the suit, like oh take it with you in case you have to save the city or something. Like I I, I wonder if we'll see any like a flashback of her being like stressed out, like oh my god my nephew is Spider Man and he's in danger all the time. And I don't know, she just seemed like really chill with him being Spider Man in this in this trailer. Right. Yeah, that was a huge like difference from Homecoming to this trailer of her reaction. To it, so she's like always super worried, super protective, and now that she comes to terms with the fact that Peter is indeed Spider-Man, I think she must have accepted it. And I'm sure there's some behind-the-scenes stuff with her and the Stark Foundation and Happy and everybody to make her maybe a little more uh, susceptible to him being mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Like maybe like seeing how much support he has, like how like Tony's around and Happy's around and like she's not terribly worried about him getting getting hurt as Spider Man so much. Right. I just think she's a fan of Spider Man and so and she's also a fan of her nephew. And I think that that's kind mm. of like it's kind of like I kind of attribute it to like let's say Peter has found his thing. And she knows that this is his thing. This is kind of like if, you know, if he was really good or, you know, her nephew was really good at basketball or baseball and her just being in the stands and cheering him on. I feel like this is kind of the same thing. Like she's just accepted the fact that he's a superhero. This is the world that we live in now. And she's just a big fan of him and what he's doing. She's just going to cheer him on. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's cool. Yeah. I just was curious what you guys thought about that. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a valid question. I'm not I'm not trying to mm-hmm. discount it at all. I 100 percent think it's a valid question. She's got her nephew going out there fighting crime against villains that could possibly end up killing him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's legit. I just think that she's kind of like, I don't know why she's so cool with it, to be quite honest with you. Mine. I For me, it's speculation at best that she's just kind of like sure. a, a fan of Spider-Man and now a fan of Peter doing it. I mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that, that the movie may address that a little bit because, yeah, she was like high-fiving him and like, oh, pack your suit. You might have to be Spider-Man out there. And I'm like, wow, she is like totally 100% okay with this. Like, just like surprising. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the movie may address that a little bit as to why she's so like okay with it. I think that, you know, like the neighborhood loves him too. He protects the neighborhood and he, and, and mm-hmm. she likes the image that he gives himself. He's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. She's proud of that. Right. And, and probably she does probably worry. It's probably not just like go out there and, you know, she probably does worry about him when he's out For there. Sure. But there's also this, this, 
a part of her I'm sure that's very just proud of him and and who he's yeah. becoming and and um it's better you know to nurture this I guess than to like push him away like you know and he's he doesn't have parents so I don't know I I would rather them go this route than the whole movie be about you know Peter and Aunt May at odds because she's worried about him. So, oh yeah, I, I agree with that 100 percent too. Like I, I don't want to see Peter and Aunt May fighting all the time because he won't give up being Spider Man. Like yeah. I, I don't think that that would be good. Yeah, um, we see Peter in the trailer on what looks like a date with MJ, and she's and he says that she looks really pretty, and she snaps back and says, <laughs> and therefore I have value and. <laughs> And uh, basically, she he tries to explain to her, and she tells him that she's just messing with him. And then she says that he looks pretty too. I thought that that was pretty funny. I like mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. Um, and uh, we then see Peter walking back to his room uh, with Ned, and saying he just wants to spend time getting to know MJ. And Ned starts to tell us the story about when he first fell in love, and he's probably talking about with Betty. And how how it happened after? Did he say it happened after he finished his fruit cobbler? And then (laughs) (laughs) I think so. He's like, yeah. He's like, I remember when I fell in love. I finished my fruit cobbler, and then that's when Nick Fury fires that dart into his neck that knocks him out. And then Nick Fury says, "It's nice to finally meet Spider Man." So we do know one thing: they didn't meet. In Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that out. That might be. Uh, I wanted to throw out something real quick too. Uh, so the Ramon song is playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the Ramon song, I want to be sedated. And as soon as he goes, I want to be sedated, and it just stops, and Ned gets shot in the neck with a tranquilizer. <laughs> That's I like cool. That. Yeah. I, did, I, I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's very clever. <laughs> I like it when they line shit up like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And that song rocks. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, what does he say? Put something on. Let's go for a ride. And then uh, Peter asks if Ned is going to be okay lying on the floor <laughs> like that. <laughs> And Nick Fury says, might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. <laughs> and I died. I, did, I died laughing the first time I heard that. Oh, I was funny. loving it. He was snoring on the ground. He's like, yeah, you might yeah. want to roll him over. Man. <laughs> we saw, uh, we see a very cool shot of uh, Spider-Man in a boat at night with Fury. And it looks like something like straight out of like a spy movie. Um, I thought that that looked awesome. Uh, we got some shots of, Peter swinging around in Europe here. We get a shot of MJ on a double-decker bus. And uh, Peter says, I think Nick Fury has just hijacked our summer vacation. Um, We get a shot of Peter jumping off a building and basically gliding as he falls. Uh, He's got the old black uh, and red suit from the 90s and uh, the web wings under the arms that Ditko used. Um, We then see uh, a shot of Nick Fury and... Maria Hill and they're from the back and they're shooting at a creature that looks like a giant man made out of earth. A lot of people were saying it was Sandman. Sandman, it's it's Magnum, I believe, the elemental Magnum. And I don't know, they just shooting pistols at a giant earth man like that just seems kind of <laughs> like 
like, a waste of ammo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right. It's but, like uh, shooting at the Brian, ground, right? Like what's that? What's, yeah. What is it going to do? What I wanted to ask you was um, both of you guys would. So when he's in Europe, he only has the one suit. So it's obviously Nick Fury is bringing him suits. Like, yeah, we're going to. I definitely we're definitely going to get to these suits. Absolutely. He's got the one. No, it's fine. I want to get to the suits when we get like uh, as far as this suit here, the black and red suit. That's got to be Nick Fury. I don't think that like in the first movie, it was Tony that was supplying him with the suits. So I think this movie, yeah, I think we are looking at like Nick Fury and shield supplying him with the suits. Right. Yeah. And also the, uh, the civil war scene you were thinking of, Brian, Mm -hmm. that, uh, you might've mixed up with homecoming was the post-credit scene when Tony Stark made the iron spider suit and happy was like, you don't know what you're doing, Tony, like you're making a mistake. And he was like, Oh, just shut up and make it or whatever. Hmm. So like that was the post-credit scene when he made like the iron spider suit. Right. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, this shot of Maria Hill and uh, Nick Fury shooting that elemental, which we believe is Magnum. And uh, in the comics, the elementals are four extra-dimensional humanoids who became immortals with power over na- natural forces and who ruled a kingdom on Earth before the rise of the original Atlantis. Uh, they are Hydron. Lord of the Waters, Magnum, Master of the Earth, Hellfire, Wielder of Flame, and Zephyr, Mistress of the Winds. And we saw all of them in this trailer in one form or another. So this shot looks like it could be Magnum, and his abilities allow him to manipulate the Earth, uh, minerals, and rocks. And um, then we hear Nick Fury talking to Peter, and he says, you got gifts, Parker, but we got a job to do. And then we see shots of Disasters happening all over Europe and Spider-Man, you know, we see him night swinging in some certain shots. We see Zephyr, our second elemental here, who is the uh, sole female member of the elementals. And uh, she has the power to control air. Um, She looks like she's attacking a London bridge here. And the red in the sky next to her might be Hellfire. So they might be teaming up. Mm -hmm. Um, to do some destruction on that bridge. Um, We also see a shot of Hellfire. We get a a solo shot of Hellfire, who in the comics was the leader of the group of the elementals, and he generates flames here. It looks like he's got, like, bits of, like, magma, like, spitting off of his body. Uh, We then hear Happy Hogan say, your friends are alone. They're in trouble. What are you going to do about it? And then we see shots of these armed men showing up at a banquet and pointing their guns at someone or a group of people we don't know. Um, They could be pointing their weapons at Peter's friends, for all we know. And that's what Happy's quote could be about. Your friends are Mm -hmm. alone. They're in trouble. What are you going to do about it? Um, You know, basically saying it's time to step up and be a hero. What are you going to do? And um, maybe at that point, Peter's kind of like, well, you know, what do I need to do? Every time I show up, to one of these battles with these elementals, Mysterio's got it taken care of. Because that's what I think is going to happen here. Every one of these that pop up all over Europe, it's going to be a media sensation. Like, people are going to be recording. They're going to see Spider-Man kind of getting, you know, if Spider-Man is in his suit, kind of getting punked here and, like, not stopping the elementals. And Mysterio showing up and saving the day. And it might just kind of, like, 
knock Peter down a notch. Like, what am I even doing showing up and trying to help people if Mysterio is going to be the one that stops him? Like, what, what, good am, mm-hmm. what good am I? I think we might be on the same page with something that that's going on with oh, what you just said. 100%. I've, if, uh, yeah, I'll just, we'll cut to the chase. I mean, yeah. back when this trailer was first um, shown at the Brazilian Comic-Con, on that episode, which I believe was our episode 262, I said, I think that Mysterio is, he's, you know, making these elementals. Like, this is all his Yeah, game. he's playing tricks. Yeah, he's an illusionist in the comics. I, exactly. do, I want to I, I talk about that. Like, I thought that even before I saw this trailer. So, but, um, I, I think that this is going to cause a lot of self-doubt in Peter, possibly in this movie. And uh, that's speculation. But I think like, you know, this might be what Peter needs to hear in that moment. He doesn't have, for some reason, we don't have Tony in this movie yet, or that we know about, but we do have happy Hogan kind of like coming in here and playing maybe that uncle Ben role in his life that he needs right now and saying, your friends are alone. They're in trouble. What are you going to do about it? I feel like this might be that speech that Peter needs in this moment because he might've already given up. Like, you know, every time I try to do something, this fucking Mysterio guy comes up and saves the day. Mm. I'm worthless. I, I, I like that actually. I, I, I like the idea that Peter falters here and thinks like, I'm I, I'm I'm of no use. I'm of no good, right? Because this other guy already got it taken care of. And, yeah. But I I think that th- these movies so far, and I think what we've seen of Tom Holland in the Marvel Universe and Sony, they've done a really good job of reminding us that you know Peter is a teenage kid, and like any teenage kids, he's going to have a lot of doubts. He's going to be unsure of himself. And I think that this is just more of that, which I I enjoy. I like that because it just shows Peter Parker as, you know, when he was first created an unsure teenage kid who suddenly has all these powers. And I I like this idea because then of course, like if if Mysterio is the one behind all of this, you know, I'm sure there'll be a turn where, you know, he'll be revealed somehow to Peter as the guy who's causing all of this. And then of course, Peter and Mysterio have to face off and, you know, that's going to be like, I'm, I'm guessing here, like the third act of that move of this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I agree completely. Um, With what was being said, like what, what you just said, I agree like completely. Um, what I'm wondering though is if Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterio's character, jumps in after uh, Peter Parker as Spider-Man beats like a European like he has like a big like fight in Europe and he takes down like a bunch of bank robbers or something like that and then Mysterio all of a sudden says you know what like this new guy's taking my thunder you know let me show him how it's done and then creates all of these things. To, to let everyone know that he's the hero, not it, Spider-Man. It sounds like, no, it sounds like Nick Fury has, like from the synopsis that I read, that Nick Fury has brought him on to handle these elementals. Yeah, that's, that's the impression I get as well, that the, these elementals have been showing up and causing all kinds of havoc. And so Nick Fury's like, okay, Spider-Man, you're here in Europe. Uh, I'm recruiting you to help me with this. And then it's revealed. And then here comes Mysterio as like 
the supposed hero, like, stand back, kid, I've got this, you know, and then later on we'll find out, or the, I guess everyone will find out that Mysterio was really the guy behind it all. Yeah, yeah, totally, I understand that, yeah, I understand. Yeah, because if if Nick Fury's showing up in his room at that point, he's not talking to him, and, and I don't think Peter's had any action before that moment. Like, Peter's just been on vacation, flirting Mm -hmm. with MJ, hanging out with Ned, hanging out with Betty, hanging out with everybody in Europe. And, like, now it's like Nick Fury's, like, now he's hijacking his vacation. And so, you know, and then is it one of those things that do you guys believe that Mysterio's working with S.H.I.E.L.D.? Hmm. You mean like like he was – like he was working with Shield and now he's gone rogue, that no. kind of thing? No, like he's literally also working with Shield. Like it's not like Shield is just having Spider Man there to take care of the elementals. Like they've got Mysterio there to handle stuff as well. And like I, I'm not, I, that's, that's like my hypothetical mm-hmm. here is like, oh, you, I got you. And, and basically what I'm saying is yes, if, if Mysterio is our villain, which I 100% believe that he is. Has Mysterio infiltrated and tricked Nick Fury? Mm, that's a really interesting question. I I don't uh, that, I don't know. Like I I feel like the answer for me is no. I I don't think Mysterio is working with Shield. I, I could be totally wrong on that, but I kind of feel like he's not. Yeah, I'm gonna mirror Rebecca and say that he's not either. Um, only because I feel like he might have committed some questionable antics because you guys know Mysterio um, like not to get too like deep or anything but I'm not familiar with the comics but his name is like Quentin Beck and he's like a magician type where he uses like gas and hypnosis and all this to trick people so that he's like the master of tomfoolery so for Nick Fury to be like Spider-Man we need you and for Mysterio to be there at the same time like I don't know whose home turf Mysterio's is like I don't know if he like I don't know maybe one of you can explain it to me because Peter Parker obviously is New York but Mysterio is not is he like European they're changing they can do anything they want to with this movie Michael they don't have to they don't have to adhere to like what the character did in the comic so right so not based on the comics I don't think that Mysterio is with uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Then, Well, I mean, if we were going based on the comics, that would also mean that Hank Pym created a, uh, Ultron, and that, that's clearly not what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah I'm just saying, right, like, right. they can do whatever they want to in these movies. They can change things, and we could have... I'm saying, all I'm saying is I would not say... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I would not be surprised at all if we find out that after one of these battles with the Elementals, we see Jake Gyllenhaal basically shake hands with Nick Fury, and mm. Nick Fury say, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were here to help uh, help us with that, and, uh, you know, blah, 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 and find out that... You know, he's worked with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past. I, I, it would but not like, surprise me at all. To challenge you on that, though, is because you said you want, right? You want Mysterio to be the villain in this movie, and you think he's going to be the villain in this movie? Yeah. So do you think maybe in, the like, the first half they'll defeat the Elementals and they'll all be good, and then they're going to start their battle with each other? Or No. I honestly think 
if I have to theorize now, I think Spider-Man is going to find out that this guy is a phony one way or the other. One of my theories, and I'm jumping into it earlier since you're, a- since you're asking me, which is totally fine. One of my theories is that using the stealth suit and using the goggles on the stealth suit, he will be able to see that Mysterio, what he's actually doing is an mm. illusion that's been created by him. Okay. And I like so that. he uh, tries nice. to out, and just like we see in a lot of movies, when a child says, Hey, we can't trust this person, nobody else wants to believe him. And so it's like my word against theirs or whatever. And so, you know, like I don't, yeah. and I, I'm just speculating, but I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe Spider Man is the one that outs him as a phony. And then, like, now he has a reason to hate Spider-Man. There's real no reason for him to hate Spider-Man right now. He's just trying to get glory from people. He's fooling people, tricking them into thinking he's the hero. But if Spider-Man is the one that outs him as a phony and he loses the respect of the people, because here he is on TV. They're showing him defeating elementals at the end of this trailer. And people are talking about how awesome and amazing he is. And if that is all stripped away from him and he's a fucking phony in front of people and it's Peter that brings that to everyone's attention, he's going to hate Peter. And that, that could be the catalyst for like the battle in the third act. I don't know. I'm, I'm 100% yeah. speculating. And just because you brought up the uh, end real quick, we'll get there. But they brought up uh, there's like kids watching the coverage on the news Mm -hmm. and they bring up like Iron Man and Thor and like like it's going to be crazy. Like this whole battle is going to be like a worldwide kind of deal. So whatever happens in this battle is going to be like the kind of pinnacle point of this whole movie. So, oh, man, it's just getting me excited. Sorry if I'm getting like ahead. No, it's fine if you, I don't know, just if you got a boner right now, that's weird, but like everything else is cool. No, I'm half chub, dude. <laughs> All right, cool. You're at half mast. All right. That was, that's fine. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, we see uh, in the trailer, back to the trailer, we see people running and panicking in the streets. And uh, they're trying to avoid an attack from one of these elementals. Uh, We then see a shot of Spider-Man in the all-black stealth suit, which those pictures were kind of like uh, leaked online early. I've seen those, uh, you know, months ago, but it was cool to see it live and in action here for just, you know, a couple couple shots. Um, It was... That stealth suit, though, it, it's from the comics, and uh, the stealth suit was created so he could basically take on all the Sinister Six at the same time. Um, that's not what he's going to be using it for here, but right. um, we then get a shot of who I believe is the Elemental Hydron, and he's swatting at Peter and knocking him down. Um, Hydron is the Elemental that has aquatic powers. He can, he can control the water. And uh, he's attacking people on a bridge in Venice, Italy. We then get our first shot of Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio without the helmet. And he says, you don't want any part of this. And he blasts the water villain with this green energy. Then we see him flying around the creature wearing both the helmet and the cape and blasting him. 
And uh, according to Collider, which was present in the uh, in Brazil for the Far From Home CCXP panel, Nick Fury enlists Mysterio. Yeah, this is why this is why I thought that. Here we go. Nick, uh. This is according to Collider. They say Nick Fury. Um, yeah, Jake. Okay, here we go. Nick Fury enlists Mysterio to assist with the elemental crisis because, as Gyllenhaal said, he's the only one who really understands them. Oh, uh, look at that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's some crazy stuff, man. And I think like that quote there, he's the only one who really understands them, might have like a double meaning. Because he created them? Because he created no, them. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, like, that's what I like. I know I like earlier I jumped ahead about it, uh-huh. but I really do think that like, dude, he's the he's the master magician, man. Well, sure. Only he's also a superhero. So he, I think he created all this to make himself look good, and this just kind of just like further like kind of proves my point in a way a little bit. Hmm. Hmm. So it's worth. So so Collider's saying that. Yeah, I, I I see how this all. I I, I could see the picture now that's like, being painted to so get like, himself more fame, kind of. Yeah, like so he creates these elementals. So are we saying that the shield knows that he created them? No, or or they don't know, and so they enlist the sky because oh he knows about them for whatever reason exposition in the movie, and then it's revealed that he created them, and so then it becomes okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. Okay, I, I see it now. Now you I guys are conf- now you guys are confusing me. So I want to clear this up real quick. Basically, I um all I, all I'm saying and all I think that what they're trying to say is that he these elementals are Shield believes that these elementals are in Europe and causing destruction. So they enlist Spider Man and Mysterio to help stop them. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out in the movie what we're believing is that Mysterio himself is conjuring up these by some technology or something. He's uh, or he's, some way he's making these creatures do these things. It's it's all him. It's all, you know, and, and then he defeats them and it makes him look good. So it's all kind of a ruse and he's tricking people. Right. Mm-hmm. I got that. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Are we all on the same page? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, no, no. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. Right. I, I understand. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I get it. Yeah. I mean, as soon as, like, the, as soon as they had this footage released at the Brazilian Comic Con, I was, and they revealed that he was kind of, like, uh, going around fighting these elementals, that's, I mean, go back and listen to 262. I theorized on that episode that I thought that he was, that he was behind this. And it's it's all trickery, and I think he's kind of like trick Nick Fury here. Um, yeah, it's it sounds like it. That's exactly what he's done. You see, he's tricked everybody into thinking he's he's going to be the one to save the day. When in reality, he he created the problem just to make himself look like the hero here. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exciting that you called it way back. You know, yeah, well, cool, a few man. weeks ago. Now, could Spider Man? I think it's Spider-Man that's going to find out. And I don't know how he's going to find out. I, I'm guessing that maybe, like, the stealth suit when he uses, like, something with the goggles, you know. maybe Those he goggles can, are cool. Maybe hell, when he puts on the goggles and we can see what he's saying, 
we can see kind of like that Mysterio is behind all this. Everybody else is seeing like, oh, here's Hydron attacking uh, these people on a bridge. But Spider-Man is seeing a completely different scene. You know, like he's seeing Mysterio actually control this thing. And it looks like and he can see that it's being manipulated. But I, that's yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it, it, it's like he's the only one that can see the strings. Yeah. Of of the puppet master where everyone's just like, oh, wow, look at that dancing thing. Yeah. But he's the only one that sees who the real guy in control yeah. is. Yeah. I don't know. That's speculation. But I think that Spider-Man is going to be the one one way or the other is going to figure out that this guy's a fucking fraud out him in front of people. And then that, and then that sends Mysterio over the edge. Um, the trailer, uh, it cuts to uh, the kids watching this action on the news. We've got Ned, Flash Thompson here, Betty, Peter, and MJ, and a couple of other kids. One who is uh, Crazy Rich Asians star Remy He, who they haven't revealed who he is playing. Some are speculating that he's going to be our new Harry Osborn. Um, we don't know that, though. Uh, Betty sees Mysterio on the screen and she says, who is that guy? Another kid says he's like Thor and Iron Man rolled in all into one. And then Flash says he's no Spider-Man. MJ says, what is it with you and Spider-Man? And Flash says he looks out for the neighborhood. He's got a dope suit and I really respect him. And then he sees Peter and says, what's up, dickwad? And so I, I laughed. I laughed pretty fucking hard. When I when I saw that, dude, that was the best. And he was like <laughs> praising Spider Man. He was like, "Oh, he's so badass. He saved all my friends and everything. Oh, I love him." Yeah. What's up, Peter? You dick face. Like, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> that was a great. Yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> all right, so that's basically the trailer. Broke down the trailer, but I do want to talk about a bunch of other things that I feel are important, and I want to address some of my concerns with the film and how it can spoil the outcome of Endgame. And uh, this was a legit concern that I had months ago when I said that this film comes out about two or so months after the release of Endgame. And I said, there is no fucking way they're going to hold off on not showing a trailer on this thing until after Endgame comes out. Of course they didn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for Sony to do that at all. Um, And if Spider-Man is dead after the events of Infinity War, seeing a trailer for this film could possibly spoil what happens in Endgame. And you can speculate a lot easier seeing this trailer, in my opinion, as to what happens at the end of Endgame. And not, you know, like I said... I didn't think for a second that Sony would wait until after Endgame was out. And even if Endgame comes out, it's not like they can, like, the next day release the fucking trailer. Because right. not everybody's seen it at that point. Like, how long do you wait? No, you just have to get a trailer out there. You can't, you're not, they're not going to change anything different. And, of course, Sony's not going to change anything different for for Marvel. It's... The, the, Sony paid for this movie. They're not going to let Marvel just make all the money and get people excited about Endgame and not come out with a trailer for, for Far From Home. That makes zero sense to me. And, and here we are almost like a full six months out from the release of Spider-Man Far From Home, and we're getting a trailer. I, I, I thought that this was – I thought we would get it five months before. And I thought like the, the – the, 
the least amount of time that they would wait would probably be, or the longest that they would wait, excuse me, would be four months. And that's a stretch. But they, I mean, we're here we are at about the six-month mark, and we're getting mm-hmm. the trailer. So a lot of people can watch this trailer, and they can say to themselves, you know, what did this trailer spoil? Did it spoil anything? And I can't say, I can't get on here and say 100% that it spoiled anything, but I can use simple logic to come to some, com- like, conclusions that it did spoil some things back in june of 2017 we've got amy pascal a producer from sony and a producer on this film and she shared that far from home is going to start immediately after the finale of avengers endgame and here's her quote she said and we are starting now the next one which will start a few minutes after Avengers 4 wraps as a story. So, I mean, could she be mistaken? I mean, sure, but, like, on the flip side, she fucking said it. Okay, so could we say that what we have seen in this trailer takes place right after whatever happened in the first few minutes? Well, even then... Yeah, forget that. Even then, it's like, ugh. at the end of Infinity War, Peter oh. Parker is gone, Nick Fury is gone, mm-hmm. but now they're here in this movie. Yeah, let me, let me, let, let me, let me, let me break oh. this down a little bit more, okay? All right. If this, let, can, can we just speculate that this does, let's believe what Amy Pascal said, okay? okay. She said that this mm-hmm. movie takes place a few minutes after Avengers Endgame, Okay. If this indeed takes place a few minutes after Avengers Endgame wraps, then I 100% believe that the timeline has been in some way one like reset or negated to before the events of, of, of Avengers Infinity War. 100%. If what I saw in this trailer... Like, seriously, think about this. Mm-hmm. There's... N- okay, like, the events of Avengers Infinity War, like, what we saw did not happen. They are 100%, in my opinion, negated by what we saw here in this Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. There is no way that parents are going to let their children leave. If this happens minutes after Avengers 4, there is no way parents are going to let their children leave. Some of these kids are were involved in the snap. They are not letting their kids leave on a two week European trip. If they were dust and dead, there is no way they're going to want to spend time with their kids as much time as possible. Um, and some, some of our listeners will say like, well, well, maybe not all the kids are going. Some of them are staying home with their mom and dad. Blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. <laughs> if you're going to play devil's advocate with stupid reasoning, then I can't talk to you. I just go on and think stupid shit, but nah, that's you're like, right. That's bullshit, man. Like if, all right. So if this were to take place right after everybody got undusted, let's say that, that wouldn't be, a possible thing this i feel like is a a time like whatever happens in the next avengers movie is going to have to do with time sorry i tapped on my desk uh whatever <laughs> it's going to have to do with uh time and this 
Uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain because, like you said, dude, nobody's going to let their kids out after they got dusted and they didn't see them for a year, two years, ten years. You know what I mean? So well, let's, let me talk about some other things that happened in the trailer here that kind of like back this up, too. I mean, nobody seems affected by the decimation at all here. Like, mm-hmm. air, hold on. Airports are operating as normal. Like, moments after people are possibly, like, repopulating the Earth here. Like, airports are running fine. And I'm saying that because, like, Peter's back somehow. So is Nick Fury. So is Maria Hill. Unless they're the only fucking three people to come back, which makes zero fucking sense. And so, like, you're telling me that Peter, if if nothing's been, if the timeline hasn't been reset or 100% negated, you're telling me that he just comes back and minutes later he's doing charities. Like... Like that doesn't happen right after, yeah. I'm sure. But like, I can't imagine that a ton of time has passed here. And you know, you, you can. Make, I mean, people can make stupid arguments, and in the end, I could still be wrong. But it just looks like time was reset or 100% negated here. It might be different, and I and I believe it will be. But I think the events of Infinity War have been reset. Um, like you get this, this decimation this apocalyptic event that like and and everyone in this trailer that we've seen seems fine we've got aunt may and happy just flirting with each other we've got airports running smoothly all the countries that peter's visiting everything's fine in these countries it doesn't look like anybody's you know affected by the decimation at all um and uh except for the elementals and um and and for Peter, like someone that like recently just died in the snap after like this, you know, universe altering event. OK, and now we've got OK. Peter was involved in a snap. He was dead mm-hmm. and involved in a universe altering catastrophic catastrophic event here. And you're telling me he's like, eh, I'm going to leave the suit at home. They don't need me. No. Yeah. Like, if he was the same Peter that fucking just died, he's taking his suit with him everywhere. You cannot tell me that Spider-Man would leave his fucking suit in the closet ha- after after the events of Avengers Infinity War. Like, that's a, that's a fucking insane. I 100% think that those events have been reset. It's been negated. It's And, like, another thing that I want to point out is if, Spy- if, if Iron Man dies in Endgame, which a lot of people are speculating, and it still could happen, I just wanted to point out that, like, nobody seems affected by that at all if this happens minutes after the events of Avengers 4. Mm. Yeah. No, no, you, you're bringing up extremely valid points here because I forgot that statement by Amy Pascal that this movie takes starts minutes after the events of Endgame. I completely forgot she said that. So, yeah, if that's true, then this movie has pretty much laid out how Endgame works out, that there is a confirmation of time travel. There's a confirmation of resetting the timeline. So it's it's like the snap never happened then. Yeah. It's like the decimation never happened. Nobody was dusted. And um, uh, yeah, so of course Peter has no problem leaving this suit at home uh, because he didn't go through all of that stuff. He really went through an infinity war. And that's, but how, 
are we then going to say that there's a possibility that she said that, but it's misdirection or she was speaking? Not misdirection. Yeah. Like, or was she like speaking out of turn in the sense of like, she thought that that's how it was going to go, but it's going to go a different way. Yeah. Or, or, I, when I prefaced does it make every, sense every, what I'm asking. Yes. Everything that I said, I prefaced it with, let's just say that we can take her at her value. Right. Let's take her words at, at, at face value. I personally think that she just kind of threw it out there. I don't think that Kevin Feige probably wanted her to say that, but I, I do think that this probably happens minutes after the events of Avengers. I just don't think she was thinking. I mean, you know, right. And uh, I happen to kind of believe her that that I don't think that I'm not saying Amy Pascal's stupid. I just don't think I don't think that she was thinking in that moment. She's excited and she said it. She was excited to say it. Yeah, this happens minutes after she wants people to know that this movie really ties in to that huge fucking blockbuster that's going to come out. Sure. She yeah. wants people yeah, to know that. Oh, you know that big fucking that 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 movie that's going to make a billion dollars? You know that movie? This movie happens minutes after that one. You got to see what happens after. And so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I I could yeah, I'm I'm buying what you're selling, man. I I think this is I think she she blurted out something she probably shouldn't have and now we're there's a lot laid out here that it's like we could kind of have some confirmation of what we think will happen in Endgame. Would you let your kids go on a European vacation for two weeks minutes no. after they come back from being dust? No, no. Unless the only thing that, that I could say <laughs> would be the only thing I could say would be if the very beginning of Spider-Man Far From Home shows people being reunited and we get like a few minutes of that and then we get like a, a time jump, like, I don't know, one year later. But that seems kind of bullshitty to me. Like, I don't think that that's really going to happen. So, yeah, that's that's kind of disappointing that she would say that. And then we get this trailer and it's like, oh, so I guess everything we're thinking about Endgame is There's true. no <laughs> way Aunt May is letting Peter do anything superhero related ever again if he was dead. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Which which then, of course. Yeah, you're right, man. I can't even. Oh, I'll pack. Sure. I'll, a, I'll pack your suit. Go off and die again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even like bring up a devil's advocate point here because I just I feel like. It's it's really just been laid out here a bit too much. That's what I was worried about yeah. months ago. I was yeah, worried no. about this months ago. And, you know, and I'm not trying to say I told you so, but I guess I told you. So. I don't know. I can't say that. yet. <laughs> I, just, I can't say it yet. I can't say I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Right. I hope you know what? I hope I am wrong. I hope I am wrong. I hope we go into this and I hope I'm wrong somehow. But it really feels that way. It really feels like that whole timeline has been 100 percent, you know, reset. So um, I think that they're going to go back in time via the quantum realm, via time vortexes, and they're going to stop this snap from happening in the first place. They're going to gather these stones up before Thanos does. 
Yeah. Three, three of the stones are already on Earth. You know, and I think that's what we're looking at here in this next movie is a race for the stones. Yeah, I agree with you guys completely. And uh, further proof is just that the kids, when they're watching the TV coverage, bring up Iron Man and Thor and don't like like seem sad about it and Mm. don't seem affected. Right. Meaning like they think they're like. You know, still in good form, Iron Man and Thor. Yeah, so and like, you don't see Peter like like tear up or like walk yeah. out of the room when they, when they say like, Iron Man. Yeah, it just seems like uh, that's a great. It just point. seems like the whole point didn't happen because mm-hmm. th- there would be emotion shown when they bring up Iron Man and Thor. Peter would have a moment there where he'd tear up, or you know, like, and it's just it, it doesn't phase him the so way it should. You're telling me, you're telling me that uh, you know, like. Feige's like, no, Iron Man's got to die in this next movie. No, there's, if if Robert Downey Jr. wants to stick around, I think they're going to let Robert Downey Jr. stick around. I think Cap could still end up dying here. Like, that's that's one guy that I think, you know, that's the one we got to worry about. I think that's the guy we got to worry about now. I think he wants to get behind the camera and do some directorial stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We, we right. do know that he's going to be doing some other acting here. Him and Tom Holland recently just signed on to do another movie together. And, um, you know, so like he's doing he's got some other things coming down, you know, uh, coming down the pipe. So we'll see what happens here. But uh, finally, I just wanted to point out, we see some of the construction being done on the old Avengers Tower. Um, and uh, some people are speculating that it's going to become the Oscorp building. And some people are you know, speculating that uh, it'll be the Baxter building uh, for a future film. Like, of course, they can't call it the Baxter building yet until like the, you know, the Fox deal finalizes in. Uh, yeah, that's crazy to think about. Hold on. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. The the OK. So it's going to that the. the uh, Disney's going to buy Fox, and this is a Sony movie. Think of a Fox property showing up in a Sony movie. <laughs> oh, my, that's so weird. It's just it's like, crazy. Oh, it's so crazy. It's, it's insane that if, I mean, imagine if, and I don't think it is, but like just for like fan fiction's sake, it is the Baxter building. Yeah. Then it's like. Oh my God! A Fox property now owned by Disney is, is showing up in a Sony film about a character that's owned by Marvel. Like, yeah. it's like what? It's, it's just it's all over the place. What do you What are you thinking? Are, are you guys thinking like there's no way that they're okay? First off, there's no way that they're just showing us that it's under construction and they're not going to do anything with it. That's a tease, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of okay, absolutely. Bets. What are your bets on? Are you going Oscorp because this is a Sony movie and it just seems that that would make sense with this being a Sony movie that it's Oscorp? Or are you going to say that they can't reveal it yet, but later on down the road, Marvel is saying like, hey, like I understand that this happens. Like we we're showing this in your movie, but we're actually the ones that introduce that building into our movies first and we want to make it the Baxter building. What are you guys betting on? Is it the Baxter building or Oscorp or something completely different altogether? Ladies first. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm betting it's Oscorp only because, and this is just my personal opinion, 
I think Disney is going to wait until it's a Disney movie, a, a Disney Marvel movie to start dropping those Easter eggs. I really do think there's no I don't there's really no Easter egg yet because there is no real reveal. Like they can do this with the Baxter building. They can have it set up as the Baxter building right now because they're just showing construction on it. Like there's literally nothing there to stop them from showing construction being done on a building. Right, but what I'm saying, but is, is your question like, if the name of the building is revealed in this movie, what no. will it be? No, that is not my question. Like, do okay, you, I don't think that they're going to reveal the name of that building in this movie. I think, they, and they could, like, it could be a post credit scene. Like, like it could be a post credit. Yeah, I could be wrong. It could be a post credits thing. Like at the end of this movie, like they could say, "Oh, the Oscorp building," and that's like you know, if that's the case, like that's the case, but. Mm-hmm. They could do either or because I'm hearing that the Disney Fox deal could be completed as early as March. Mm, I see what you're saying. I, I don't know. I feel like my money's still on Oscorp on this one for me. I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry. oh, no. Go ahead. Yeah, for me, it's the uh, Baxter building because I feel like a Fantastic Four flick is going to be coming up. Um, I understand like the licensing and all that jargon but um i have a feeling by the time this movie is done and over with all like negotiations will be like finished and uh we can get a fantastic four movie but also uh i couldn't see why it wouldn't be oscorp um it's kind of in the middle for me i think go either way i i'm gonna agree with rebecca that i think it will ultimately be the oscorp building but I will say, I hope I'm wrong. You want it to be the Baxter building? You fucking bet your ass I do. <laughs> you bet your ass I, I want it to I hear you, be. man. I, it's not like I don't want... It's not like I don't want, like, Baxter building references. I don't... It's, I want them, too. I just... I don't know. I feel like this is going to be Oscorp. I, I do, too. But I want it to be the Baxter you building. You want the Baxter... I hear that. I, I totally want the Fantastic you. Four to exist yeah. in this universe. I mean, just just a simple tease like that like like if i get oscorp at the end of this movie or in a future marvel film that shows that building where they show the sign and it says oscorp i'll just be like yeah i've seen oscorp before right and it's such a uh it's such a spider-man like it's such a spider-man like topic oscorp that I don't think they were just like throw it in, you know, maybe getting built in the background or something like Oscorp, you know, he does internship. He like becomes like Doc Ock almost becomes like a father figure to him. And like it's just or I'm sorry. um, It's just like, I don't know. I feel like Oscorp is a bigger storyline that we're going to hit regardless down the road. So I feel like a little Easter egg wouldn't be something that we know is going to be down the line anyway. Judge Winkler, I, are you, I, I keep, <laughs> no, no, I didn't tap that. Dude, time, I, so. I, I, Rebecca, am I crazy? Am I crazy here? Michael, you are tapping the hell out of your desk. Whenever <laughs> you talk. Wait, like this? Yeah. Oh, fuck, dude. I'm sorry. What is that? Put what your hands you in your pockets. Whatever you're doing. Seriously, <laughs> you need right, to like, my bad, my bad. we need to handcuff <laughs> you. Like, no, you're a great guest, but uh, it's just the, the, the whole, you're like, you tap more than Fred Astaire did when he was alive. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we if, if I make an objection here, Michael just be like overruled. <laughs> no, we will not 
Saying my objection. I feel like I'm on an episode of Law and Order. What the fuck is going yeah. on? Chung chung. Oh he no! Raped a woman. He's going to jail for 25 to life. I, I read on Reddit recently that that you know that gab like that that Law and Order sound that they, that they have uh-huh. is like it's like made up of like nine or so different sounds that they combined. And like, oh, that's cool. One of the sounds is like a bunch of people walking. I would have to look it up. It's a crazy kind of like, like a jail cell closing, like a key turning, like a car driving down the road. Yeah. It's like a bunch of crazy shit. Michael Winkler wow. podcasting is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you record with Scott, are you doing this shit when you record with him? <laughs> You've been on Scott's Tales from the Yard podcast. Are you are you doing this the entire time? <laughs> no, you, I, okay, so I I do hear that though. You're like unconsciously <laughs> got giving knock knock jokes the entire episode. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like my bad, yeah. <laughs> it's dude, I'm fucking with you. I think people like worry like when I when I start doing this kind of shit, Rebecca, like like, oh my god, he's never gonna invite me back. You know, like I think oh, no. yeah. do you think do you think like Listen, I'm I'm a shitty guest and I'm on all the time, so it's okay. Oh I yeah, no, I think I just get like fired up about points, so I'm like hitting my hand against the desk while I'm like talking about it. So I, I can tell gotta, Mike like, Michael is back. trying you are trying to come out here with just guns a blazing. You really are. And, you, you know, like, I love it. I love your enthusiasm. But, uh, yeah, like, put your Stopping hands behind your desk. goddamn back gotcha. or something. I mean. No yeah. taken. <laughs> let's, hey, let's take a Hey, any final thoughts about uh, the Spider-Man? Rebecca, I feel like I blew up you, all your theories. I feel but like. I think you did, dude. You totally did. <laughs> But but at the same time, it's not like, yeah, I know. Like, it's it's not like you don't have proof. It's not like you're just like, you're wrong, Rebecca, because I said so. No, you, yeah. you've got proof. And I, I don't know. I don't, I, I've got I've got I've got theories and I've got like just I'm, I'm bringing I'm trying to bring some logical thought into this. And I think what you were going into is you forgot about Amy Pascal's comments. I did. 100% forgot about it because I saw that same thing about how there were no years on the passport yeah. and I said, oh, this takes place before Infinity War. Like, that's literally where my mind went. And that, like, that was like the hill I was going to die on. But mm-hmm. then, you know, you reminded me about the Amy Pascal quote and then I was like, oh, well. But even, you know, even though, even though this, <laughs> even though this takes place, even though this takes place, like she says, minutes after Avengers 4 Endgame, that could still also mean that it takes minutes. It takes place actually minutes before Avengers Infinity War actually kicked off with the attack. In New York City with the with the Q ships and all that stuff. That stuff mm-hmm. could be 100 percent erased and negated. That's so, true, because if if they do erase the entire events of Infinity War, sure. then I mean, technically, we're both right. It's yes. after Endgame and before Infinity exactly. War. Exactly. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. that's <laughs> how crazy, wacky time travel works sometimes. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, we will see. I am looking forward to this movie, though. Like, we've done a lot of speculation and, and things like that. And I have talked about how, like, this kind of does, in my opinion, spoil, like, the events of what possibly could happen in Endgame. It does not make me less excited.
excited for Endgame because even though I feel like I do know that the timeline's going to get reset and it's going to be 100% negated, the decimation will never have happened. I still want to see all the events that lead up to that moment. Mm-hmm. That's Same. what's exciting, okay? Same. And, I, I'm not like I'm yeah. not, my enthusiasm for Endgame is not diminished, right? In any way, and I guess speaking to that point, like I mean, I'm sure you know I, these studios know that, like. They, they know that even if this does spoil some of the stuff in Endgame, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, well, now I'm not going to buy my ticket to see Endgame. Of course I'm going to buy my ticket to see Endgame. I'm going to see it probably five times in the theater. So, yeah, yeah I'm still going to watch it. Like, I'm still excited for it. Yeah. But also what Pascal has to realize is people are going to come see Spider-Man anyway. Like, you don't need to, like, go out of your way to, like, mm. put a timeline on something or yeah. to, like, say something that would give something up just yeah. to get butts in the seats because yeah, people are going to no. go. No, you got to understand here, Michael. Think about, like, how amazing Spider-Man 2 performed. Think about that, man. I mean, you've got a movie here, Spider-Man. In my opinion, Spider-Man is the pinnacle of Marvel Comics. Like, he's the face of Marvel Comics. Like, as when I think of superheroes, like, when I think of superheroes when it comes to DC, I think of, like, Batman and Superman. One time it was just Superman, and now Batman's kind of eclipsed Superman uh, in a way. Now, but when I think of Marvel, it's always been Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been of that course, guy. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. They were, they were like, we've got Marvel's best character, and what do, what do, we, what do we do with them? Like, they, mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, like they were running out of idea. They were running out of things to do. They were wanting to do a Sinister Six movie. They were they were like, fuck, let's make a fucking young Aunt May movie. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing, Michael. <laughs> they were confused. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with Spider-Man. And they got a Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man 2 made a little bit over a six hundred million dollars. Maybe I'm here's I'm speculating. I'm not speculating. I'm guessing six hundred and forty five million dollars or something like that. Spider-Man should be like a billion dollar movie. Think about this. Iron Man 3 made over $1 billion. Has Iron Man ever been a more popular character in the comics than Spider-Man? And I'm just saying in the comics. I'm not talking cinematically. I'm saying in the comics. Spider-Man has always been the more popular character. Mm-hmm, than Iron sure. Man. You can well, have 100%. 100%. You can have three, four, five, six fucking Spider-Man titles out at one time. And I guarantee you people are picking them up. I mean, how many Iron Man titles are you really having out there? Like, it's like the only reason that Iron Man works right now is because you got Robert Downey Jr. playing the character, right? I mean, people show up to yeah. see this guy fucking play the character. But, like, here we got Amy Pascal. Amy Pascal's scared. She, she can't believe that Homecoming did as good as it did. She wants to keep that gravy train going. Chug, chug, chug. Gravy train. Let's make that money. <laughs> She'll say anything. She will yeah. say anything to keep this going because she's seen what they've done with the character in the past. Yeah. And, and, and it not making a billion dollars. You got Iron Man 3 making a billion fucking dollars 
dollars and Spider-Man can't do that? That's fucked up, dude. Justice League can't make a billion fucking dollars. You've got all the best characters from mm-hmm. DC minus Sans, okay, Green Lantern, but everybody else is pretty much showing up to this fucking movie. And they can't make a billion dollars. But you got Iron Man 3, which has Robert Downey Jr. Uh, you got fucking uh, War Machine. And not even the real goddamn Mandarin. And that movie makes $1.3 billion. <laughs> oh. You bet your I, fucking ass. Iron Amy. Man 3 has got me pissed. Me too, dude. Me too. Like, uh, Yeah, don't even get me started on Iron Man yeah. 3. <laughs> I, 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 I made uh, this. This goes back to like episode like two or three of pop culture level leftovers where we reviewed that movie and i i i watched it twice and twice two or three times in the theater before we reviewed it and i i swore on that episode that i would never watch iron man 3 again and guys you like i'm talking like this is like nearly six years ago i still have not to this day watched iron man 3 again since the theater <laughs> i am going i am definitely going to break that though i think i do need to watch iron man 3 again yeah. i think i do i watched it for a, a retrospective i did like a couple weeks ago yeah. i watched it twice and it made me so pissed off dude they <laughs> fucking nailed it they fucking nailed the mandarin they fucking figured out a way to do the mandarin without making him like the comic book like version where he was very racially insensitive but they found a way to make ben kingsley make a very intimidating mandarin and then they turn him into this fucking giant douchebag named trevor like what the fuck all the air gets let out of the balloon when he's just a failed actor bro yeah yeah and then like the whole movie is about like you know i don't need the suit I am Iron Man. Yeah, you do. Your girlfriend fucking saved you at the end of the movie with yeah, the, with the suit with the with the extremis virus. <laughs> <laughs> like I have no problem with fucking Pepper Potts showing up and saving the day at all. My problem is with everything that you fucking said before that. I don't need the suit. I can do it all on my own. I am Iron Man. Well, you didn't. You didn't fucking save anything. Your girlfriend came in there. Like, it's not, it's, I have no problem with her showing up and saving the day. It's everything that they fucking alluded to before that. It's the, it's the whole thing of I am Iron Man. I don't need the suit. I, I've got all this ingenuity. I'm an inventor. I can save blah, 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 blah. It never happened. Like, yeah, you did a bunch of, you, you were MacGyvering some shit, but at the end of the day, you didn't save the day, Iron Man. And you, I don't, I, I'm going to shut true. I'm sorry. No, I I'm got gonna, you. Like, I hear you, man. Rebecca, and you know, I love, I love like fucking kick-ass female characters. I really fucking do. But, oh, yeah. No, I don't think it has anything but to I w- do with. No, I want them to show up and do kick-ass things when it makes sense. Yeah. All the time, I, not just 100%. when they need it. Yeah. No, no, I, I hear you, dude. I, I don't think it's anything about not liking, you know, kick-ass female superheroes but i think it's all about the story doesn't make any sense and it doesn't make sense i agree about the whole mandarin shit like when when they did that twist that oh i'm just an actor named trevor it was like (laughs) i'm sorry what now like no this is terrible and i i saw this movie with if i'm not mistaken I saw this movie with my sister Janine and and she when they did this turn because she really loves that character the Mandarin too yeah. when they did that turn 
in the theater, she threw her hands up and she was like, what? Like, she was so <laughs> mad. She was so upset. It's like I a pre- bomb watching a soccer yeah, game. Like hookers. Ter- like. <laughs> <laughs> it terrible. Just terrible. Yeah, I'm not an Iron Man 3 fan either. So, yeah. 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 And, and listen, if you were an Iron Man 3 fan and you're angry right now, you can unsubscribe. You don't have to send me an email about it. I mean, it's all... <laughs> It's all fine. We can just kind of like part ways here. Let's be civil, people. Let's be civil. All right. Let's all be adults. It's 2019. All right. Hey, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we will come back with Good Pop, Bad Pop, where I am dying to talk to you guys about the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Glass. Oh, boy. Wink.com has been a leading provider of wine delivery for a long time. But the only problem is that sometimes it's just not enough of that good, bitter grape sludge. That's why we here at Blink are providing more. Two times the volume, two times the alcohol, two times the price, and two times the hangover. The average wine is 11.6% alcohol content by volume. And Blink took that number, doubled it, and rounded it up. Because we know what you crave. All of our gallon-sized bottles, and yes, that is the smallest size available, contain alcohol by volume of 24%, enough to forget even the most stressful day at work or the most hectic day with the family that you really do love so much, but sometimes they just need to shut up and give you the space you need. When you sign up with Blank, we guarantee that you'll either be satisfied or hospitalized. And if the latter is true, send us your hospital bill, and we'll send you a free bottle of our finest jus qui te tue. Sign up today at Blink.com. It's all good. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, we are going to be diving in to Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. You are 100% aware of our rating system because I played that fucker earlier. So let's just dive into this son of a bitch. Hey, let's talk about the new M. Night Shyamalan movie that came out. Glass. Uh, security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. This is written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. This is the third in the trilogy. Uh, it stars James McAvoy as Patricia Dennis Hedwig, the Beast, Barry Heinrich, Jade, Ian, Mary Reynolds, Norma, Jalen, Kat, BT, Kevin Wendell Crumb, Mr. Pritchard, Felita, Luke, Goddard, Samuel, and Polly. It also stars Bruce Willis as David Dunn, Samuel L. Jackson. Guys, impressed that I kind of like read those names off that quickly. I am, I'm quite impressed that you rattled them off. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that was quite the rattling. With, at the end of the movie, did you see the credits where they? Like, yes, <laughs> that was. Oh so my god! Cool. I fucking I loved that. That was so cool. Um, this movie also stars uh, Bruce Willis as David Dunn, Samuel L. Jackson as Elijah Price, Anya Taylor Joy as Casey Cook, Sarah Paulson as Dr. Ellie Staple, and uh, Spencer Treat Clark as Joseph Dunn. So yes, this is uh, this. We had Unbreakable, then we had Split, and here we are in the third of the trilogy with uh, Glass. We're going to get to our thoughts. We're going to get to our ratings right now. I want to start off 
Uh, Michael, what did you think about, first off, what did you think about Unbreakable? What did you think about Split? And then tell me your thoughts on Glass, your rating. All right. So for Unbreakable, uh, I did like Unbreakable, uh, including Mr. Glass, uh, Samuel Jackson, and Dunn uh, Willis. Uh, I thought Unbreakable was good. I don't see any reason why anyone should dislike it. I mean, like it was a it was a good movie, but like to each their own. Um, I did like the play on the fact that Glass thought that, you know, he, you know, you're a superhero, so like go with this, and like you have strengths that you don't know about, so it keeps like digging him into it. Um, as for Split. I really enjoyed Split as well. Uh, James McAvoy. I'm sorry. John McAvoy. James McAvoy. Little, yeah, you, had right the right you had it right yeah, the James first time. You had it right the first time. James McAvoy, sorry. Yeah. I thought I farted, but I took it back in. Um, so James McAvoy and Split did a really good job. Um, I felt like the personalities he acted in Split were really great. And I thought the whole premise was nice, too. And uh, Anya Taylor-Joy did a great job in Split. Like, she was she was an A-plus for me. Um, there were a few parts in Split that I thought were a little troubling. Like, just some of the more gritty parts where he's like, we're spoiling, right? Because it's a little while ago. Yeah, Split's fine. You can spoil <laughs> Split, right, yeah. yeah. All right, when he's, like, eating her friends and, and then you find out, like, he doesn't eat her because you have the flashbacks of her uncle and you find out she's, like, a, a tormented soul as well. So that's what makes her feel the connection between her and Crumb. So um, I really did like Unbreakable and Split. But uh, when it comes to Glad, or should I rate those? Uh, yeah, if you want to rate the previous films, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, Unbreakable, I'd give it a high taste it. Um, Split, I'd give a taste it. And uh, and now that puts us at Glass. So for Glass, this movie for me was one of my most anticipated movies of 2019. M. Night Shyamalan was due for a great movie. And uh, to me, a possible return to form after a few recent busts in the box office such as After Earth and The Happening, just for a couple examples of movies that I didn't like personally. Um, I really enjoyed The Sixth Sense, Signs, Split, and Unbreakable. So uh, as far as the acting in this movie, they all did a decent job. So it's not there's nobody like going above and beyond. Aside from Dr. Staple, who's played by Sarah Paulson, I really did not like her. Sorry, but I just she didn't work for me. Uh, James McAvoy does a really great job of playing all of these personalities. But uh, my problem with that is it seems like at some points there are too many personalities trying to come out. And uh, it almost becomes like a goofy game of charades during the movie at, at certain points. And... Uh, for me, also, the movie felt a little sluggish and confusing at points. Uh, Samuel L. Uh, Jackson did a 
good job as Mr. Glass. I really liked him. Bruce Willis did an alright job acting. Uh, it, it wasn't acting that got to me. It was the uh, pacing. Uh, when I go to see a movie, I never want my attention to be drawn away from the movie. And I felt myself like thinking about what time it is, thinking about what I'm having for dinner. Like it couldn't hold my attention for that much. And uh, I felt like it was like three and a half hours long. So uh, there were some awesome like camera work going on. Whether it was the camera tilted from a POV shot of Mr. Glass slash Eliza when he's like sedated, they had like a tilted camera shot or an upside down shot of when the beast is crawling on the ceiling. But it left me at the end with so many questions that um, it, it bothered me uh, a little bit on uh, how this movie left off and how this movie was made all together. And, uh, I thought it would be a return to a uh, true form for uh, M Night, but I'm uh, I'm gonna give it a low taste. Low taste it from uh, Michael Rebecca. So I I have I love Unbreakable. Uh, it's one of my favorite M Night movies. Um, and to be completely frank, I have never seen Split, but I do know like. The highlights of Split, I just never got around to seeing it. But when this movie came out, uh, I certainly did want to see it because I thought, okay, I'd like to see the the third installment of this trilogy. Um, oh, we got hold on. I gotta say here, if you've yeah. never seen Split, whatever your whatever the fucking rating you're gonna give it, we got to put an asterisk next to. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I was <laughs> just say I'm being honest. No, no, I, I was, I am absolutely 100% in agreement that my rating for Glass is going to be, you have to take it with a grain of salt because I haven't seen Split. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but I, as I said, like, I know the highlights that doesn't really count as like understanding like how the whole movie is, but I'm just being honest. So um, I, I did go into this movie excited because the trailers got me very excited. I thought that, um, I, w- I was interested to see how this was all going to work out. This this the third installment of this movie. Um, I thought James McAvoy was great in this. Uh, I thought Bruce Willis looked like he was confused and unsure what movie he was in. Um, I thought Samuel Jackson was was good. I thought he was you know he was Mister Glass. I thought he was he was good. Uh, Sarah Paulson. I hated her character. She I, all the stuff in the hospital put me to fucking sleep. It was so. Boring. I I had a hard time staying awake. It this movie felt. I think Mike, you said it felt like three and a half hours. It felt like three and a half hours to me too. Like it just felt really long. Um, you know the twists were, and I'm not going to spoil. I promise the the twists were. I liked one of them, just like the other one. Um, I'm going to give this movie a low tasted as well. But again, like I have not seen Split. So I, I will go back and watch Split, but so my my rating absolutely gets an asterisk. Like I think that you have to do, you have to take my rating for what it is. That I haven't seen that 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 second movie. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll unpack it a little bit more. But if, for me, it's also going to be a low tasted. All right, yeah, might want to jump on Split. <laughs> 
<laughs> cool, like, cool. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, how you've viewed these movies is a little split, if you ask me. Um, That's fine. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, love Unbreakable. It's my second favorite uh, M. Night Shyamalan film, right behind The Sixth Sense. I think The Sixth Sense was uh, just a fucking masterpiece. And as far as like comic book culture and stuff like that, things concerning comic books and stuff, I thought that Unbreakable is a fucking masterpiece, and I love that movie as well. It's my, it. I mean, we're talking marginal, as much as mm-hmm. I love them. They're like if you stack them right next to one another, it's like looking at a like a pair of natural boobs. Like maybe one's bigger than the other, right? <laughs> You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. <laughs> no, it's true. One is always bigger than One the other. One is always it's bigger true. than the other. But, you know, both breasts are beautiful. They're both beautiful. I'm looking at them both and I'm just like, ah, these are beautiful. I love them both. But, yeah, one's bigger than the other. And uh, that's, 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 <laughs> that's my analogy. That's my analogy for this sixth sense and unbreakable and you can't take it away from me and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Um, but you know, and I'm not saying if I like the bigger ones or the smaller ones better, so don't even go there with me right now. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> you never know. Um, get your emails into, yeah, no, no. <laughs> here we go. Uh, so I love unbreakable. I saw split and I was not impressed. I was not a fan. I think I even, I think I gave it a low taste or a toss. It was not a fan at all of split thought James McAvoy did a fine job, but I, I just was not the biggest fan of that movie. Here we are. Let's cut to Glass. I go into Glass. I watch this movie, and I leave this movie, and I'm like, okay, I know my rating right now, but you know what, Brian? Let's go back and watch Unbreakable again. Let's go back and watch Unbreakable again. So I got on the sci-fi app. If you have the sci-fi app, I got it on my Roku. Unbreakable is on there right now. So I watched it. Watched it, and I was like, you know what, Brian? I want to make sure I feel I nail down this fucking rating. So I watched Unbreakable. Still love that movie. Still love that movie. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, just saw Unbreakable. You know what, Brian? Unbreakable, we just finished it. Let's drive out to the theater, and let's watch Glass again. Let's make sure. Let's make sure we feel this way about this movie. Let's make sure that we're, you know, I, I want to make 100% sure. I, I take this shit fucking seriously, people. Okay? It's like, I take, look at it breath seriously, too. Okay? Anyway. No, I'm, I'm sure you do. I, I do. Man, brother. So, <laughs> I go out and I watch Split one more time. And I leave the theater and I feel the exact same way as I did when I watched it the first time. Even after getting the refresher on Unbreakable, which I probably hadn't seen in a decade. I fucking love Glass. I give it a Tupperware. (laughs) I fucking loved this movie. And I know I'm probably in the minority because, like, everybody's saying they hate this thing. Critics have have given it, like, a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was not even excited to see it. And I was excited to see it before, you know, the critic scores and stuff like that. I was like, oh, my God, the trailers look amazing. And I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And then critics started giving it, like, you know, like, really low scores and things like that. And I was like, I'm not even looking forward to this anymore. I went 
into this movie and the stuff that you guys are and you guys 100% can feel the way that you feel about this movie. I have no problem with that. I just watched this movie in a completely different headspace than you guys apparently because all that stuff in the hospital fascinated the fuck out of me. How they were, you know, try, I, I don't want to spoil this movie too much, but like once they're in the hospital, uh, you've got uh, these people with these amazing abilities. You've got David Dunn who can touch people and figure out like if they've done something evil, nefarious. And uh, he also has superhuman strength. You got Mr. Glass, who's a brilliant mind. And then you've got the beast who is like, you know, this guy, Kevin, who like has like created this, you know, within him, this, this, this alternate persona of the beast that when he turns into the beast, the beast protects him because this guy's been abused all of his life. He's one of the broken. He's been abused. And like the protector is the beast and, um, the, the beast protects the broken. But once they get into the hospital and they're being questioned by Sarah Paulson's character, she's the one she's trying to basically show them that like, have you maybe have you made this all up in your head and you're not what you think that you are? And she tries to retrain them into thinking that maybe the beast isn't as powerful as you think he is. And maybe David Dunn isn't this superhuman guy, you know? I mean, so I was fascinated by all of that and anytime that we had like the the battle between the beast and david dunn like we got it early in the movie and then you know it was teased throughout the movie i i don't know i don't know why this movie worked for me and i that's why i felt fucking crazy after I watched this movie and I had, a, I literally, it's so weird. People, I'm going to lose so many people's respect after this episode <laughs> because I loved it. I fucking loved it. And that, nobody I saw it twice too. Nobody's loving this movie. Like nobody likes it. And here I am, here I am. And I'm like, I'm I, literally the first time I watched this movie, I had a smile on my face the whole time. And I'm like, okay, when are they going to wipe the smile off my face? Cause I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I was like, it was insane. And like, even after the movie ended, I was like, oh my God, I love this. This is fucking great. It's crazy how much I enjoyed this movie because I was not a fan of Split. And here I am like singing the praises of James McAvoy in this film. I, the weakest link, for, I even like Sarah Paulson. The weakest link for me in this fucking movie is the lack of emotion out of Bruce Willis. I miss loud and passionate Bruce Willis. Yes. I, yes. I, I miss 100%. that. What happened I to agree. that guy? What happened to that guy? Give me, I want, I mean, I remember watching Moonlighting as a child with my parents and just thinking this guy is off the wall bonkers. This guy is crazy and funny and I love him. And then I, even if you go back and watch Unbreakable, like he's got, I mean, there's a spark to his character, like when his son's holding the gun to him and wanting to shoot him and say, no, you're Superman. I'm going to shoot you and prove it. And he, here he is getting loud with his son. In every movie, he is just so quiet and fucking goddamn reserved right now. 
and I get sick of it. I want to see, and I, I don't feel like actors, like, once they get older, have to, like, pull back on that shit. Like, oh, now that I'm older, I can't be, like, this loud, obnoxious fuckhead. Like, you know, not loud, fuckhead maybe is the wrong word there. I don't know what I'm, I'm I, actually, I think I'm talking about myself at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm a fuckhead, but I'm saying I don't I, I would like to see just like a little bit more kind of like passion and and, and uh, out of out, instead of Bruce Willis being so reserved in his movies now and just so like, you know, old and like cool and like there's nothing. I, I miss that Bruce Willis where he would just uh, that that was my biggest problem with this movie, you know, uh, is that. Because I do, I do miss that. But it worked for me. I don't know why, guys. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie, and I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> I thought it was fascinating. I thought, I thought it lived up to how Mr. Glass was in the first movie, his obsession with the comic books. I loved the fact that you had all the characters combined into this movie. I thought Anya Taylor-Joy was fantastic in this movie. I love her. I wish she was playing Magic in a Marvel movie that was not done by Fox and was done by the, by, by Feige. Cause I think she'd be a great like comic book accurate magic as opposed to like the bullshit they got going on in that fucking thing. Um, but, uh, and I thought James McAvoy is, um, he is just a brilliant actor, just brilliant. So I, I, I have a question. I'm just curious here. So you didn't like Split, but your your issue with Split was not James McAvoy. Was no. it the story? Was it like the way it all worked out? Yeah, I felt like uh, like uh, just the whole story. I felt like the whole story was not that compelling to begin with. And then mm-hmm. by the time that we got the big twist at the end of the movie, that it was part of the Unbreakable universe, like I felt like that was not enough to like save it for me. I'll be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. I do want to go back and watch it now with the knowledge that I have of like him existing in this universe and knowing how glass ends. Will that change my opinion of split it? Yeah. I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. super interested now to hear like if you go back and watch split and feel and have a different rating for it. It possibly could. It Mm -hmm. really possibly could. I'll be honest with you. It possibly could. And if you would have asked me that, like when split came out, I would have been like, nope, there's no way. Fuck that movie. Yeah, James McAvoy was fine. But, you know, fuck that movie. I might go back and watch Split right now, and it might even be... I, it might be a Tupperware at the end of the day if I watch Split again. It might hmm. be. It very well might be. But all I can tell you is that I loved Unbreakable, and I am going to go against the grain of the critics, and I'm going to Tupperware glass. I, For me, it worked. For me, mm-hmm. it worked. I was fascinated by this movie and I felt like it did justice to the character of Mr. Glass. I saw Mr. Glass doing Mr. Glass, the stuff I saw, I saw him being the evil mastermind and doing evil mastermind things and still having his obsession with the comic books. That's what like lit up his face. I love the flashbacks of like him as a child. We got that in the first movie. We got more in this movie. I loved it. I loved the fact that they brought Spencer Treat Clark back as Joseph Dunn. It was great to see him. I loved it. I I loved this movie. I Tupperware. I do not want to spoil the twist for you at the end. And yes, it's a Shyamalan movie. There is a twist. And I absolutely 
thought the twist was a lot of fun and I loved this movie, but, and I, you know, like I, this is, I feel like I'm on the opposite end here. Like where other people are watching this and not enjoying it and thinking it's garbage. And for some reason, everything in this movie fucking worked for me. I, Mm. I went, I saw it in IMAX both times because I wanted like the best experience because I loved it the first time in IMAX. I fucking loved it. I'm like, Rebecca, like she, Rebecca, you got to understand, mm-hmm. like when I'm fucking watching this movie, I'm like, everybody hates this fucking movie. Everybody, <laughs> everybody fucking hates this. And why am I laughing? And why am I loving this movie right now? There's something wrong with me. I felt like mm-hmm. I should be in the hospital with those guys un- <laughs> under the care of Sarah Paulson's character of Dr. Ellie Staple. I felt like I needed psychiatric treatment at this point because I'm loving this movie. And um, you know what? I just got to stick by that. Okay. Yeah, of course. Of course. Like if you if you had a good experience and you liked and you loved the movie as much as you're you're saying you did you have to self-aware it absolutely and yeah because it's i i'm interested definitely um i do want to go back and rewatch unbreakable and i do of course now like want to watch split but um you got to do uh, you got to watch unbreakable no, no, I, I, I have to yeah here's the thing um, I, i'm going to throw this out there real quickly for our audience as well if you want to watch unbreakable it is on the sci-fi app right now but you have to watch it quickly because it does say it's got a uh, indicator saying that it is going to expire soon so it's the only uh, it's the only way that you can watch it for free right now streaming somewhere otherwise you've got to rent it yeah, but I, I'm I'm also with you on Unbreakable being my second favorite M Night movie behind The Sixth Sense. I, I'm I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. I think those are his two top movies that he's done. Um, I haven't really been a fan of too much more. Signs I thought was shit. Sorry, Mike. I just did not like that movie at all. Um, yeah, I. I'm so interested now to kind of watch this as a complete story, like watch the three movies again and and see if if maybe I get a different perspective as well. I don't know. I think I might be in the minority here. I don't know. I mean, I know that the critic score for um, for the movie was at a 35 percent last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience was at like a 78% or 75% that yeah. that, get, that gave it a fresh rating. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if you're going to watch Split and then come into this and think like, oh, this is the best thing ever. It, I mean, for some crazy reason, all that stuff that you guys thought was boring in the hospital, which a lot of people are saying was boring, is that middle part like a lot of people like the beginning and the end but they hated that middle that middle stuff fascinated me the fact that Hmm. like because this is kind of like a uh, a deconstruction of the superhero origin you know like I thought that that was all fascinating like you know M. Night Shyamalan tries to give us the real world superhero introduction origin and it's deconstructed and I, I thought it was just I kind of loved that because like I kept my, you know, like, I don't know. It worked for me both viewings. I thought I was crazy the first time I watched this and I loved it. So I was like, I'm going to watch Unbreakable. Once I watch Unbreakable and I go back and watch this movie, I'm going to hate everything. Right. But like 
honestly, I felt like where other people feel like this actually detracts from like what they love about Unbreakable. I think it enhances those things. Like mm. I, I noticed some things like in Unbreakable that actually enhance Split for me. There's a, there's a scene in Unbreakable where you know you've got Mr. Glass who has like this comic book art gallery, and he's got like covers and art that was done by the artists on paper. And the, the, one of these uh, comics that he has is kind of like a. Like it's kind of supposed to be like an action comics and it's called active comics. And it's got like, it's got your Superman character and your Superman character on the front of the cover is battling a villain that's basically based on an animal, kind of like animal like powers. And I was like, Oh my God. It's like, he almost like from that came up with split the beast. Like that is that where that came from? I was like, you know, like, did he have this story all together or did this guy just figure this out? Like, after the fact, it's like, it's crazy. Was this always intended to be a trilogy? I don't know. It, it worked for me. And I, you know what? Like, this is one of those things where, like, you know, I, I pissed and moaned about Bandersnatch. But honestly, I had no attachment to Bandersnatch, go, Bandersnatch going into it. <laughs> like, I love Black Mirror. But, like... You know, I know I'm going to get more great Black Mirror episodes. I have no problem with that. But like with this, like I have like a big time attachment to Unbreakable and but I didn't like Split. So like I didn't I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I just don't I I it worked for me. For some reason, it worked for me and I absolutely loved it and I if you disagree with me, that's that's totally that's totally fine. I I get it. I get it. But I loved it. Wow. That's that, but you know the fact that you're talking about how on Rotten Tomatoes the the critic score is so low but the audience score is so high. I mean that says a lot about how people feel about this movie. I think that there's a big there's a big gap between like what the quote unquote professional critics are saying or people who are like who do like all these critiques all the time versus let's say what the average person uh, is saying. So I think that there's plenty of room here for. People to feel all kinds of things. And, yeah. and certainly I think when, when it comes to M. Night, people have very strong feelings about his movies. I mean, I, I think his movies are those that either you you love them or you hate them. And it, individually, I think there's plenty of room there for loving and hating and stuff. I knew since I knew Jake was sick and not going to be on this episode, like we were talking over a message. And I was like, since you're not going to be on this episode, do you want to know what I thought about Glass? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I was just going to ask you. I was like... Dude, I fucking loved it. Jake was like, Jake was shocked. Jake was oh, shocked. Man. He was shocked. So he, went, I, I'm dying to hear what he thinks. I, I feel like he won't like it. Um, mm-hmm. But on the flip side, it's like you know, um, I, I, you know, just like uh, <laughs> we we watched the series Wayne, the hot wants with the hot wants. I love this. Oh, <laughs> we'll talk about. Hey, don't worry, we're gonna. <laughs> We're going to talk about some Wayne, all right? Oh, yeah. All right. But I loved it. Hey, Michael, like, you've seen all these movies. You didn't like it. And yeah, I've seen Glass twice, man. Like, yeah. Because, dude, like I said, man, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. So yeah. I wanted to give it due justice. Yeah. So I went and saw it, and the next day I saw it. And I still felt the same way. <laughs> I, I I couldn't get, I couldn't get over it, man. There there were too many. We're not doing like spoilers or anything, but if if you go see it, 
you'll understand. Like there were just so many questions that I had on how so and so got this or how who and you know what I mean. Like there were so many unanswered questions for me yeah. that I couldn't in in good conscience give it a Tupperware or anything near that. <laughs> you're just saying I'm willy nilly with my ratings, aren't you? Brian, you're 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 fired off ratings loose and wild. That's why I I I, re, uh, I recovered and said couldn't get everything near it. So I I loved it. I know I'm crazy, but you know what? Fuck it. Um, next thing I want to are we any final thoughts about glass? No. Michael's calling it ass, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Glass minus the GL, baby. Yeah. Uh, I saw uh, Close on uh, Netflix. Uh, this is a Netflix original movie. I think we actually talked about this on a previous episode. It was a, one of my anta- anticipated movies for uh, Netflix coming up. Uh, it's about a bodyguard and counterterrorism expert Sam takes a job protecting Zoe, a rich young heiress. Neither party is keen on the arrangement until a violent kidnap forces them to go on the run. It's kind of like an action movie here with a bodyguard, and the bodyguard is played by Numi Rapace. I, I, I really enjoy Numi Rapace. I think she's a really fine actor. I like her a lot. Um, I was really looking forward to this movie close. I'm going to give it a toss. It. I thought it was absolutely terrible. It starts oh, off. No. I know. I, it starts off really good. And then I feel like it just it's just boring and it loses me and it, the story's not compelling. There's really nothing that kind of like sets this apart from like any other movie. And I like I'm begging for like Liam Neeson to show up in this thing and make it interesting. It was that bad in my opinion. And I really wanted to like this one because I love Numi Rapace and I honestly like the first like 5 minutes of this movie are a Tupperware and then it just falls apart and it's boring and i i was really upset with this because i this is one of those movies i think that me and jake actually talked about on this show like oh my gosh like we're getting this movie it's coming out uh you know uh it's coming to netflix and and here's like the you know here's the synopsis it sounds like it's gonna be it could be a really good movie good director here and i was really looking forward to this one and it bored me to tears and i hate saying this but i'm gonna give it a toss it it's unfortunate it's it's really unfortunate because I was really looking forward to close on Netflix, but give it a you know give it a watch, see if you like it. I mean, you know I fucking liked Glass. So what what the fuck do I know? You know I mean this might close might be the best movie ever. I who knows my <laughs> my judgment is all fucked yeah. up. I, you know what I mean I don't know. Hey, but, but, I mean, guys, don't try meth. I've been on meth for like the past week and like you know it's just. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I was, I was just about to. I was just about to try some right now. Put it away. Yo, wait, Rebecca. So I shouldn't try that shit you got me. Do, do it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Try it. <laughs> I have been watching. Uh, I, I've been watching. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a show. It's called Unmade. Have you guys heard of this? Unmade. That sounds familiar. It's on. Familiar with. It's on IMDb. Oh, dude, I saw an ad for this on IMDb, and I said, oh, man, I want to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Okay, here it is. Synopsis. Everyone moves to Hollywood with a dream and a script. In this series, celebrities reveal the movies and TV episodes they wrote. 
before they were famous. And spoiler alert, they are all not they they are not all winners. The stars explain the plots, their inspirations, and why their dream projects never got made before scenes are brought to life for the first time ever. So basically what this show is is you've got different actors coming in here and talking about pitches that they had for studios about TV shows or movies that they wanted to bring to life that studios turned down. These are all unmade projects. And what they do here is they bring them to life. And how they do that is they have actors play like the roles here. And instead of having like voice actors play like the actors like really like voice the characters most of the time i'd say 90 percent of the time you're hearing the voice of the actual actor talk about it and it's coming through like the actor playing it on screen does that make sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i I get you so these are honestly this is an easy watch everybody imdb it's free you can download the app on your phone or your ipad it's a free app you can download and you can watch it right off like you can you know, watch it right off the front screen they, they're advertising it pretty heavily or just look up unmade on imdb.com which is the internet movie database if you've never heard about it uh where you can look up different actors and movies and, and things like that but anyway these are just four to five minute shorts that you can watch and they've got three up right now and they drop new ones i think every wednesday or the next one comes out on wednesday but there's one with Rain Wilson, one with Kristen Shaw, and then one with uh, Jay uh, Sekar, um from Super Troopers. And um, the, the one with Rain Wilson is where he tried to create this uh, TV series called Assisted Living, where they, these two slackers inherit a senior living facility. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that already sounds hilarious. Yeah, so he talks about like these two slackers that like you know inherit the senior living facility, and they're like wanting to move all these seniors out until like one of the guys sees that one of you know the, a woman that lives the, uh, that works there he's attracted to, so he's like, yeah, we can do this. We can make this like the most fun like assisted living place for old people ever. And they start talking about like all the different like old people that live there, and they've got one who's like kind of like an old like army drill sergeant and one who's like the most interesting man in the world and then like you know all the uh, so then the next one is Kristen Shaw and she talks about this movie that she came up with called avant-garde and that was my favorite it was fucking hilarious i love Kristen Shaw from uh, bob's burgers and she was in oh uh, yeah she's yeah great. she's fucking hilarious and this movie that she comes up with is fucking funny um and then um uh, Jay Chandra Sekar from uh, Broken Lizard Comedy Troupe, and he did like the Super Trooper movies, and then uh, what was that? The Beer Fest was it? Was it Beer Fest? I believe that's what it was called. Yeah, I don't know. He's fucking hilarious. He came up with a movie called Mickleberry Cat in Space about a cat that's involved in the. <laughs> in, and these are like these are legit movies that they pr- that they fucking pitched the studios and shit. And uh, these are only four to five minute shorts. And it was a, it took me literally 15 minutes to knock out the first three episodes. And it was hilarious. I Tupperware this. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Next week, they have uh, Weird Al Yankovic. I think that episode. <gasps> yeah. 
Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, it sounds like something I'd definitely watch. Yeah. Weird Al Yankovic is on episode four, and that comes out on the 23rd. So Wednesday, that episode. And this show's called Unmade, and it's on imdb.com. You can download the app on your fucking phone and watch it that way. And I promise you, like, you'll... It's four to five minutes. It's not a huge investment, and I think there's a lot of fun and a lot of value to this. I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I, I, I had a blast with this. I think um, <laughs> I really did. I, I, it came out – I think it originally came out on the 16th. So it's only been out for like a few days. And so it seems like they're just releasing new episodes like every couple of days. Mm. Yeah, I, I was on IMDb. Th- th- this is where I saw the ad for it. I was on IMDb looking up something else, and I saw the banner on the on the page, and it said unmade, and it gave like a little like description of what it was. And I said, oh, my God, that sounds hilarious. I have to watch that. And then, like, of course, I forgot and was doing other things. But, yes. oh, man, that's awesome that you Tupperware. It sounds like something I love. It's great. I I really got a kick out of it. It's so fun. Uh, the Kristen Shaw one is like the one that I watched that one first and it was my favorite. It really was my favorite. So I'm really looking forward to next week with Weird Al Yankovic. But um, I'm going to pass off Good Pop, Bad Pop to Michael. What do you have? All right. So uh, for this week, I have The Punisher Season 2, which dropped on Thursday. Um, it picks up after season one. Uh, the story is Frank Castle, a.k.a. the Punisher, saves a girl from being murdered, forcing him to decide if he should embrace his life as the Punisher or go back to being the norm. The girl is being chased by a very powerful group of people while trying to deal with the scenario he has gotten himself into. Billy Russo, his arch nemesis from the first season, is rehabbing from the injuries he sustained during the finale of the first. While the two eventually clash, it should lead to some rather spectacular action sequences. So that's the story for the uh, second season. I've watched the uh, first six episodes. Um, I really love this uh, Punisher rendition. Uh, I know, Brian, you were saying you weren't a big fan of this one. Yeah, but um, if I want to hear a guy grunt for oh, fucking yeah. thirteen oh. hours, I'll watch a, a porn. I, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't. No, I feel you. As <laughs> I am a fan of male grunting, I'm also a fan of John Bernthal. So, John Bernthal plays the Punisher very well, and his voice and physique fit very well with that part. Um, There's a lot of action fight scenes, which have great fight choreography and gunfight scenes. They're very short as well as, like, they're very short in uh, time, like, camera-wise, so it's, like, very quick cuts, and uh, it's a lot of action sequences, but, um... He's at, like, some podunk bar in the middle of nowhere after last season, like, laying low. And uh, this is my problem with it, is that this teenage girl just happens to be at this bar that the Punisher chooses to lay low at. And this, like, 
mob is after her. It just seems like so like convenient. You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate how it starts off because it's just so convenient for the story. But um, like I said, I'm six episodes in. Uh, it, it does get a little better. The story gets a little better. It uh, progresses a little bit, brings back characters from last season. But uh, the first three episodes are kind of just like uh, kind of like a low taster for me. But uh, after three, I'm all in. I'm going to give it a, a high taste it. Uh, the acting's great. Uh, Billy Russo, played by Ben Barnes, sustained uh, really bad head trauma in the first season. So he has trouble remembering all the events that happened. So um, he has a lot of time with his therapist and all that, trying to remember and make sense of the of uh, the past events. And uh, you'll indeed need to tune in to uh, find out what happens. But uh, just from what I've seen so far, it seems convenient uh, that he was there. It seems, some of it seems rushed, and uh, some of it seems just out of the ordinary. Like there, there's a scene where uh, no spoilers. Don't get, don't, don't worry. Uh, there's a scene where they're in a police station and. Uh, John Bernthal's character is just like, you're going to have to trust me. Like, I got 20 years military experience. <laughs> and the sheriff. Wait, I'm sorry, like, Mike. I tarper where your impression of John Bernthal. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're going to have to just trust me. He's like, why would I uncuff you? He's like, because I'm going to save your life. Like, just shit like that. Like, shit that wouldn't happen in like real life. So. I mean, aside from, like, the oddities, like, him being at the right place at the right time, just to find this random girl who's being chased by, like, a Russian mob or whatever it is. We haven't found out yet. But uh, I'm going to, like, I'll give it a taste it because I love Punisher, and uh, I'm only halfway through, so I don't have a full opinion on the whole show. But uh, from where I started, it it is very convenient, the story-wise. And it seems a little fucking sloppy, but it's also the for- the fight choreography, the gun scenes, and the action. And I mean, it is John Bernthal, man. I I love John Bernthal in Wind River. Love him in The Walking Dead. I I, I just I think he's a good actor, and I think he puts together a good performance in Punisher. Nice. Yeah. No. I mean, like I I love John Bernthal. I'm I'm a big fan. I loved him in The Walking Dead. I, you know, I liked him in. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. He was in. Uh, he was in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, wasn't he? Correct. Yeah, he's in Wolf of Wall yeah, Street. I thought yeah, he was fantastic yeah. in that role. I thought he was fantastic in uh, Widows. I thought he was fantastic in. You know, pretty much I've ever seen him in. I just don't like him as the Punisher. I don't. I, I like my my Punisher is Thomas Jane, and I know a lot of people are like scratching their heads, but like Thomas Jane is my Punisher. I loved him in that first movie, and I loved him. In the Addy Shankar short, Dirty Laundry, I thought he that Thomas Jane is my Punisher. Um, it's just that bullseye, though, like kind of like ruined it for me. I just uh, I don't know. There's there's something of what Netflix did with the Punisher in season one just didn't fit with what my experience was with Frank Castle from the comics. Yeah, 
I understand that. And uh, just real quick, um, I will indeed finish this show, but uh, it is unfortunate knowing that this show is going to follow suit with the rest of the shows and just yeah. be removed anyway. So, Yeah, did you see? I saw a bunch of articles. I haven't read them, but like articles like, you know, the title of the article was like, John Bernthal at peace with Punisher getting canceled, like if if it happens, yeah. you know. So they're yeah. all they're all anticipating it. Deborah Ann Wall, who you know who's been involved in past season, like the past season of the Punisher, and I don't know if she shows up in this one or not, and I don't want to spoil that for people if she does or doesn't. Right, but she feels like it's going to get canceled too. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think like it's fucked up, man. It's fucked. I feel so bad. For fans of like the Punisher and like I'm me being a fan of Daredevil, me being a fan of Iron Fest, you know, Dude, it's such a it, it sucks. It seriously is such like a dagger in the heart because, in my opinion, Daredevil. Like I'm not trying to get off topic or anything, yeah. but Daredevil season three was seriously my favorite season. And then they go ahead. It was great. And. And then they go ahead and cancel it. And then so far, I'm, you know, five, six episodes in a Punisher. And it's pretty damn good, aside from, like, some plot holes and stuff. Yeah. But, like, we ain't getting you're it taking anymore. these shows we love. And, it's like, gone. Just ripping them. Yeah. It's gone. And Charlie Cox. Dude, is Charlie Cox losing his fucking mind right now? He's like. He's, oh, he has to be. I bet he should be getting jobs. I'm at, like. I'm seeing. He should be getting jobs left and right. Well, he's like telling fans to like you know sign these petitions and to like you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. And it seems like he, it, like the articles I'm reading, some of the titles are like, it seems like Charlie Cox is like seriously depressed over this shit. Like he loves this character, and the fact wow. that you know seriously, uh-huh. like yeah, like this was his craft. This was this was his job. This was his passion. He loved playing the character of Matt Murdock. He loved showing up to be this character. And now that's been taken away from him. He won't be able to play this character again. And if he does, he's clinically insane because he's not getting paid for it. And if he starts playing this character, people are like, yeah. dude, Charlie, are you okay? Like, you know, what's, what's wrong? Take off those glasses and put away that cane, dude. Like, like You're not blind. Cameras bro. aren't, yeah, cameras aren't rolling, bro. Like, you know, what's wrong? So I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the fans. I'm a fan. I am a fan uh, I don't uh, fucking uh, Inhumans got canceled. I didn't give a shit. Um, but stuff like Daredevil getting canceled, stuff like Jessica Jones possibly getting canceled, even Punisher. Even though I'm not a huge fan of this series, I feel bad for fans of the show like you, Michael. My dad texted me this morning. Hey, finish Punisher. Absolutely loved it. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. It is. <laughs> and, but my dad, hey, hey, my, my dad knows oh, the right. No, it's fine. My dad knows the writings on the wall, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's one of those things where we know that these shows aren't going to be coming back. We were, we were, we were seeing that there was like this, this beautiful, um, thing happening between Netflix and Marvel at the beginning. Oh, we're going to let you have some of these characters that we aren't going to use in the MCU and we want to see them go a little bit darker. We're going to give you control of those characters. And then all of a sudden like Marvel's like, "You know what? We've got we got our own streaming service coming." So, yeah. I I mean, it sucks. It really does suck. That we're not going to get. I, I can't believe that I'm not going to get another season of Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin. Fuck you. I want it. 
right? Yeah. That 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 sucks ass completely because Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin is probably one of the not probably he's one of the best villains that we've seen on the small screen or the big screen in these last couple of years. Well, he, say, good, say, good, say goodbye to our fucking hopes of getting like a Colleen uh, Wing and, uh, you know, Misty Knight series. Yeah. We, no we Daughters were, of the Dragon now. No Daughters which, of the Dragon. We were all yeah. speculating like that's where they're going to go. And like now none of, we're not going to get any of that stuff. It's like it's it's over. It's yeah. over. And so it's one of those things of like, what are we going to get? What are we going to get? What are we going to get Daredevil in the future? And if we do get Daredevil in the future, is it going to ever live up to what we got with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio? Is it going to like wh- – like are we going to forget about that stuff? Because honestly, it has to be amazing for us to forget about it. You've got to – think about that. If fucking Mar- – and I don't care. If Marvel comes out with some show on – and it doesn't matter if it comes out on Hulu or if it comes on, out on Disney+. Plus. And we get a fucking show with Daredevil and Kingpin and all these characters, and it doesn't live up to what Charlie Cox did? Do you, th- do you think fans are going to be happy? Or do you think fans are always going to compare it to that? Right? Oh, they'll, they'll always compare it, for sure. I know. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's no question in my mind that Charlie Cox is Daredevil. So for them to just take it away like that, it is unfortunate. And I know they only released Punisher because it was in production already. Yeah. So, like, like it is what it is. It's unfortunate, and I'm sad to see it go. But uh, but that's who I see as Daredevil, and that's who I see as Punisher, and that's how I'm going to go about my business, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sucks. It really does suck. So, yeah. Um, maybe one of these days I'll finish Punisher season one. Just out. I hope of it. you do. It's, yeah. it's nice, man. Yeah, just go back and kind of like you know, just so I can wrap everything up and just like you know, because I I'm I'm gonna miss this collaboration with Marvel and Netflix. I really am. I I really am. I'm gonna miss these, you know, these teaser trailers that we got for these new shows, and I'm gonna miss like oh, it's it's Friday morning. Let's watch the new season of Luke Cage. You know, I'm going to fucking miss that. Like, it's over now. And it sucks. It really does suck because it was it was an event for everybody. You know, I remember that first Daredevil dropping, man. I blazed through Daredevil in a weekend. And it was fucking an amazing experience. It was so good. It was so good. So... We'll see what happens going forward. Hey, uh, let's move into our next thing. Uh, True Detective Season 3 dropped. Uh, the, the story takes place in the Ozarks over three separate time periods. In, the 19, in 1980, partner detectives Wayne Hayes and Roland West investigate a macabre crime involving two missing children. In 1990, Hayes and West are subpoenaed after a major break in the case. In 2015, a retired Hayes is asked by a true crime documentary producer to look back at the unsolved case. Uh, HBO dropped the first two episodes last weekend, and uh, the first two were directed by Jeremy Saulnier, uh, who I'm typically a big fan of that director. He directed Blue Ruin, uh, Green Room, and then uh, sadly he directed Hold the Dark, which was the Netflix film from last year that I absolutely hated that starred... uh, Jeffrey Wright, who I love, and Alexander Skarsgård, who I also love, but I hated that fucking movie. It was 
absolute garbage. If you want to watch it, it's on Netflix. It's called Hold the Dark, and it's terrible. But I love Jeremy Saulnier. Uh, this uh, show stars uh, Mahershala Ali as the lead character playing Wayne Hayes, a state police detective from Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Ray Fisher, who was cyborg in Justice League, plays Mahershala Ali's son in this season. Uh, Carmen Ayogo plays Amelia Reardon, an Arkansas school teacher with a connection to two missing children in 1980. Steven Dorff, our uh, villain from the first Blade film, and he was also in, uh, he's a child actor from The Gate, uh, plays Roland West, an Arkansas state investigator who's partnered with Mahershal Ali. And Scoot McNary uh, plays Tom. Scoot McNary, you'll remember him as the dude in the wheelchair from Justice League. Um, he plays the father who suffers a terrible loss that ties his fate to that of two state police detectives over 10 years. Um, did both of you watch this or did, did you guys watch this at all? Yeah, loved it. Rebecca? I mean, I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, did you watch watch True Detective Season 3? I did. You did. All right. Rebecca, did you love it as much as 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 much as Michael did? I mean, yeah. I fucking loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um Yeah. But you know, I I I'll just I'll just want to say that I love Mahershala Ali. I mean, I would pretty much watch him read the phone book. Um he's just in, 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 incredible. I love the idea of like Looking back on this old case, uh, I thought I, I love it. I, I love everything about it. I love the cast. Um, I, I don't know, man. What what can I say? I just I think it's incredible. Um, I it's I love it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Yeah, this is. Uh, I, I'm also. I'm going to give this a Tupperware. These first two episodes, I am sucked in. I am sucked in. I, I thought that this, this is a very compelling story. You've got two missing children back in 1980, and it ties in with like the day that uh, Steve McQueen died, and um, I thought that that was just a. I don't know. For me, that was just kind of neat, right? I don't. Just, yeah, that was a cool like thing to add in, just to like throw like time period. Yeah, yeah, like it, like uh, you know, it was it was the day that Steve McQueen died. That's when these kids went missing, and I was, I'm a big, I love Steve McQueen, so I, just, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of neat to th- kind of throw that in there, um, and uh, I, I am, it's it's not just. I mean, I love Mahershala Ali, too, Rebecca. I think he's great. But I think the story here is just this mystery is Mm -hmm. fascinating. Everyone involved in this production is doing a great job. Scoot McNary playing the father of these two kids that go missing. And, you know, I, I... I don't want to spoil this too much. It is a Tupperware. You've got these two kids that go missing. You find out that that um, that they were trick or treating, and this girl gets a kind of like a doll in her in her trick or treat bag, and it's a it's not like a traditional doll. It's something that somebody made, and it looks like it was made kind of like out of like like. Uh, what is it? Sh- 
what would you say that what what, what the fuck was that like kind of like like reeds or something like straw maybe straw yeah it was weird as fuck whatever yeah. it was it was really yeah. weird and yeah, that shit was weird as fuck and it was almost like she, she got that she received that doll in her bag that night of trick-or-treating and like that doll also showed up at the crime scene of like you know like where they ended up finding some evidence of like maybe what happened to these right. kids and so it feels like she she had been targeted that night and there's this mystery and it takes place over three time periods so 1980 then again in 1990 and by the time we're in 2015 Mahershala Ali's character has a really bad memory like we're talking about like dementia at that point right Right. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where like the case has still not been solved and they're and they're filming him for like this kind of like uh you know uh documentary that they're going to throw up on TV but it still feels like this case has dominated a lot of his life and it feels like it's affected his family. You've got Ray Fisher, the son who's still stuck around and is close with his father. But it always feels like his father has been obsessed with this case. It, it affected his marriage. It affected his daughter so much that she doesn't even live there and never wants to come back. And I just want to see all these pieces come together. Like we know from the synopsis that Stephen Dorff's character is still around during the 90s. But like in 2015, we haven't seen him yet. So like we don't even know what Stephen Dorff's character is up to then in that time period. I, I, this fucking true detective is back. It is back. And when you've got a guy like Jeremy Saulnier directing the first two episodes, like, I hope the rest of the season is just as amazing, but this is fucking awesome. This, 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 and it's not just the actors here. They are great, but it's also the story. And I think that that's what made the first season so great because I feel like the second season had some decent fucking actors in it. Right. I mean, didn't it have, wasn't it Rachel McAdams, um, Rachel McAdams, Vince Vaughn, Vince Colin Vaughn, Farrell. Taylor Kitsch, Colin Farrell. Like I like all of them in other things independently. I just feel like it wasn't the story that was as compelling. So I dropped off of that season pretty soon here. I'm sucked in. I'm two episodes yeah. in and I've got to see how this fucking mystery ends. Well, you, what makes this so compelling, too, is what, what you're saying, Brian, I'm totally on board with about how, like, this case has pretty much ruined his life. But it's so true of, like, so many police officers and detectives, like, they always have those one or two cases that they maybe they never solved or they were just so terrible that it always stuck with them. And it really ate them up inside that they that they couldn't figure it out. And and that kind of stuff has always been very compelling to me yeah. as well. And that's why I think it, for sure this works too. I I mean, yeah, for sure, Mahershala I love him, but you are right. It is the story. Oh, no, he's really great. Is. I am not discounting him at all. Oh, no, no. I, I don't think you are either. Yeah. But um, like, and it's true. Like I led with saying how much I love Mahershala yeah. Ali, which I, I do. But I mean, 
if the story is shit, then I could, you know, I could love them all I like. But if the story is shit, then it's shit. But uh, this story is very compelling. It does suck you in. I like that there are different time periods going on here. I love the mystery that they are building for us as the audience. And I just I just want to see how it all works out. And I can't wait to see how it all works out. Yeah, there's that one point where like Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff have thought about a plan of like how they're going to be able to catch maybe the people that were involved in this. So they present it to the higher ups and the higher ups completely do the opposite of what they fucking wanted. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then Mahershala Ali, I thought that this was really cool. Like he was coming down on Stephen Dorff. Like, why didn't you fucking speak up? Because they'll listen to you. And it was definitely a race thing. Mahershala Ali was like, dude, you're fucking white. Like these white guys will listen to you. I yeah, you know, like I have that. Um, sorry, I I have that written down. Like I thought that I agree with both of you. These first two episodes were a Tupperware all day for me. Yeah. This for me, True Detective returned to true form. Yes, with the season. And what makes this different is how. Well, they've always done the flashback and forth with time, right? And the interviews with McConaughey and he's doing the beer cans and everything. But this isn't like that. Like, they're doing three different time periods with Ali, Mahershala Ali. And then they're also jumping back. And him and Steven Dorff make such great partners. Their dynamic is fantastic, especially the point you just brought up about the race card. Yeah. So, like. When they're talking about the racism thing, he was just like, well, why Why didn't you say anything? Like, why didn't you say anything? He was like, because you said it already. He's like, dude, you know what I mean. He goes, no, I don't know what you mean. Why don't you tell me, Wayne? And, like, it's just their partnership, it's, it's more than just acting. Like, this is some serious shit right here. Like, these guys together put on a fantastic performance that I've been needing right now for True Detective. Fuck and it's yes. Like, Fuck yes, it's fucking back, Michael. Yeah. It's fucking it, True Detective is back. Like this is great. This is awesome shit. What's fucked up though is seeing uh Steven Dorff smoking a real cigarette and not one of those fucking blue cigarettes that he's fucking shilling oh. <laughs> on TV all the fucking time, right? Like an e-cig? Yeah, like, he's smoke. smoke up. You remember those fucking blue cigarettes, those <laughs> e-cigs that he was fucking shilling on TV all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steven Dorff, though, like, side note, Steven Dorff, like, I loved him, like, since uh, this movie Felon. I don't know if you've ever seen Felon. Uh Uh-uh. Steven Dorff and Felon, just make a mark of it and go watch it because that was the movie that made me fall in love with Steven Dorff. You are tapping the fuck out of your goddamn table again. I am going to strangle you. I am going to fucking strangle you, Michael. True true Detective Season season 4, who killed Michael Winkler? (laughs) All right, you're right. I did. I'm sorry. I was trying to make a point. I'll make a point in the air this time. So if you have not seen Felon... Go watch that because Stephen Dorff blows the doors off of that. But um, back to True Detective, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, there are some true moments of race, which we come across in the first couple episodes, one of which, which I brought up, you brought up, about them talking about, why didn't you tell the higher up? You're, you know, you're white. Like, he would have listened to you. And then, like, later in the second episode, they come across another thing when they – do a questionable act of police duty and uh, they end up at a barn, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then race comes up then. Yes. And like 
race comes up in a lot of parts, but also the love story between Mahersha Ali and his love interest. Like it, all of it is just so fantastic. And the transitions from the three different timelines, that kind of gets you too, because he'll be looking into a puddle and the moonlight will turn into a light that he's doing an interview in. Mm. And then he'll be talking into a mirror about a suspect and then he'll look into a mirror and he's his old self again. So it's like, there's a lot of that going on. So you're not sure whether to trust him as a narrator. Like he's an unreliable narrator, in my opinion, um, just from his old age. And I feel like he is relying on his wife's book, maybe a little too much. Yeah, and it's also kind of like a little bit like Memento where he's got recorded himself in the past and like prepping himself for each day because he forgets things. If you've ever seen Memento with Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite movies. Love that movie. I Yeah, he yeah. he has he has the recording tapes where he's like, "Listen, man, like you're going to do this." He has it all set up. It kind of reminds me of like 51st Dates. Yeah. Where they have like that video for Drew Barrymore, so she remembers everything. It's kind of like that, and it like reminds him of the date. So he like records the day before, and then says, "If you have any questions, look in your nightstand." And then he opens his nightstand. You know, there's like his gun, his badge, and like his memo pad, and like all that other stuff. So. You need to have a fucking like uh, recorded memo telling you not to tap on your goddamn table the entire fucking episode, Michael. Ah. Uh, I haven't done it since you brought it up last, so... I'm I'm, oh, 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 you've done so well the last five minutes, Michael. <laughs> Bravo. Take a goddamn bow, but try not to hit the table when you do it, you son of a bitch. All right, hey, bro. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. It's first time guest, and I'm really I'm breaking you in. It's I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, listeners. <laughs> <to my topic. laughs> it's God. It's hi. Hey, you know Michael's on the podcast when you hear you this. Know I'm on a roll when you hear me fucking slam my face. Gosh, <laughs> damn! The entire time, it's like it. It's a, this is an audio based thing. People listen, right, Michael? Like, be considerate, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you inconsiderate. Fuck. Um, you're, <laughs> you're That's what not, they call me up here in New York. <laughs> you inconsiderate fuck. That's what everyone calls me. It's fine. It's, I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> now he's getting... Don't get all in your head about it. You did it. You fucked up. It's over now. Just knock it off. Knock it off. <laughs> Rebecca, what are you thinking? Any, any final thoughts on True Detective Season 3? I mean, I can only just reiterate what you guys have said. Um, then don't. Michael, I... Okay, that's it. The You're end. done. <laughs> You're done. I, you know, I don't. We don't need to go back there. Okay, that's fine. I'm done. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Nailed it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You nailed it. It's great. It's great, guys. There's, 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 there's tons of mystery. Um, you're going to find out things about these kids that have gone missing that'll shock you. Um, there's, there's possibly like this cult element that's going on. You've got to watch this. This is this is incredible television. It's incredible acting. You've got not only an incredible mystery here, um, but you've also got some really great actors, Mahershala Ali, and uh, just just 
seriously, just putting on a clinic here. It's fucking amazing. I saw Ben is back. Have you guys seen the trailers for this one? Yes, I've seen the trailer. Yeah, uh, follows the charming yet troubled Ben Burns, who returns home to his unsuspecting family. One fateful Christmas Eve, Ben's wary mother, Holly Burns, welcomes her beloved son's return, but soon learns he is still very much in harm's way during the 24 hours that may change their lives forever. Holly must do everything in her power to avoid the family's downfall. Instructed by Peter Hedges, he's a writer and best known for uh, About a Boy, Pieces of April, and uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, this one stars Julia Roberts, Lucas Hedges, and Courtney B. Vance. And it's basically about Lucas Hedges has been in rehab for 70-plus days. He was a heavy drug user, got into a lot of trouble, and uh, they sent him off. The family's really worried about him. He has done some really bad things to them, lied, stolen from them, put them in danger, and so he's been in rehab. Um, the mother, played by Julia Roberts, basically, you know, Lucas found out that the one thing that she wanted for Christmas was him there for Christmas. So he takes it literally and then comes back home. And he's coming back home a little bit prematurely. He might not be ready to come back home and be out of the clinic, out of rehab. Um, and things kind of get crazy when he gets home, there are people that recognize him. He still kind of like owes people money and things. And he's still tempted by drugs and things just kind of get out of control. I loved this movie. I, I give it a Tupperware. Like I, I thought beautiful boy was really good. And that dealt with like drug use and families and stuff like that. But like, I felt like this added, like a little bit of danger element to it, like with the people that this guy was involved in. And so you didn't really know where this one was going to go. And I was, I was really on the edge of my seat with this one throughout the movie. There's a really powerful scene too, where um, you've got Lucas Hedges and Julia Roberts and they're in a church together. And you've got the girl that plays his younger sister singing in the church. And, um, there's just like there's just singing she's just singing like a like a christmas song and all of a sudden you see lucas hedges start to just cry and you just i was i, I was overcome with emotion like i knew why he was crying and yeah. it just kind of like i don't know i got kind of like swept up and kind of like fell uh, uh i fell in love with like uh these characters as far as like wanting him to like pull through and i wanted him to to beat this thing. And I wanted the family to feel like a whole unit again. They've gone through so much. And, and, um, but you know, like the sins of his past are still kind of like creeping up on him and he can't escape them. And there's always that temptation of like drugs and, and things like that again. And so I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I would highly recommend watching Ben is back. Um, there's, there's enough here to, as far as like, you know, just like the family element and then also just like kind of like uh, that danger element, like not knowing what's going to happen with this guy. And I give it a Tupperware. I really like this one. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I, the 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 trailers for this movie got me really excited. I'm a big fan of the writer's work. Um, 
I, I loved, I, I really liked uh, Beautiful Boy. Um, his other movie that he did that you mentioned, Pieces of April, is probably one of my favorite movies. It's up there. Like, it's a very sort of small movie that a lot of people have not seen, but I really love that movie and I encourage everybody to seek it out. Um, it's, it's, um, Katie Holmes was in that movie. She mm. did that like right after Dawson's Creek. Um, wow. I'm super excited. I'm, I'm going to check this one out for sure, but I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you, that you loved it so much. I really, I really did. I thought it was really good. I really like this movie. So yeah. Um, the ending, I don't know. I don't know. Ending, I can give or take. But everything else I really liked. So I, I am going to give it a Tupperware overall. So Nice. Yeah. Um, let's talk about... Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about... I'm sorry. <laughs> who, who, was, who was they? Who got, said, who, that, was, um, that was Salt and Pepper, wasn't it? Was that Salt and Pepper? Yeah, that was I Salt and Pepper. So, right? Yeah, that was Salt and Pepper. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cinderella mix it up one time. There you go. Yeah, it was. And, yeah, <laughs> there it, it, you it go. was. It was salt and pepper. Yeah. With Spinderella. Spinderella right. in the house, right? Yes. I sound like such a white piece of shit right there. Cinder. <laughs> Spin- <laughs> Spin- Spinderella was in the house at that moment. Spinderella I was uh, actually, in fact, in the house. Yeah, well, we do have Spinderella in the hizzy. Um, oh, God, don't ever say that. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I just making a Jesus. Anyway, yeah, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's talk about Wayne. Let's talk about Wayne. Let's do this. Let's talk about Wayne. Let's talk about Wayne. Uh, Wayne uh, on YouTube Premium. Uh, Wayne, a 16-year-old dirty Harry with a heart of gold, sets out on a dirt bike from Boston to Florida with his new friend Dell to get back the shit-hot 78 Trans Am that was stolen from his father before he died. This is an action comedy series. It's created by Sean Simmons. He wrote nine of these episodes. He's been involved before with uh, uh, with a slew of comedies that I've never seen before. But um, uh, one was called The Troop, and then two series that he did. He did two series that have the word buckets in the title, which is weird. He did a, uh, he did a series called Bucket and Skinner. He did a series called Bucket. Oh, no, wait, hold on. Skinner's Epic... Ad- yeah, Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures. <laughs> And then the, okay. the, hold on. the second series is called Curvy Buckets. He <laughs> likes buckets, huh? He loves, he's a big, he's like, fuck it, I'm doing another bucket show, <laughs> is what he said. That's what he said. Those are the words that came out of this guy's mouth. But um, I know that uh, in this series, Wayne, the guys from Deadpool were involved, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Uh, they actually only wrote the third episode 
uh, of this series, but they were executive producers on this one too. Um, so they weren't involved on in the whole series, but they did write that third episode. This one stars Mark McKenna as Wayne. And if you look at this guy in this series, he looks like the love child of Gary Oldman and John Cusack. Um, Sierra Bravo plays Dell, and Joshua J. Williams is in this one as well. He plays he plays Wayne's best friend, and then Michael Malley was in this one as well. If you guys remember Michael Malley from uh, sitcoms, what was that sitcom he was in? Uh, Meet Dave. Uh, he might have been or in Glee. that. No, I'm thinking about that one that was on TV for a while. <laughs> like they oh, like, my name is our shit. Never mind, Michael. Just it's, just start. My name is Earl. He wasn't in that. No, no, he wasn't. When he's just, when you, I don't know, smash your table. <laughs> oh, don't you have a don't you have a table to tap on relent, unrelent, <laughs> relentlessly? Mike O'Malley, hold on, Mike O'Malley. Yeah, meet Dave is one of them. You're right there. I'm trying to think. What was that one fucking show that I used to watch him in? The Good Place? No, I didn't want. I don't want. I, I watched maybe a couple episodes of that. What was this? Oh, okay. Oh, he was in fucking Axe Cop, the animated show? He was in one episode. He played Ray. Axe Cop yeah, was he's, fun. He's done a lot of stuff. He's, yeah, he's, he's been around. Uh, what was this one? What was that one? I'm still in the... T- Jesus. Oh, he was in My Name is Earl. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm a fucking idiot. You're right. I'm wrong. Oh, yes, dear. He was in <laughs> Yes, dear. That was the stupid show I was looking for. Oh, that one? I don't know okay. how the fuck Yes, dear was on for like seven seasons. It must have uh, six seasons. It must have came on after something that was really good because that show was not that good. But I've I wa- never watched not one episode <laughs> of this show. I unfortunately have watched quite a few. I don't know why. <laughs> But I did. Hey, let's rent this. Uh, ra- rent it. Let's rate this. I'm drunk. Fuck it. I'm drunk. Yes, that's true. Um, let's rate this episode, uh, this series. You know what? Fuck it. Let- I-, <laughs> I need to go to bed. Um, let's rate Wayne. What did you guys? And I, I honestly, we can we can get as spoilery as you want to on that first episode because I want people to kind of understand like what this is about but i don't want to like spoil the fuck out of this whole series as a whole if that makes sense mm-hmm. but uh i i think as far as the first episode's concerned you guys can spoil the fuck out of it but what are you gonna rate wayne and how many episodes have you seen rebecca i have seen the entire series um well you overachiever listen to you over there <laughs> Well, I mean, the good thing is that these episodes are about 30-ish minutes, so they go by pretty quickly, which is great. You can knock it out. If you're very ambitious, you can knock it out in a day. Um, I want to say that from within the first couple of minutes of the first episode, I was completely all in. Um, Also, uh, Wayne is like – I thought about this for a while – if Napoleon Dynamite and John Wick had a kid and let him watch nothing but John Hughes movies, you've got Wayne. Like, this kid is just so oddball and so violent 
and so insanely the whole show is insanely hilariously well written uh, but it's not like overly funny it's just everybody is so odd that it just works and then he's just such a deep down he's a good kid like he just wants to help people and I watched all 10 of these episodes and I Tupperware the fuck out of this show it is worth getting YouTube premium to watch this show like yes Cobra Kai was amazing but this show is like a whole nother thing and I loved every second of it I was laughing then I'm crying, and then I'm like, oh, my God, the violence. But every episode took me all over on the range of emotion. But I, I love this series. It's incredible. All right. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Then I'm going to let Michael take over because uh, I 100 percent I've watched the entire season as well. Um, I have not been let down by YouTube premium yet, and it's. I'm really worried about YouTube premium as going forward with like some of the announcements that they've made as far as them going free. Um, I don't think ad supported is going to be able to sustain the model that they have now. I really don't. I don't think ad supported is, I mean, you look at like what uh, Facebook watch has right now, as far as their content's concerned, it's not on the level of like what this is, right? I mean, it really isn't. Nobody's talking about Facebook Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, this show is a Tupperware. It it feels I love. Okay, YouTube Premium Cobra Kai is great. I loved Impulse. I loved Origin. And here I am. I fucking Tupperware the fuck out of Wayne. This is amazing. It feels like a like a like an amazing comic book. Like just like a a hyper crazy violent comic book it's so good and you've got like these kids who i fall in love with i love wayne i love his girlfriend Dell, and they both come from these rough backgrounds they both want to be good kids they both want to do good things you find out Mm -hmm. they both want to be good but like they they could also like take it to a level of violence which is just a it's insane the level of, of violence that wayne can go to the level of violence that Dell can go to. Um, I love Wayne because like there's things about him that I absolutely love. I love how he's never like watched anything on HBO before, but he, <laughs> but he, he doesn't know like what Lord of the Rings is. Yeah. He doesn't know like anything pop culture. Well, he's never even tried waffles in his entire fucking life. <laughs> he's never eaten waffles before, mm-hmm. but he watches soap operas. I don't know. And then, like, the first episode where he's meets Dell, she's trying to sell him Girl Scout cookies, and he's got a huge crush on her from the beginning, and but he wants to get this car back that his dad left to him. His dad bought this car, this 78 Trans Am, beautiful Trans Am, gold Trans Am. It's got, like, the fucking, like, you know... That that uh, that fucking like phoenix on the the on the on the hood. It's a beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful fucking car, you know. And his dad left it to him, but his mother, his like birth mother, fucking has the car. Gave it to like her new family, her new like husband and son. And so like that's what this whole movie's about. Is like that road trip to get that car back. And you've got like. 
Dell, this girl that he loves, and she's got her own family with like these twin brothers that are fucking crazy and shit. This all takes place in Boston. I love the accents too that they have out there. It's that adds to the humor. And then like fucking Wayne bites the fucking dad's nose off. <laughs> bites his nose off. Oh my god. This kid. Oh my god. I love when like he sees so- I'm so sorry Brian. I'm stepping on your inter- on your review but No. Like, go ahead. When he when he sees something happening that he like he knows he has to do something about, they just like focus on him and you just hear that like one guitar riff. It's like there and then oh, he just, yes. just goes off. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just amazing. I love the show. I'm going to let Michael Michael talk to me. Talk to me, man. No, no yeah. Uh, uh, shit. Just like you guys said, man, Wayne is over the top hilarious, violent. And it's also relatable in some parts. Um, you feel for the kid. Uh, dude, the kid has nunchucks. He has a motorcycle. He has this cool best friend named Orlando who has, like, all the fly gear. He's kind of like his bodyguard. What made me laugh so hard – actually, here, let me finish, like, reviewing it real quick. So uh, Wayne meets this girl Dallas trying to sell him cookies. Uh, so what made her stand out to me is he's like, uh, yeah, like cookies, like what kind you got? She was like, well, I got chocolate, peanut butter. Uh, I got these coconut ones that taste like fucking asshole. And then I got the lemon ones. And he was like, uh, okay. He's like, you want to come inside and hang out? And she was like, well, you're some like weirdo or something. And he was like, no, no, like I'm not weird. And he was like, cause the guy down the street wanted to see my feet. He's like, no, 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 I'm not a weirdo. And then, like, brings her out to the room and, like, puts on music and he does, like, this dead salmon kind of dance. Dude, like, I fucking love it. And, like, what Rebecca was saying about, uh, like, the abrupt rock song that just drops when Wayne's about to kick ass. Yeah. Like, dude, like, and there was well timed, witty humor, well executed action fight scenes, like, there were a lot of like quick zooms to like certain items. Like it reminded me of like uh, Shaun of the Dead when they like zoom in real quick to like a really important item. And uh, I just feel like it was charming as hell, man. Like this movie is, or uh, sorry, this show is like on another level, man. Like I watched the whole thing just like you guys. Yeah. And uh, another thing about the first episode, uh, that guy Orlando, when you meet him, his best friend, um, He's talking to this girl in like a head brace. She must have like broke her neck or something. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and Wayne's like, what the fuck happened to her? And he's like, well, yo, she gets that thing off in six months, man. I'm playing the slow game. She fine as hell under that hardware. <laughs> like, <laughs> like shit like that is just like unreal. Like, dude, this show has me dying from start to finish, man. Episode one to episode 10 i'm laughing uncontrollably like the humor in this is right up my alley and definitely you could tell like i mean you can't tell from uh the way it is but like the writers of uh deadpool and like zombie land like you yeah. you could tell reason warnick had like a hand in this like just the way that it's like written and like the uber violence and the uber comedy and Honestly, it's, I think I think they did a great I think they did a great job, but I think we need to I think we need to bow down to Sean Simmons, the creator of this show. 
Like, oh yeah, for I, sure. I want to percent. Yeah, I think yeah. Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick did a great job with this too. But I think, I think Sean Simmons, I think this guy, I want to see him do more shit. It's it, he just he fucking killed it. I I was so happy to see um, in one of the later episodes we saw one of, Peyton Meyer who played the vending machine guy. <laughs> yeah, at the oh, hospital. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, Peyton Meyer oh. was from. He's a child actor from Girl Meets World, which was the Boy Meets World spinoff on Disney Channel. And yeah. I was like, "Holy fuck!" It's Peyton Meyer who played Lucas in Girl Meets World, and here he is like dropping fucking curse words. I was like, "Yes, this is great!" <laughs> I oh my god, I fucking love this show. It is yes. This is like if you're gonna get that, um, you know, YouTube Premium, uh, you know, free trial. Knock this out and then knock out Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Like you got to. Wayne is so good. What do you guys Damn. think as far as like season two is concerned? Are you hoping like like it, no? Here's the thing. I'm not asking like. Are you? Do you hope we get like? Do you hope we get a season two? Fuck yeah! You hope we get a season two. Do you think we're going to get a season two? I'm worried. Like, I'm really worried with, like, the future direction of YouTube Premium if we're going to get a season two out of Wayne. Because, like, honestly, like, as much as I love some of the content that Netflix comes out with, as I know quality versus quantity, I think YouTube Premium's got them beat at this point. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. You would, I, I feel like you wouldn't see anything like this on on Netflix. Not not really. Um, and, and Netflix puts out plenty of good stuff. And but you're right, it's this is quality over quantity. So, you know, with the with this series and then like with the Cobra Kai series, those shows were both incredibly well done, well acted, well written, the whole nine. With this show with Wayne. And I'm, now I'm really kicking myself because the the Alamo Draft House here in New York was doing a special. Yeah, uh, you could have seen this fucking shit in the theater. I am so mad at myself that I didn't go and see it in the theater because I saw it and I was like, oh, yeah, I do want to see that. I'll just watch it on on the app when it drops. I, I don't need to go to the theater. And I'm really kicking myself because I think I would have had a blast. How many in, episodes in the, were they dropping in the theater? I think it was just the first two. Yeah. It still would have been worth it. Fuck yeah. yeah. Dude, like now that I've seen the whole thing, you know, I now I'm kicking myself over it because I think seeing this in a theater with a bunch of people would have been an amazing experience. Wayne is uh, fucking but- crazy. If you guys want to see fucking hyper violence and shit, Wayne is fucking nuts when he wants to be fucking nuts. Like, yeah. His fucking dad dies and he hates his landlord, so he burns his fucking house down with his fucking dead dad in the house to get back at the landlord. Wayne fucking... The, the fucking blood drive scene is fucking insane. <gasps> oh, yeah. Can we just... Okay. Can we just acknowledge, and you guys know what I'm talking about, the scene with the police sergeant when he yes. when he fights? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Fucking Thailand. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, just Thailand. I am sitting there like, oh, my God, I have to see this. I have to see Oh, my God, please show me more. Like, I just... The guy, the other cop who's I have to take pictures for my blog. Oh, oh my god! 
He's got he's like for, Instagramming pea soup and shit. And he goes, yo, he has all these spices. Like that's in hilarious. His hold on, hold on. I love that soup shit. That soup shit was hilarious. <laughs> he killed me. Because he like you said, Michael, he had like cilantro leaves in a little jar and he was like putting yes. it on there. I need more light. Like all my viewers need to see what I'm doing. Oh my it was insane. And the 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 dad with the twins. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, the dad know? is. You know who the dad is? That's fucking mayhem from those monsters, baby. Yes, mayhem from those uh, car commercials. Yeah, the insurance, the yeah. the car insurance commercials. Yeah, the car insurance guy, and then um, the the two kids who played his his twin sons. They are twins in real life. And they actually have – they're actually two of, 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 of triplets. They have a fraternal twin sister. Hmm. So th- those two guys, like, apparently like, – like, that's their thing. They act together a lot. And um, I thought they were hel- – that, that dynamic between the hey, three Rebecca, of them. do you remember the Barbarian Brothers? The Barbarian – wait a minute. Do you remember those yeah. twins? Do you remember the Barbarian Brothers from when we were kids? Do you remember those guys? The Barbarian Brothers. Yeah. I'm, uh, first off, we're going to get to the Wayne Conan the Barbarian obsession here in a second. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, But yeah, we're yeah, also yeah. talking about twins right now. But do you you don't remember the Barbarian Brothers? This is familiar to me, but I what show were that was this on? They were, or, or was the show called that? They did uh, – these guys did uh, – th- these guys did movies. They uh, they, they were t- – they were two twins that were jacked. They did a movie called The Barbarians. Um, they oh, were, I don't remember her. They were two twins that were just – they did a movie called Double Trouble. They did a movie called Twin Sitters. They did a movie called Think Big. They call, Everybody called them the Barbarian Brothers. They were two twins that were – you don't remember these guys? You got to. I, I, I'm, I'm looking them up right now, and I do not remember them. Oh my gosh! I know people out there. I know there's some of you out there that know what I'm talking about. The Barbarian Brothers. I don't think I, I've ever seen any of their movies. La- but, what okay. was it last week? I was bringing up Brian Bosworth for Christ's sake, and here I am. Yeah. Here I am bringing up <laughs> the, the Barbarian Brothers. From the eighties, uh, uh, remember the Fat Boys, Rebecca? Remember oh, those guys? Yeah, yeah, I remember the Fat Boys. <laughs> I remember the Fat Good. Boys. Good. All right, all right, all right. I just wanted to bring balance back into the into the world. Uh, but yeah, uh, Wayne loves Conan the Barbarian, and I love that about Wayne. Of course, I, I thought about you when I was watching this. I'm like, oh, Brian's gonna love that. Yeah, this kid loves Conan the Barbarian. Um, oh man! Onto what you were saying before, Rebecca, when he like doesn't know about Lord of the Rings or anything, she was like, "You ain't you ain't never read no books like Lord of the Rings," and he was like, "I don't know what the hell that is," and she was like, "Well, what have you read?" He was like, "Conan, is that a book?" <laughs> she was like, "Oh my fucking god!" Yeah, like, <laughs> I I couldn't agree more about the accents. The accents add so much to this because yeah. they're from like. They're from Brockton, Massachusetts. They've got these super thick Massachusetts accents. Um, and the, the whole show are, is about them finding a car. About a car. We're going down to Florida. We're going to get my dad's car. We're going to hila- oh park, park the car in Harvard Yard. Harvard Yard. Park the car in Harvard Yard. But, um, you know, but then, like, you have episodes like the episode that's all about Dell. Yeah, and her mom. Love it. Yeah, that was which good. 
I think I sobbed through most of that of that episode. Yes. And, and don't get me wrong, it's there's a lot of humor in sure. it. Absolutely. But there's a lot of pain. And that's mm. that's something about this show. You know, Mike, you said the show is very charming. I I 100% agree. This show has a lot of heart to it. Mm-hmm. And this show is about pain and it's about love and it's about it's about who your family really is. And I know that that sounds cheesy as fuck and tropey, but it works. It, it, it really works in it, this show. It only sounds cheesy when you say it, Rebecca. Oh, well, thanks so much for saying that. Yeah. You fought back there, Rebecca. I like that. Real, you're, you're a little fucking well, You're we, a scrapper. Uh, hey, Michael, on. shut up. Why don't you go oh, tap hold something? Hold Sorry. on. I'm, Sorry. I'm four beers in. So me and Rebecca is going to show up a lot more now. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. You're standing up for yourself. You know what I mean? You're wearing the you're wearing the big girl panties. <laughs> I always wear my big girl panties. Good. Good. You're standing up. I like that. All right, Michael. <laughs> you, here, Michael back with, with uh, some important point about something. What do you got, bud? <laughs> <laughs> back, back, back to what Rebecca was saying. I'm about all right. I got an important point to make. My name's Michael. Let's get. <laughs> what do you got, man? Brian. You did you say that like John Bernthal Punisher? Yeah, that was the point. You like the moaning and groaning, right? I you totally grunted a fuck you there. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna I'm 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 tipping my hat to you right now, sir. Thank you, sir. So what I really enjoyed in this, what I forgot to bring up, is that the uh the brother Dell's brothers who are twins. Yeah. The father only buys one Adidas tracksuit and one gets the pants and one gets the jacket. Hot cake! Fucking hot cakes. Fucking hot on my fucking birthday. We're getting fucking hot I love this show. Oh, my God. I wish more people were watching it. I, w- I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like, if this was on Netflix, everyone would be talking about Wayne right now. And, and, and the sad thing is, is that not everybody has a YouTube premium subscription. So you're not going to get those discussions about Wayne. This is mm-hmm. a show that people need to be talking about. This is a show that could, like, by the end of this year, Rebecca, um, next year we could be talking about this in the Tupperwares. It's that good. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I I watched this show, and as soon as it was – not even when it was – when I finished it, but – Within like the first three episodes, I was talking about it on on Leftover Army page, and I was like, yeah. seriously, get, get on this show. Yeah, like it is. It's going to take a lot for a show to, if it wants to call itself like a like a like a comedy type show. Like it's going to take a lot to top this for me at this point. And I know we're we're only in January, but. Something big is going to have to come along for me to say, wow, that was better than this. But this is just so unique. And it's just so, oh, my God. I can't praise it enough. Get, Do not sleep on this show. Get on YouTube Premium. Watch this show. Talk about it. Tweet about it. Facebook about it. Like, get it out there. It's hard. At the end of the year, like, if if we're doing, like, best TV show, it's hard to compare, like – 
way into True Detective season three at the end of the day, right? I mean, no, yeah, for sure. So it's yeah. like it's hard to. It's almost like you want to break it down. You want to deconstruct it a little bit more and be like, oh, best comedy goes to you know Wayne. Best like you know drama you know goes to. But you know, at the end of the day, we're gonna have to make that decision. Like, did we have a better experience with Wayne or True Detective season three? At the end of the day, we're gonna have to figure that out. So yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. I Wayne, I Tupperware it all day long. This is a blast. If you're a huge fan of like the Deadpool movies, you're really gonna have a lot of fun with this. If you're a fan of like hyper violence, you're gonna have a lot of fun with this. I feel like you know, like you talked about my name is Earl earlier. I feel like this is like my name is Earl meets Deadpool for some reason because you do have some of that like weird kind of like (sighs) southern redneck white trash humor that shows up in this one but with like on like but with like ultra violence happening at the same time i i love this show it's a blast it's fun yeah it's amazing like i I, I just yeah get 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 on YouTube and watch this show. It is yeah. so good. Yeah, get on YouTube, you stupid fox, and watch this. You fucking pieces of shit. And that's only the first episode, you sons of bitches. We didn't even talk about Reggie or any of the other great characters. So find out. Yeah. So find out, you fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a quick break and come back, and we'll talk about two trailers. And then we're going to jump into news. All right. We'll be right back. I didn't even get your responses. Like, if you were okay with that suggestion. I just said, we're doing that. <laughs> I was like, that's what we're doing in this moment in time. I'm going with the flow. Dude. Haven't you noticed I didn't do the finger bang since my third fucking... <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. It's like I've had to literally chastise you like four fucking times now. But it's now crazy. It's like, you know, it's like you're a TV evangelist at the fucking pulpit. And you're like, all right. And then Jesus did this for your soul and that and this. And blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, dude. We get it. Yeah, yeah. All right, I appreciate you, know- you pointing that out, though. Yeah, I had to. It was it was ridiculous, Michael. The shame I would feel if I were you in this moment. That's the shame I'm feeling. <laughs> Sir, it would be a level of shame I would not be able to deal with or even like, comprehend. I hear it sometimes when I'm recording with other people, and I hear it and I'm not doing it, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that noise is. And oh, I, I wonder what, what it is. feels like to be that fucking dickhead. Oh, I'll do yeah. it. I'll do it no, on episode 268 of PCL. I'll be that fucking asshole making that godforsaken noise. <laughs> I wonder what it feels like to be that piece of shit. Here we go. Let's do it. Uh, uh, my name's Michael. <laughs> what the fuck, oh. man? <laughs> 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 Woo! All right, hey. Moral story. Since your <laughs> since your third warning, I haven't done it. So I've been keeping okay. track. Okay. All right. All right. Now you now you now you're like uh you're acting like a goddamn toddler right now. Nah, I'm just, nah, I'm just playing. I know. Aren't I, I being good, mommy? Aren't I being good? <laughs> Fuck it, dude. When I get fucking hyped about something, man, I'll fucking like do that, just like like that, right there. <laughs> 
just to like make a fucking point. But like now that I realize, you know, I have this equipment and shit like that, it picks it up. I don't do it anymore. I felt so. like I was listening to like what's that song? What's that song? Uh, Huey Lewis in the news. The hard rock and roll still beating <laughs> in Cleveland, Detroit. <laughs> Harder rock and roll. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with two trailers, John Wick 3, Parabellum, and uh, another trailer I can't wait to talk about. We'll be right back. Listen, group, it's simple. If you want to help the Pop Culture Leftovers, go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. Hey, we are back, and you know what? Not only do we have a couple trailers to talk about, but you know what? My my uh, fucking insensitive ass forgot about Rebecca's good pop, bad pop altogether. Rebecca, what do you got? <laughs> so, um, you're going to talk I, about the Barbarian Brothers' latest movie? I cannot. Do you you don't remember the Barbarian Brothers? I don't know why I don't remember them. That's right in my that's right in my time frame when yeah. I should have been aware of them. And I am not. I completely not. And I feel like I've missed something now. Guys, if you remember the Barbarian Brothers, this is the only time I ever want you to reach out to me. Other than that, I want your existence to be a complete, like, uh, seriously, like, uh, like, I I don't want to know anything about you at all. And I don't care. I I don't care about your existence. But if you remember... (laughs) (laughs) If you remember the Barbarian Brothers, I want you to send me an email, brian at popcultureleftovers.com, and tell me about the Barbarian Brothers and what they mean to you. Please, don't send me a bullshit email, all right? Send me a real fucking email about a real Barbarian Brothers experience. So, Rebecca, you think I'm crazy with this Barbarian Brothers stuff, don't you? No, I don't think you're crazy, but because usually when – because you and I are the same age. So when you say to me, Rebecca, do you remember blah, 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 99 times out of 100, my answer is, yeah, dude, I totally remember that. And then this is the one time where I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I know. It's so wild. The Barbarian. They were a flash in the pan, though. They really were. They were hot for a while. And then they mm-hmm. were, hey, Rebecca, what do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? All righty. So uh, the first thing I did want to talk about is um, the Rift Tracks live event that I went to about two weeks ago. Mm. Uh, so uh, this this is um, it's not really Rift Tracks. I can't really call it that. It's called The Mads Are Back. And it is Frank Conniff and Trace Beaulieu from Mystery Science Theater. So if you are a, a Misty, you know who exactly who those guys are. It's TV's Frank and Dr. Forrester. Yes. Um, so they have teamed up and they've been doing this for a couple of years now where they will tour and they will have a couple of movies in in the rotation. And they do these usually at, at Alamo Draft Houses and uh, they will live riff a movie. And so I saw these tickets go on sale. They were 
like the price of a regular ticket at Alamo Draft House. So I snatched them up. Um, I, I texted you about it, and yeah. like I think you were just as excited as I was for how, this. Thing. How, I gotta know, like, see, like I I love listening to like you know Mike Nelson and and Kevin Murphy, and I, I love listening to those guys like do the riff tracks, like. What's mm-hmm. it like listening to Frank? Con- like, what's it like listening to these guys do a riff tracks event? Oh, it was it was a blast. They, um, what's really cool is, you know, they they've got a script, of course, right? Because they, they they've watched this movie at least one or one or two times. They've got a script, but the night of the riff, they don't have a script out. Like they're basically just going off memory of jokes that they've written. Mm. And then they throw in some, like they throw in some stuff that is more topical. So they, they Sorry. really, um, my cat just spilled beer for the second time oh tonight. God. This is unreal. He, <laughs> he really, really. Sorry, Rebecca, you continue. I'm just going to, no, I gotta clean. I gotta clean this. God damn it! Do you, do you want to pause? Hee hee! And that was Estella. Why couldn't you have knocked over the Rolling Rock? What's wrong <laughs> with you? You're if you weren't so goddamn handsome, I would. You you're just so you're just oblivious to like just knocking <laughs> shit over. What the fuck is up with you tonight? You've never knocked over beers before. And tonight you've, you're two for two. What is going on? What's going? Are you, seriously, talk to me. <laughs> What's going on? Are, are you? Th- I think he's worried about me, and he's like, "Daddy, I think you're a fucking alcoholic." I want this. I want. I want this booze out of the house. What is it? All right, sorry, Rebecca. I really apologize. Hold on. Give me. Let me pause real quick. No problem. All right, we're back. Rebecca, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, that's okay. Um, anyway, so uh, the the movie that these guys riffed was um, from 1953, I think. Uh, it's called The Neanderthal Man. Yeah, it's from 53, and it's a really classic 50s, terrible sci-fi movie. And it's about a professor who's an expert in prehistoric life. He basically makes a serum to regress animals back to their sort of caveman-like appearances. So um, he, like, regresses cats to uh, saber-toothed tigers and all kinds of stupid shit. And it's – I mean, it's what you expect from a terrible 50s sci-fi movie. Um, And these guys, of course, they just tore it to pieces – you know, and b- both Frank and Trace are quite political, so a lot of their jokes are very topical and have a lot of a political slant to them. Um, and you could hear, like, um, they they made one particular joke, and, and the audience was like, whoa, that kind of thing. And and Trace just yelled out, he, he yelled something like, uh, it's the truth, Brooklyn. Wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hilarious. You know, and... Um, there was this thing in the, in the movie where, like, every time somebody would get out of a car, everybody would get out of the passenger side. And nobody would get out of the driver's side of the car. So, of course, like, they're, like, making fun of this. Like, so every time a car pulls up and the door opens, they'll be like, hey, maybe this is the time. With Oh, they fucking got out of the passenger side. Why? Why? Like, it's just, it's hilarious. So 
if ever like you have a chance to um go to a live event with Frank and Trace or if you live like where they do the uh the riff tracks that's um, in uh they do that and they do that in Nashville I think Nashville it's Nashville yeah Tennessee yeah yep so if you ever have a chance to go, I highly recommend it. Like, especially like, you know, being a, if you're a mystery science theater fan and, and all that, um, I had a blast, you know, after the show, they did a, a Q and a with the audience and answered questions. And then in the lobby, they had a little table set up where they were selling stuff and, and they took pictures with everyone. Um, they were uh, they were kids. There was a whole family there. Actually, they were all the kids were in costume. They were wearing like like the jumpsuits from the Satellite of Love, and the kids had made their own puppets of Tom Servo and Croce Robot. Mm. And um, you could see that they were real. Like the guys were really impressed. And and uh, like I said, they just took pictures with everybody. They chatted with people in line. Super nice, just really down to earth, nice people. Um, I had a blast. I took over the entire experience. But you know, I'm a, I'm a big Misty. Uh, I and I would go to another one of their events in a heartbeat. I just had a blast, and it was it was a ton of fun. That's amazing. Fun. Hey, Rebecca, do you ever go to Pluto TV? Yeah, yeah, they have like I think. I don't think they have every episode, but they have a lot of Mystery Science Theater episodes. Well, it's just basically it's it's always streaming. You really don't have any control of like what you're watching. It's just kind of like, you know, it's not on demand content. But right. they, they have a Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel and a Rift Tracks channel. Oh, I didn't realize they had a, a Rift Tracks one uh-huh. as well. It's okay. right underneath the MST3K channel. So yeah, um, and uh, yeah. Thank you for last week's kind of like intro that we got to use for the show. Oh, man. And, and, and I'll tell you, like, I took a picture with the guys and I asked them, like, would you record a bumper for my friend's podcast? And they were like, if you don't mind to wait that we get through the whole line of people who are here, I, we'll do it. And I was like, yeah. So I just waited around for a little bit. And, uh, and, so and awesome. I mean, it was like, I don't know what, like less than 10 minutes. And then they got through everybody. And then I went over and they just, you know, they so kind and generous and, and they did, they did the bumper. Rebecca, you don't so, know um, how much that meant to me. I have watched these guys since like the late eighties when I first got Nickelodeon, like, and they were mm-hmm. on um, oh Comedy Central, excuse me. When I first got Comedy Central back in like the early '90s, um, when it came with our cable package, like I'd been watching MST3K since then. And to like hear these guys say uh, the name of my podcast, I I literally gotten out of a movie, saw your message, listened to the recording, and I was cheesing the entire Aww. time I was listening to it out in the parking lot. And I probably listened to it like 15 times before I was able to drive away. It was oh. so fucking awesome for me. So that, that was a dream come true. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad I could get that for you. But yeah, uh, yeah if they ever come near you, Brian, I really recommend going to a, a live event. It's right. worth it. It's worth it. It's so much fun. But um, yeah, that was that was the big thing that I did. Um, I did watch a movie in the theater uh, the other night. It's a movie called Destroyer. Oh, the Nicole Kidman movie. 
Yeah, Nicole am, Kidman, Sebastian I'm, Stan. I'm hearing big time mixed reviews on this one, so I'm curious as to how, what you thought about it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, synopsis is a police detective reconnects with from an undercover assignment in her distant past in order to make peace. Um, Nicole Kidman stars in this. Toby Kebble, who the last thing I saw him in was Hurricane Heist last year was a terrible movie. Oh, I loved um, it. I loved Hurricane Heist. Oh, I mean, it's terrible, but I, I loved it for being as terrible as it was. Hey, and- Michael, got a question for you. With all the tapping that you do, do you know Morse code? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. What do you want me to spell for you? <laughs> Rebecca, continue. <laughs> uh, who, who else is in this? Um, Sebastian Stan is in this. Um, Tatiana Maslany is in oh this. Oh, my. Are you fucking kidding me? She's in this I movie. Oh, my God. She, she plays like a really strung out meth head in this movie. Um, Scoot McNary, who we were just talking about, is in this. Bradley Whitford has a small part. There's a lot of really big names in here. Mm. Um Here's the thing about this movie. It's also directed by Karen Kusama, um, which I don't think I've seen any of her work. Um, but she's done stuff that like people have seen. Like she's done. Uh, well, actually, no. Maybe I have seen it. She did two. She directed two episodes of Billions. Um, she's done a lot of TV work, and then she also did um, Girl Fight and Eon Flux from early 2000s. Um, Here's the thing about this movie. It's a really great concept. I love the idea of this movie. Like, I love the story in the sense of, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman uh, 15 plus years ago was involved in this undercover operation. And now we're watching her in the present as she's forced to reconnect with people from the past. Mm. And they made a big deal about like her appearance in this movie. Cause she's, they've really made up her face to really age her and make her look extremely unhealthy. Um, but the whole movie, every time she's on screen, the, I mean, without exaggeration, it is a tight shot on her face. And it is like the director just keeps wanting to be like, isn't it crazy how wild she looks? <laughs> like, this is, I mean, it, it kept reminding me of like Charlize Theron when she did Monster. Monster I was right? thinking the same fucking thing the entire time and, you were saying this. Except in Monster, it's just way better done. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, in Monster, there's an incredible story and an incredible performance there. I'm not saying Nicole Kidman did a shitty job here. I'm just saying that there's a lot of threads that are started in this movie. The relationship with her daughter, the relationship. What's the synopsis? Like, what are we, what are we getting into when we watch yeah, so like the synopsis is basically that she is so what 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 happens is um the, the movie starts off with a guy who's been shot and the story is basically watching her reconnect with people from this undercover operation she was a part of about I want to say like maybe 15 to 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and we get the movie told in flashbacks and then in flash forwards, which is fine. And in the flashbacks, you know, she's she's part of the FBI. She's undercover with Sebastian Stan. They infiltrate like this this drug ring with Tony Kebble as like 
the 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 did you say tony kebble it's oh god toby toby (laughs) kebble sorry hey my name's toby my name's tony Hey, I'm Tony Kebble. No. You know what I mean? No. I was Toby in I was Kebble. in that movie with the with the monkeys, right? I played the uh, the bad one. Um, you remember that? Yeah, that was a great. That was like a wicked awesome experience. Yeah, yeah do you rem- you remember when Michael Winkler, our guest on PCL this week, was a member of the Stomp Troop? Remember that? Yo, you remember that <laughs> tapping motherfucking? Remember that that, motherfucker? that that motherfucker that was always. Boom, 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 boom with the fucking, uh, you know. couldn't stop tapping on his motherfucking desk. We had to tap him in the head and put him under the phone. <laughs> he was acting like, he was acting like he was, he was back in the stop days. You know what I mean? Like banging on fucking garbage can lids and shit, right? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so. To- yeah, so, uh, Toby Kebble yeah. plays Silas, who's like the ringleader. And then. So we we find out that they're part of this like drug uh, undercover drug thing, and they decide, uh, or the, the 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 drug addicts decide that they're going to knock over a bank, and so Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan are still undercover. So the story really revolves around what happened with the bank heist. Um, and I don't want to give too much away for those who do want to go see it because there is stuff that is surprising. Yeah. But this uh, this movie, it's just it's poorly executed because the director picks up a lot of threads. She starts a lot of stories here, you know, her and her daughter and then Nicole Kibben and Sebastian Stan and then who this guy Silas and all these undercover people or all, the, all these people that she was involved with back in the day when she was undercover um, she picks up a lot of threads, mm. but doesn't tie anything together. And the ending left me very unsatisfied. And I don't know. They just kept making this big deal with these tight shots on Nicole Kidman's face. And I was just like, I get it. Wow. She went ugly for the movie. I get it. But it's like they just that was like the big selling point to them, I think, because they just kept. Tight shots on her face. So the movie should have just been called Nicole Kidman's Ugly. Yeah, pretty much. And also, everybody had terrible wigs in this movie. Oh, my God. Like, when they're doing, like, the hair pieces when they, you know, from, like, 15, 20 years ago... The wigs are atrocious. Isn't it I mean, weird how you when you bad. don't when you don't like a movie, how unforgiving you are and you start to notice shit that you just really fucking <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your mind starts like the story's not engaging, nothing's working for you, and now you're just like it's turned into you saying, What the fuck? Look at that fucking wig. Why are we getting a yeah. tight shot on this fucking lady's face again? Yeah, you're fucked up looking. I get it. You know, like exactly. No, no, it's true. Um, Why is Michael tapping this entire fucking episode? What is going? Settle the fuck down, Fred Astaire. All right, you Morse code tapping motherfucker. Sorry, Rebecca. Go ahead. This episode is terrible. I'm just going to continue to just like run it into the goddamn ground because it's that bad. All right, no, that, that, that that's fine. I, I I won't stop you. Um, so sorry, Michael. Anyway, just, <laughs> uh, I I would give this movie a low tasting. If, if you do want to watch it, mm-hmm. wait for it to be streaming. I really don't recommend dropping, you know, 
cinema money on this. I, I don't think it's worth seeing it in the in the theater. Um, Fuck! I've he- actually heard this show. I have heard this movie be just destroyed. I know it's called Destroyer, but I've heard it be destroyed as far as like people rating it, saying it's terrible. But I've also heard it come up in some people's top ten list. Oh, that's of, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. You know what? If you do end up watching it, I would be interested to, to hear what you think about it. But I, yeah. I, for me, it just didn't work. I mean, there are moments of like really good stuff in here, but then there's stuff that happens where you're like, why is this even happening? Like, this makes no sense to the story. And I, I just, I don't know. I felt like if they had maybe trimmed it down, if they had just, if they had just finished telling one of the threads, I, I would have been I would have felt better about this movie. But by the time it ends, I I just felt very unfulfilled. Like it wasn't a complete movie, and I, I, that's yeah. how I feel about this episode. I'm unfulfilled. I, I, our <laughs> listeners are unfulfilled, right? <laughs> I mean, they might be. I, I don't know. I think they'll like it though. No, no, this is like one of those like like you know like. You've been you've been talking to this person forever. They're like, oh, my God, I'm going to rock your world. You get in the bedroom, you do it. And then it's like it's like that was nothing. You lived up to no zero expectations. It was terrible. That's this episode. <laughs> that was that's what I've been waiting around for. That's what. Ah, brother, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, let's. Yeah. So Destroyer doesn't sound so good. Uh, that's yeah. unfortunate. Let's talk about two. Ch- this episode's going on way too fucking long. We haven't even hit news. We're still in good pop, bad pop. Fucking ridiculous. Let's talk about John Wick three. Uh, John Wick chapter three, Parabellum. Let's talk about that trailer that came out. Lionsgate has released the official John Wick three uh, trailer, uh, and John Wick is on the run and he's ready to go to war and. Uh, He's being hunted. He's got a $14 million open contract on his life here. And uh, he is uh, – let's see here. I'm trying to think. We've got um, Ian McShane's back as the Continental's manager, Winston. And he's given him a one-hour grace period before he's excommunicado, which means that his membership has been revoked. He's banned from all services and cut off from all other members. And then John has to stay alive and fight his way out of New York City. That's what we're looking at. That's what happened at the end of John Wick Chapter two, and that's what we're getting with John Wick Chapter three, Parabellum. This movie is going to star Halle Berry, Angelica Houston. Uh, we've got Jason Mantzoukas is also going to be in this movie. Um, we've got Lawrence Fishburne, Ruby Rose, um, Hiroyuki Sonata, the uh, from the Wolverine, is reportedly playing the main villain in this film. This movie is uh, once again directed by Derek Kolstad with Chad Stahelski. Uh, returning as director. And um, what did you guys think about this trailer for John Wick Chapter 3? Uh, Rebecca. Dude, I loved this trailer. I I thought it was absolutely fucking amazing. When Keanu Reeves rides down the street on a horse, I was like, what uh, is this? This is insane. Um, no, man, I... I really am looking forward to this movie it looks i love that it's picking up after john wick 2 
I love that Ian McShane is back. Uh, I love him and almost I love him in anything. Um, yeah, I, I, I top wear this trailer. It's absolutely it got me super excited for for this movie. All right. Tappy McTapperson, what'd you think? Tap, tap, taparoo, baby. I'm here. So, uh, <laughs> that was an Adam Celeste. Sandler reference. Tap, tap, taparoo. Chad Celeste, uh, who did, who's involved in one, two, and three, um, also uh, directed one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror, the playtest, where he goes to the uh, horror gaming uh, trial and also 10 Cloverfield Lane. So uh, I'm really excited about this. As for the trailer... Chad Stahelski open- was involved in 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah. Not Dan Trachtenberg? Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. I got to screen our guests better, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't... Oh, I'm sorry. Dan Trachtenberg. My bad. I, I don't, so anyway. I, guys, I apologize. Rebecca, I, I'm sorry, Rebecca. I, I'm, I'm going to apologize to you, Rebecca, first because you're here on this episode. <laughs> oh my god! I don't even know what's happening anymore. I don't know what this is. I don't either. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. The cat is knocking over beer. Mike is tapping on the desk. I'm, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> All right, that's my bad. But back to the trailer. Anyway. <laughs> Mike, I am really sorry. Continue, oh, no, Mike. Please no, continue. So, uh, <laughs> opening Steve. <laughs> Mike, what do you? Okay, all right. But uh, I don't know who else is who else is involved in this movie. Fucking, you know. Let's bring. Oh. Uh, we got um, yeah. But well, what's his name? Let's bring no, up some- anyway. But Angela Houston or uh, Angelica Houston? Yeah, she's in this. Yeah, she's involved. John tries to find safe passage <laughs> through her, uh, trying to avoid the Continental at any cost. Um, Running into a library to find his hidden book of like spare coins and a cross, which seems to have some meaning to it. Like, God forbid, if some like kid finds this, I don't know what would happen. Um, the lighting in Grand Central looks great, and then we get a uh, appearance from Jerome Flynn, who plays Braun in Game of Thrones. Yeah, which yeah. I was, yeah, I was like, what I was the really fuck? Who is he? And, and and it looks like he's kind of like the leader of a group here, right? Yeah, it looks like he's like one of the groups after him, but uh yeah. seems like Holly Berry might might step in the way. She rolls in with two dogs, which you know how dogs go in John Wick, so yeah, I know. I'm worried about oh, that. <laughs> but what I really loved in the trailer was when he was getting uh it looked like he was getting like sewn up or uh either a bullet was getting taken out of him, maybe like a tracker. Yeah. And uh the clocks count down like five, four, three, two, uh-huh. one, and then it switches to the all the women in the uh switch working the switchboards and then all of a sudden it announces like John Wick excommunicado i know and then everything just pops off man like there's motorcycles with samurai swords like all these scenes look awesome man like this this movie is going to be great just like the first two 
I'm John Wick is going to kill a dude with a book. Yeah, when oh, he, he, puts it in his he mouth? shoved that book in that guy's mouth. Yeah, he curb stomped him with a book. Oh, it's crazy. There's a scene where it like starts off where John Wick is on a motorcycle and he has ninjas on motorcycles chasing him with samurai swords. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the fuck happens, but John Wick is now on a horse being chased by the same fucking ninjas that were on motorcycles and he's shooting them in the fucking head. This movie looks incredible. It looks incredible. I've actually heard from people that have seen this movie that it's not the best John Wick film in the series, but from this trailer, it looks like it could be. It looks awesome to me. I love it. I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this trailer. It looks so good. And there's a bizarre scene where John Wick is walking on a sand dune in what looks like the Sahara Desert. What the fuck is up? Where is this movie taking us? Uh, I don't and, and he's still wearing, like, the black suit. Like, he's st- – like, it's – it's this movie is just going to be I, – I think what we're going to be watching here is we're going to be watching John Wick just – fighting for his life in any way he act, any way that he can and this movie i think is just going to take us mm-hmm. like it's just going to take us all over the globe as we watch him try to figure it out and and i mean you put you back john wick into a corner i mean this is what you get yeah. so i i, I th- this to me is like the best use of the character because that's when he's his best when he has to strike from a defensive position and he literally is the most offensive anybody could be. And I, I just think, how can this movie not be as much fun and as amazing as it looks? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. This, this trailer is so badass. Yeah, I want to know, like, Angel- Angelica Houston's character, is she kind of like a um, – he's ask- asking her for, like, safe passage, and she's denying him safe passage. Is she kind of like – is she like – Ian McShane's character at the Continental is, is is he at another one of these assassin landmarks where she is like in control of like either a hotel or something else? Yeah, I definitely feel that way. I feel like the way he approaches her and the way she kind of takes him in and says, "Listen, man, I, I can't help you out, but like I know you're going through some shit, but." So the way it portrays it in the trailer, you either think she runs, like, some kind of service for uh, the Continental or for the assassination, like, coalition, or she has her own business that gets rid of people, but hard to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait to see it. It looks like we're still going to get that series, The Continental, that's set in the same world as John Wick. We're going to get that. That's being developed by um, Chris Collins uh, from Sons of Anarchy and The Wire. Uh, he's going to be executive producing, and that's going to be on Stars. And then we're also getting another spinoff feature film, Ballerina. We've talked about this on the podcast before, and that's going to be another film that's actually in the world of John Wick, and it follows a child assassin, and that movie's called Ballerina. So that's set in the same world as John Wick. I don't know if it's actually going to tie into the Keanu Reeves film, but it's set in the same world where you've got the Continental and all these different, uh, you know, things and that whole 
you know, just the way the world works with these different assassins. And now we're going to be following a child assassin. So I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. I Tupperware, I, I can't wait to see the Continental series that we're going to get. And the ballerina does sound interesting. So looking forward to it. Let's mm-hmm. move on into the next trailer that I want to talk about. The man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. And this is... <laughs> Since World War II, Calvin Barr has lived with the secret that he was responsible for the assassination of Adolf Hitler. Now, decades later, the U.S. government has called on him again for a new top secret mission. Bigfoot has been living deep in the Canadian wilderness and carrying a deadly plague that is now threatening to spread to the general population. Relying on the same skills that he honed during the war, Calvin must set out to save the free world yet again. I'm going to start off by saying that the poster for this is fucking incredible. You've got Sam Elliott and he's stepping on he's he's stepping on a swastika which also has like the Bigfoot footprint in the center of it. It's just like this movie it just looks so bizarre. You guys all watch this trailer, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I watched it. It's uh, this movie's written and directed by Robert D. Krasowski. Uh, the film opens in theaters and on video on demand on February eighth of two thousand nineteen. And yeah, it's basically the story about where we're set in a couple different time periods. We've got Sam Elliott playing Calvin Barr, who at one time is the man that killed Hitler, but now later has to kill Bigfoot because Bigfoot carries a plague (laughs) that's going to kill all of humanity. And so now he's on the hunt to kill Bigfoot. This is fucking bizarre. And you know what's crazy about this is like people have seen this and it's got an 85 fucking percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now by critics. Collider says that this is an amazing film. This is 27 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's got a 7.2 rating out of 10. Like, this debuted at Fantasia Film Festival, and people love this fucking movie. It's, <laughs> it's literally called The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. It's about a guy who at one time was the guy who killed Hitler, and now he's got to kill Bigfoot. I, I don't know. This is bizarre, and I can't wait to see it. And it's Sam Elliott, who I love. <laughs> Dude, I um, I fucking love this trailer. The name alone is, is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. I mean, that's just right, insane. The plot it sounds crazy. I, too, am a huge fan of Sam Elliott. And his epic mustache. I just, I love Sam Elliott. This movie looks so weird and it looks like it's something I would love. I just, I can't wait to watch this movie. Rebecca, it's favorite, it's hilarious. Favorite Sam Elliott movie. Oh, Jesus. Are you going with his appearance in Roadhouse? Are you going with his appearance in Mask? What do you, what do you, I, I, I would, it's a, it's a tough one for me. You know what? Roadhouse. Going with Roadhouse. Yeah, I'm going with Roadhouse. Roadhouse. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, that movie, I don't care what anybody says. I fucking love Roadhouse. Um, Yeah, I know it's cheesy as fuck. I love it. Um, Sam Elliott is just epic in that movie. I I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I like him in that. Hey, uh, Michael, what did you think about this trailer? The the man uh, who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. You know, I had some uh, speculation going into it. <laughs> but after watching it, man, I, I love Sam Elliott. You know, I love him in Roadhouse. I love him in uh, Parks and Rec. I love him in The Ranch. Um, the idea itself, like how he killed Hitler... And, like, he's, like, the boss man, and he's the one they need to get to kill the Bigfoot is just, like, that story to me is just, like, over-the-top funny. And uh, even though it's, like, a serious drama, but, I mean, with that name, though, there's there's a little witty humor to it, you know, like, that's inferred. But um, I do like Sam Elliott, and uh, I think this movie's gonna be gonna be a winner, man. Like I love the trailer, and uh, real quick, just touching base on like Bigfoot movies, because there really are no good Bigfoot movies. Harry in and opinion. the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, but there's a story jo- of Jonathan man, Lithgow, Harry and the Hendersons. John Lithgow, and we don't get along, so. Um, <laughs> As far as that goes, um, <laughs> for anyone looking for another Bigfoot movie, Primal Rage is actually pretty good. Uh, uses all uh, practical effects. He worked with John Carpenter when he was a kid, the director, um, uh, Patrick McGee. So, um, but anyway, back to the point. Uh, yeah, I'd give this a high taste at the trailer. I, uh, I want to be skeptical here. But I'm going to give it a Tupperware based on my anticipation to see this movie. Based on my anticipation. A movie mm-hmm. a movie that's got the balls to call itself the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. You've got to have a big set of balls to call your movie that. And then to have Sam Elliott cast in that movie. And then also you're going to throw in one of my other favorite actors that like nobody's talking about. Ron Livingston. Love this guy. Love Ron. Office Space. He was in Louder Milk, which was like on the audience network that nobody watched, but I absolutely loved. I love Ron Livingston. He was in Band of Brothers. Love Ron Livingston. So I, uh, I, I'm going to give this a Tupperware just based on my anticipation of this movie and hoping that it lives up to everything that I want it to be. It's a movie about a guy that killed Hitler and then said, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to save humanity from a, uh, like a, like a, uh, a population-ending influenza that's going to be brought upon by Bigfoot. I'm going to kill Bigfoot, too. Fuck it. You know what? I'm going to kill two of the biggest you know, fucking Hitler and Bigfoot. Seriously, come on. Yeah, I, like, I'm. Yeah, like that. That that to me is like the fact that it's called <laughs> and the fact that they reference Hitler and Bigfoot in right. the same sentence. Right. That's like that's like daring me not to watch this movie. Yes, like, like I I will fucking watch it now because I have to. This like, sounds like something I would have watched in 1988. And yes. Gilbert Gottfried yes. on USA Up All Night would have said, hey, tonight we're watching the man who killed Hitler and then the <laughs> Bigfoot, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh my, yes, 100%. And then Sam Elliott is in it? Oh, oh come on. stop. Come on. Stop. How am I not supposed to watch this? You are it's two, like two you of are, the biggest conspiracy theories put together in a one movie. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You are too good to me to give me that. That's like 
Michael, here, you hear me out. This is like getting a blowjob, but also getting your balls cradled, right? Well, who doesn't like that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Not only am I getting fucking blown right now, but my balls are getting cradled. Thank you so much. That's the that's the, <laughs> that's a terrible it's a terrible analogy, and I apologize, everyone. Um, so yeah, I can't. <laughs> That's right. It's not as worse as the director fuck up. So, oh my god! Thinking how how we've gone from from boobs now we're at blowjobs and balls. So I mean, you know, kind of keeping with the theme here. I'm trying, Rebecca. I'm trying. (laughs) I really am. Good job. No, it's equal. I'm trying to keep it equal to the sexes here. I was talking about boobs earlier, and now I'm trying to bring male genitalia into the picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about keeping everything even, right? I don't want anybody exactly. to feel left out or excluded. So, all right. Um, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, uh, we are I, seriously. We're doing terrible on time this week, so I'm gonna have to like blow through some of this shit real quick, just like and and maybe cradle your balls at the same time while I'm doing that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he brought it back. I, I, this episode is terrible. That was a dumb joke, and I apologize. But I've got great news here for fans of the Uncharted video game series concerning this Uncharted movie that we've been talking about for it feels like a year now and this news comes from Variety Dan Trachtenberg who broke out with 10 Cloverfield Lane will direct Sony Pictures adaptation of the hit video game Uncharted Uh, this has actually gone through quite a few directors Uh, Neil Berger at one time was actually uh, attached to this uh, and uh, it looks like now they've got uh, Dan Trachtenberg Um, yeah, Sean Le- uh, Sean Levy was uh, uh, attached to this at one time, and and um, Trachtenberg replaces him. So uh, and Neil Berger was was on before that, but um, now we've got Trachtenberg. So Uncharted stars Tom Holland as the main star. We all know him from Spider Man Homecoming, and at one time. We had Mark Wahlberg in that role. Um, and this is going to follow the adventures of treasure hunter Nathan Drake. And it's kind of like the best comparison is going to be Indiana Jones. And now we've got Dan Trachtenberg on this project. I'm just going to say this. Like in the past, we've talked about some of the failures of these video game adaptations and like what, why have they failed? And Jake and I have brought up, like, maybe they need to just get a good director on some of these movies. I think we have that now. Like, I love 10 Cloverfield Lane. I, I think Dan Trachtenberg, like, the the sky is the limit for this guy. I hope he can do it here. And I've... I don't know. I don't know. I want to be hopeful about this. I... I really do. I really do. I I haven't played Uncharted, to be quite honest with you. I just know the history of video games as far as being adapted into film. It just hasn't been... They haven't had the best of luck. But 
Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's so weird because, like, in in my case, like, I of course have no connection to the to the source material. Mm. I I don't I don't I'm not a gamer, but anytime that these video game movies come out, you know, it, it looks interesting. I'll, I'll certainly check it out, but it's been very disappointing because it's just they don't make a lot of sense and uh, the direction isn't great and uh, yeah like I, I fell asleep in Assassin's Creed it's uh, a uh, terrible movie garbage. I just fell fucking asleep I thought I thought uh, the new Tomb Raider started out great and then it just fell apart yeah you know? I, I agree with yeah, that I agree too with I, that. Yeah. It, in the beginning like it was a good start to that movie and then I didn't yeah after that it was like it just kind of went downhill, but I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of, I, I like this director. I mean, mm-hmm, Tom I Holland too. is great. He's very charming and engaging. I mean, maybe with the right cast and the right director, this could, could be, who knows a good movie, but you, you know that they're wanting this to be like at least a trilogy. It feels like, you know what I mean? When you, when you've got a, when you got like a guy like Tom Holland in here and you've got like a, a name like uncharted, which is a popular game series, you know that they're not just wanting to make one movie, that they're wanting to start something here and have it continue on. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. I, I'm I'm not saying that this movie's going to be great, but the the announcement of Dan Trachtenberg as the director is not the worst news ever. This is actually good news. Like, what are your thoughts, Michael? As far as the game goes, um, I played the first one. And uh, I like it as a game, uh, but to see it formed into a movie, uh, I'm a little hesitant. Like Rebecca said, like I don't. I really loved the uh, Resident Evil series as a game, and then when it got brought to film, I really was not a big fan. And uh, Assassin's Creed also. So, um, but if it's in anyone's hands. Uh, this is the man who did the uh, Black Mirror episode where they did the virtual reality video game. Oh God, yeah, the that was a great fucking episode. Yeah, like the Horror House episode. Yeah, yeah. where he tried all the video games. So yep. like that could be like a little tie-in, maybe perhaps a little bit. But uh, that this you know, guy we'll that see. this guy fucking gets video games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you know, with him being a fan of video games doing that episode, like maybe he can maybe he can be the one that fucking figures out the formula to make a video game movie work. Right? Mm-hmm. Cuz we're all yeah. waiting on that. So, we'll see. I think that this is good news overall. Hopefully the movie's great cuz I I don't want to see Dan Trachtenberg go away. I, I want to see him like succeed here. And what's crazy about this is Dan Trachtenberg years ago was doing a kind of like a I heard he was doing like a video game kind of show for I think it was either Nerdist or IGN or one of those fucking you know outlets and back then I think it was 2007 he said he wanted to direct he would love to direct an uncharted movie and here he is getting his opportunity wow. so we'll see like so that yeah this is a guy that actually has a connection to uncharted and loves the property so we'll see now what we get when we have a director that's familiar with the game that's familiar with the source material and has a love for it we'll see what he can do with it 
this is not like Michael Bay taking over the fucking Transformers. So we're gonna see what somebody we're gonna see what somebody can do with this when they actually care about the property. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ghostbusters 3 news came out this week. This blew my mind, and this came from Entertainment Weekly. Ghostbusters resurrected. Jason Reitman will direct a new film set in the original universe. So uh, Entertainment Weekly learned that Jason Reitman will direct and co-write an upcoming film set in the world that was saved decades previously by the proton pack wearing, uh, wearing working stiffs in the original 1984 movie, which was directed by his father, Ivan Reitman. And uh, he said, quote, I've always thought of myself as a first Ghostbusters fan. When I was six years old visiting the set, I wanted to make a movie for all the other fans. This is the next chapter in the original franchise. It is not a reboot. What happened in the 80s happened in the 80s. And this is set in their present day. I'm going to start off by just saying I am a huge fan, number one, of Ghostbusters. And number two, I'm a huge fan of Jason Reitman. I loved Juno. I loved last year's Tully with Charlize Theron and Mackenzie Davis. I thought they were both great in that film. I enjoyed the twist in that movie, thought it was fantastic. And I'm an even bigger fan of his Hulu original comedy, Casual which stars Michaela Watkins, who we can... She was actually in uh, Wayne. She played the mother. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I knew I thought it was her. Okay, yeah, she cool. did a good job. Yep. Uh, she was also in Casual. And then Tommy Dewey was in Casual. And I'm a big fan of him. And um, so... Um, Sony has dated uh, this Ghostbusters 3 movie, is what I'm calling it now, because I don't know the official name, but they're dating it for a summer 2020 release. They have plans to start shooting this in a few months. They've been planning this for a while now, kept this under wraps, because with the release of this news, we also got a very short teaser trailer just to kind of excite people. And uh, this is from EW. Uh, The trailer starts on a quiet night outside of a weather-worn barn. Somebody is tinkering on a machine that stubbornly refuses to start. Uh, As the point of view draws closer, we hear the late Elmer Bernstein's eerie score from the library scene of the 1984 original film. A strand of ectoplasm dangles from a nearby fence. The telltale sign that something supernatural is also lurking nearby. Whoever is working on the device finally powers it up, and the off-camera glow of what looks like a burst from a broken proton pack floods the barn and lifts the tarp covering another familiar machine, the rusting back end of the original Ecto-1. Um, I don't know about you guys. Did you all see that? Teaser. Yeah, I watched the teaser. I did not see the teaser. Really? No, I didn't see it. I um, but I but hearing you describe it, it sounds, it sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a direct sequel to to Ghostbusters two. Yeah, this is a direct sequel to what we saw in Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters two, and we've got the son of the original writer yeah. involved in the process. So I'm like hoping that like all those times that he spent on set kind of like rubbed off on him. And he is a fan. Um, Reitman shot the teaser and he was basically, he was trying to raise, uh, 
a bunch of questions for people like they, you know, whose property is this? What became of the original Ghostbusters? Why is the Ecto-1 used, you know, why was it used to save the world from a demonic takeover? And why is it now gathering dust in this barn? So there's all these questions that he's trying to raise. We don't get a lot of answers here. We don't see anyone. We just get a lot of questions here. So that right there gave me excitement. I have been 100% against a continuation of kind of like this story. And now I'll be honest with you. After the announcement of Jason Reitman and this teaser trailer... And then some of the other rumors that I'm hearing that I'm going to get into here in a second, I'm intrigued, and I'm actually not against this. I'm not against it. Wow. Yeah. Which, I'm so surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah, this is wow. exciting, man. I'm excited about the uh, stuff that got released that I'm assuming you'll be getting into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me get back to this primary article from Entertainment Weekly. Um, they go on to say it's still too soon to reveal the plot of the screenplay, who the new characters will be, or whether the original actors like Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, or Bill Murray will return. Of course, we all know Har- Harold Ramis died in 2014. Um, quote, this comes from Jason Reitman himself. He says, this is very early, and I want to, and I want the film to unwrap like a present. We have a lot of wonderful surprises and new characters for the audience to meet, says Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Monster House and Poltergeist remake filmmaker Gil Keenan. Have either of you watched Monster House? Yeah, I love it. I, I haven't. I have. I'm glad that you love it because I love it too, Michael. It's a 2006 movie, and this was actually the first Blu-ray that I ever bought was Monster House. Um, Same here, dude. I'm not even lying. Are you serious? Swear to God, dude. Monster House, man. Okay. You got to understand, like, I, I I saw the movie and I loved it. And when I bought my Blu-ray player, I wanted to really kind of showcase it with animation. I've always felt like animation really showcases new technology as far as video is concerned. Um, and so I wanted to buy an animated movie to be the first movie that I watched on my new Blu-ray player. So I bought Monster House. And this movie is directed by Gil Keenan, who's the co-writer for this new Ghostbusters 3 movie. Um, but Monster House was written, it was directed by Gil Keenan, but it was written by Dan Harmon from Community and Rick and Morty. And it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. And I loved this movie. It's CGI animated. You've got kids that uh, battle a haunted house that becomes alive. The actual house is a monster, hence Monster House. And I loved Monster House. I don't know. Michael, I'm telling you, it's it's it's. I was so kind of against like a continuation of this story. I just felt like it was past its time. It's like, I'm fucking over it. But you've got Jason Reitman, the son of the original, you know, fucking writer for this movie. And now you've, uh, you know, and now you've got, you've got fucking Gil Keenan who is involved in monster house, which I absolutely loved. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really kind of like intrigued by this. 
It's it, it's got me intrigued as well because I love the uh, the Ghostbusters, and um, I I did like the remake. Like, don't get me wrong, I did like the remake, um, but I did hear a lot of backlash coming from the announcement of the new Ghostbusters three. Um, SNL star Leslie Jones had a tweet responding to uh, somebody that made a comment about like the new movie coming out and uh, she said it was insulting and uh, it didn't count it's something that Trump would have said it's going to redo Ghostbusters I don't want to get into fucking politics don't bring up politics no 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 my bad I was just reading the tweet so anyway she thinks it's insulting that they're uh, going off of the new Ghostbusters to go back and make a sequel straight from the second one well, I don't want to talk about any of that negative stuff and any of the political oh, stuff sure, and all that sure. stuff. So let's just leave that out of the conversation. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to call you out on that. Oh, but No, no, no. I, I wasn't trying. I was just talking news. That's all. I know. I just I like to leave that shit out. And, um, For sure. But um, I, um, I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, Rebecca, say something, please. <laughs> I mean... Ah, Jesus. I don't know what to say. I will just say this. Um, I like Ghostbusters as much as the next person. Um, Brian, I know that you love Ghostbusters. So the fact that you have uh, held a longstanding, I don't want to see them continue the original thing, and now you're saying, I'm okay with this news and I'm actually getting excited that makes me very happy, and mm-hmm. it makes me feel more confident in this project. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, if it's, I mean, he's the son of the original director. I mean, he is absolutely has Ghostbusters as his legacy. I mean, if anyone was going to do it, this is a logical choice. I, I can't like deny that. So, Dude, I mean, if it comes out, if it happens, um, you know, I'll, I'll go and see it. I, I mean, I'll give it a shot for sure. Um, I personally did not see the Lady Ghostbusters remake. Yeah. It just didn't. I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, um, I was excited I, for I'm, it. I was excited for it when it was first announced because I'm a big fan of Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. Sure. You know, and I love Kristen Wiig, and I was really rooting for this movie because I love those ladies because I think they're fantastic on Saturday Night Live. And even, even like, Melissa McCarthy, like, she comes from, like, uh, the Groundlings Theater where, like, sketch comedy is, like, you know, you know that's, yeah. that's a big focus. And I, 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 th- I think these are some of the most talented ladies in comedy. I was really looking forward to this movie. And I love Paul Feig. I think he's a great director. It just didn't work for me, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't blame no, them I- at all because I think that they're all independently. I think all these women are fucking amazing. I, oh yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I still think back to, uh, Melissa McCarthy's performance in, in bridesmaids as I think one of the funniest yes. things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. I, mean, I just fucking love her in that movie. Yeah. I, I just, I just never got around to watching the lady ghostbusters movie. And, and not that I feel like I'll never watch that. No, I'll watch it at some point. I'm sure. But, I mean, I know that there's a lot of love for the original Ghostbusters, but I think that there's certainly space in this world for the original to exist and for the 
Lady Ghostbusters to exist, and and you can love or hate them as you like. Um, but there's room in this world, and and nothing ruined anybody's childhood or anything. So, yeah, like if this if this gets made, I will absolutely give it a shot and check it out in the theater. And I, I can only imagine you'll do the same, Brian. That you'll give it a shot and. Yeah. See how it is. Yeah. Birth Movies Death had a report that the new Ghostbusters, they've, they've got some information here. I don't know if it's true, but this is their report. Their report was that the new bus, Ghostbusters are going to be kids. Here's the report. And this is the writer speaking here. So earlier today, I was minding my own business when an interesting piece of information fell into my lap. According to the reliable source I spoke with, the main characters in the new Ghostbusters were going to be kids, aged 12 or 13, based on the names being kicked around for the roles. Cut to just a few minutes ago, we got this covered, runs a story, revealing plot specifics and character details from Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters. They claim to have spoken with a single trusted source, which in most cases would not be enough to convince me to regurgitate their scoop here on the site. This may be a little inside baseball, but I was brought up to consider two independent sources, the gold standard when it comes to reporting and on unconfirmed news. But here's the thing. Half of what we got this covered says is corroborated by the person I spoke with earlier today, that the main characters of the film would be young kids. This would seem to lend credence to the rest of what we got this covered revealed today. It's all unconfirmed, of course, but in this case, I'm convinced just enough to share with the rest of the class. So here we go. According to We Got This Covered's report, the 2020 Ghostbusters will revolve around two kids living in a small town, a 12-year-old girl who sounds a lot like Egon alongside a talent for science. She also has difficulty interpreting and expressing emotions and speaks with a flat delivery that makes her observations humorous and an excitable young boy who exhibits unbridled excitement for the unknown. Sounds kind of like Ray. The Hollywood Reporter's Boris Kitt claims the main characters will be four teens, two girls, and two boys. He doesn't specify ages, and it's unclear if the kids mentioned in We Got This Covered's report are two of those, uh, two of those kids. In any event, sounds like a younger generation's being ushered in. Quote, the film will focus on a family who moves back home to a small town. While there, they begin to learn more about who they are and the secrets of the town itself. So this, guys, that's the report. So they're talking about anywhere from two to four young kids being involved in this movie. This, in my opinion, sounds like it's being heavily inspired by Stranger Things. Like so much so, like if you've just watched, you know, season two of Stranger Things, the kids are actually dressed as Ghostbusters in the movie for Halloween. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I was like thinking like I would love this to be set in the 80s and for them to like use de-aging tech on the Ghostbusters as far as like Harold, you know, not Harold Ramis, um, uh, Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd, but I don't, that's not going to happen. Um, for a number of reasons, because, you know, Harold Ramis did pass away and, and he would still be alive at that point in time, I would imagine. But 
the thing is, I, I like this movie if it's rated PG-13 and we still have, like, Ghostbusters with adult humor. Mm-hmm. But if Ghostbusters is just a kid's movie now, I'm going to be upset. Because if you watch the original Ghostbusters movie, there's a lot of sexual innuendos in that film that I didn't pick up on as a kid. But, like, once I became an adult, I understood it and I got it. You know, right? You know the and the gatekeeper and the keymaster. The gatekeeper is a is a vagina, and the keymaster is a penis. And and mm-hmm. and there's literally a point in that movie <laughs> where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a fucking ghost. I mean, you know, they don't show it, but it's implied, and that's the kind of stuff. Like I didn't pick up on it as a kid. But that's the world we live in today where they they won't even imply that stuff anymore. And if you've got, like, young kids playing Ghostbusters, I don't want this to be a fucking kids movie. But if if their inspiration is Stranger Things, I am intrigued then. Because Stranger Things doesn't feel like a kid's show, even though there's kids involved in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I it makes complete sense what you're saying. I would never even think of Stranger Things as a kids show, like in in the sense of it's it's geared for children. It's a kids show in the sense of the stars are kids. That's the only way that it is. But it, it deals with very adult stuff and and the kids go through scary shit. And I think it is definitely geared for a more adult audience. Um, yeah, like I feel like if they can capture that same feeling as with Stranger Things, we've seen a lot of uh, movies and TV shows capitalize on that and, and do very well. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this, Brian. Like if, if they're making this like they want to turn this into a kid's franchise – and like make it a PG movie. I, I don't know about that. Like, I feel like it's going to just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would, I, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. It's a passing of the torch. So we still have like, uh, you know, it's a passing of the torch is like, what was one of the quotes from Reitman? So I feel like they're going to have at least some of the ghostbusters pass the torch to a younger generation here, which would mean, Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. I I am not counting Bill Murray into this movie yet. I've got to hear him say he's going to be involved in this before I believe he's going to show up in this movie. I don't, you know, you know, I love Bill Murray. I think he's an awesome guy. He's done some really cool stuff lately. Like I love, I saw like, I think it was on Reddit. Like last year he went to a movie theater and he paid for everybody's ticket at the theater. You know, just cool, fun stuff like that that he does, and I, I love that. Mm-hmm. But he's been very against coming back and playing Vankman, and he's been against it for years. So it would take some convincing, and it would take a really strong script, I believe, for him to come back. But um, I don't think, if I had to guess, I don't think, it's weird because You've got to think, I think that they are kind of being inspired here by Stranger Things and they want to do that if they're going to have these young kids playing these Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that they were going to have adults still playing the Ghostbusters at first. Like before this news came out from We Got This Covered and uh, Birth, Death Movies or whatever the fuck that site's called. I was thinking like they were going to have like guys that were like that grew up as fans 
of the Ghostbusters that idolize these guys, and now they're adults, and now they now they have to now they have to step into these roles, you know. But like, I guess we're you know from both accounts, it seems like the rumor is they're going to have kids come here. This seems very Stranger Things kind of like influence, and I can't see them fucking like toning this down into like a, a kids movie and not wanting to capitalize on like the the Stranger Things stuff. Well, like you said, um, like you said real quick, the uh, Stranger Things uh, phenomenon is going on right now and everybody's buying into it. And it's the uh, supernatural. It's the ghosts. It's the monsters. But with Ghostbusters, the people who are going to go see it are those people that saw Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2. And they're going to bring their kids to go see this movie. And they're going to be, like, super hyped about it. And... I wonder if maybe they'll start with maybe like like you said like a 12 13 year old boy finding this car and then maybe the original cast like jumping in and being like what are you doing touching that thing and then you know instead of Spangler like RIP but it'll be like I don't know maybe Rick Moranis comes out of retirement or something like maybe they pull the OG like Ghostbusters back after like a first half of like these kids discovering like this car that's been covered and all dusty and everything, and they make it something for like kids and parents to enjoy together. Who the fuck is driving the Ecto One if these kids are twelve and thirteen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I read that too, though. <laughs> You know, I don't know. For years, I was thinking, like, if they reboot the Ghostbusters, I want to see, like, older Ghostbusters. I've talked about, like, you know, there was a live reading years ago that I've talked about. I talked about it on the show, like, five, six years ago, where they had, like, Seth Rogen and Jack Black and, and I think, Rain Wilson and some other guys playing, like, doing a live reading of Ghostbusters on a stage and acting like the characters. They did a live read of the original Ghostbusters movie. And... um you know, I was thinking like, oh, they could get like guys like Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill and Danny like McCray, Craig Robinson, and Craig Robinson. Yeah, get those kind of guys in there. And then I was, I was thinking to myself like, oh my god, they could like, you know, like what if they, what if they had like, you know, like Glenn Howerton, you know, be our new, you know, Vankman and Charlie Day be our new like Rick Moranis type character. I don't. I think that they are this 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 young kids thing seems like it's legit. It does. It seems like they're going to go for this fucking... It seems like they're going to go for these kids being ghosts. Do you think they're just buying into the Stranger Things hype? Or yeah. do you think they just want the story to be told like this? I think it's the Stranger Things thing. If, if I don't know if that's... I mean, if this rumor is true, I feel like, yeah, they're definitely taking a page out of Stranger Things. They they saw those kids wearing the proton packs and they see, you know, for for Halloween, they see how big Stranger Things is. I think they want to capitalize on that. For sure. I don't know. I'm I, I don't know. I'm 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 just gonna say I'm looking forward to it though. Whatever they do, I wanna see a proper trailer and I'm curious and you know, even if the movie's terrible, if the movie's terrible, then we can put it to bed, right? We can finally put this to fucking bed. Yeah, exactly. Right? All the people that were like I don't want the Paul Feig female Ghostbusters. <laughs> You know, like we can put it all to bed. Like, yeah, they they tried the other way too, and it sucked. It sucked. It sucked as well. 
So, you know, let's just put it to bed. Hey, I uh, got news from Deadline. Robert Kirkman's Skybound to remake Korean feature film The Villainous for TV. Uh, the Villainous follows uh, Ines, who was kidnapped from her home in Korea and raised as a deadly assassin in Los Angeles. Uh, just when she believes she has found true peace, unsettling events drive her to return to Korea to uncover dangerous truths about her home and her past. Uh, young Byung Gil, who directed the original feature, is repped by ICM Partners. He's going to direct the pilot episode. And Skybound and Contents Panda are currently looking for a writer for The Villainess. Uh, this movie is actually on Hulu right now. It came out in 2017. Uh, they don't have a writer yet for the, uh, for the series. So I don't, and I also don't know when we're going to get a release date for this. But it's based on a movie called The Villainess. I actually watched this today for the first time. Have either of you seen this before? I got I- Oops, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, I got the first half done, unfortunately. I couldn't finish it. My power went out. Rebecca? Yeah, I unfortunately did not get a chance to watch this. Um, but you were kind enough to send it to me, but I did not get a chance to see it. That's okay. It's okay. I uh, I finished this actually this morning, and like, um, I had never even fucking heard of this movie before until this announcement came out, and I was just like, Okay, I love Robert Kirkman, um, and Skybound is going to... So I, was, I looked it up, and I was like, okay, it's streaming on Hulu. I'm going to check this out. And I'll be honest with you, I loved the first part of this movie, and I loved the ending to this movie. Some parts in the middle kind of dragged on for a little bit, and I was bored with. But overall, I really like the movie. I'm going to give the overall movie a high taste it. And I'm going to give this character of the villainess that we are introduced to, I'm going to give her a Tupperware. I love the fucking character. And I can 100% understand why Robert Kirkman wants to turn this into a TV series. Like, you've got, like, this takes, this, like, the beginning of this movie, it's all from, like, a point of view perspective where she's fighting. And it's like, it's like a hardcore Henry kind of, like, action sequence with, her just taking on an entire gang by herself and killing people and kicking their ass. And somebody asked me online, like, what did you think of it? And I was like, it's like watching John Wick meets Red Sparrow meets Hardcore Henry. It's it's very cool. I, I, I love it. I I'm very intrigued by this story. And I, I, I can understand why Robert Kirkman wants to flesh this out in a TV series. The final battle that takes place on this fucking bus is so incredibly shot. And there's a part in this movie where I fucking cried. Hmm. It fucking brought me to tears. I was like, oh, my God, because, like, you really feel bad for this main character. And some really shitty stuff happens to her. And um, throughout this movie, like... I don't know. She's a survivor. And this movie, I thought it was really good. I'll give it overall a high taste it. But I'm really intrigued for a fucking series coming from Robert Kirkman. And I don't think that he's going to whitewash this movie. I think he'll I think he'll find some really I'm hoping hoping that he'll find some like really good Korean actors to kind of fill in these roles and uh, give us a really good TV series. What did you think about this, Michael, the first half? Oh man, yo! As soon as I started it, I knew I loved it, man. Like, like you were saying, the POV. 
Yeah. The fight scenes, the gore, dude, her spinning off walls, turning upside down. Dude, the whole thing was right up my fucking alley, man. Like, Robert Kirkman, like you're saying, like, well, before I turned to him, the movie itself, from what I saw, was amazing. Like I said, though, I only saw, like, the first half hour or so because my power went out. But from what I saw, just the opening half an hour gave it enough for me to let you know that it's fucking amazing. And and it gave me also enough to know that Robert Kirkman is the perfect person to do this. Because not only am I a Robert Kirkman fan, like... Stop been, tapping! I, uh, okay. Not only did I... Not only am I a Robert Kirkman fan, but... I've been reading The Walking Dead since the start. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love Robert Kirkman. He's great I with read characters. A few Invincible. Yeah. Wasn't too into it, but then I started on Oblivion Song. Yes. And that is out of this world. Yeah. I'm on issue oh, six. Yeah. I'm on issue six right now. Uh, so I'm not too far in. I believe there's only eleven right now, eleven or twelve right there's now. A, there's a so eleven. I'm not too far. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um I know I'm getting close, and uh, sorry, I just got hyped up. But um, no, Robert Kirkman's my man, and anything he does, I'm going to follow, and I'm going to finish watching The Villainess tonight on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I recommend everybody to watch The Villainess. I, I really think it's a great movie. I, I can totally 100% understand like why he would want to tackle this character. It's so cool, though, that the... The uh, you know the director for the movie is actually going to direct the pilot for this one. I, I you know that that gives me a lot of confidence here. I I actually fell in love with the character. I felt like it dragged on a little bit in the middle, um, and it was a little confusing in the middle. I, I might want to. I I think I want to watch it again to be quite honest with you. But the action, following the action in this one, is so amazing. I love that point of view where it goes like into that hardcore Henry kind of like. POV kind of like uh, I, I want to see like GoPro kind of like feel to it, but it, it's done really well. It's done yeah, really no, well. It definitely seems like there's a GoPro like connected to yeah. her like shoulder, but then at other parts there's like dead guys on the ground and the GoPro is pointed at her. Yeah, who like she just killed? So it's like what, like dude? No, no, wait, no. it's it's definitely need to watch this. Wait until you fucking see the scene where she's on the motorcycle and she's got guys after her with swords, like fucking katana swords. It's oh. it, it's almost like they took it. It's almost like the guys from John Wick Three saw that scene and they're like, oh, let's put that in our movie now because <laughs> they do it so well here and it's choreographed well. And there's a final battle that takes place on a bus in this fucking movie that is incredible. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just letting you know it's a bus battle and it's awesome. It's the best fucking bus scene I've seen since fucking Speed with Keanu Reeves who's also in John Wick. Okay. Oh, oh you see the connections going on? Little conspiracy? Little conspiracy? I know, man. It's crazy. But it's really fucking it, it, Villainess is a really good movie. Um, I will point out to you, I don't know about what your experience was with this one on the Hulu app, but you had to turn on the closed captioning. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, usually with these foreign films, like the closed captioning just is on by itself. It's already there. It's already yeah. there. I, I had to go into settings and turn on closed captioning before. Yeah, I got that's it. what I had to do. Cause I turned it on and I'm watching it. Yeah. And 
I like believe it or not, I didn't even realize like I was like 15 minutes in and I didn't even turn on captioning yet because it's just full throttle mayhem going on. And then I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what the hell they're saying to each other. And then I went back and turned on the uh, subtitles. Yeah. Uh, Guys, I am. Yeah. So check out the Villainess and we're going to get a series. I don't know what network or platform it's going to be on. If I had to guess. not AMC. If I had, no, it won't be. Robert Kirkman is kind of like, isn't he involved in a lawsuit against AMC right now? Yeah, yeah, it's ending pretty, yeah, it's it's bad news. I would have to guess since he did a deal with Amazon Prime that it would be on Amazon, but that's for Mm -hmm. his original properties. This is not one of his properties. This is something. Yeah, that's that's why I'm scared. Like, sorry to like speak out of turn or whatever but deadly class i know you talked about it last episode yeah i think sci-fi might be a good place for this show sci-fi would be fucking dope for this shit dude yeah yeah i like that because deadly class is like fucking badass dude man. when am like, i gonna get my fucking I, like seriously they fucking just finally aired the first episode on sci-fi and they delay it three weeks like what the fuck oh my god it's fucking dry. i want to see the second episode so fucking badly rebecca have you watched deadly class yet not yet what the fuck are you yet. waiting I, on <laughs> i know i'm so sorry i haven't watched it yet <laughs> watch it sorry so good <laughs> And I'll send you a I'll send you a copy of the uh, novel I got uh, the graphic novel I got you on a couple of issues. It's amazing. I actually uh, got the I've I think I've got uh, how many issues is it? It's at like thirty six issues now. I have like the first thirty two. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost caught up. I'm like eight behind. Yeah. But uh, I have all the Walking Dead's as well. If either you guys need any of them, I got you. Nice. I actually stopped after issue 100. Hey, um, oh, do you remember when they had like the issue 100, like limited edition, where they only had like 100 boxes that they were going to give out? Yeah. I have that box. No, you don't. I do. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking I like how he doesn't believe you. Dude, <laughs> I. F- <laughs> Dude, are you no, fucking? Are you seriously like, calling me out? I fucking no, no, have no, one. No. I totally believe. I've it, never man. opened. No, it, no, no. I'm just. Yeah. I'm super like jealous. That's all. I seriously have one. I've never opened it, and it like. I've, oh, don't ever open it. Yeah, I've never opened it. Um, I. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, okay, I can buy. At that time, I was like, I can either buy like the Saga number one that was like the C two E two exclusive cover. Or I can get the number 100 um, Walking Dead, and they're limiting it to 100 boxes. And I was like, oh, I'll get the Walking Dead, because that fucking saga book might not ever turn into anything. And now I wish I would have gotten the saga book. That book- <laughs> no, but that, no, that Walking Dead 100, man, that, that's some real stuff, man, for real. It's not going for anything, though, is it? Oh, really? I mean, I haven't been keeping track. I just know what issue 100 holds. Like, yeah. I, I don't have it, so oh, I, I know what to, like, it, I, it or anything. So. I know what it has. Like, but inside my fucking, inside that box, it's got, like, the Lucille t-shirt, um, limited oh. edition Lucille t-shirt, and it's got, the um, like, some covers that you can't get anywhere else. It's got, like, a lithograph. It's got some other yeah. stuff. And then the box itself actually has, like, limited edition art on it. On the That's getting box. me all excited, bro. You're getting me all excited here. Yeah, like, because I don't even appreciate it. It's just in a closet somewhere. I, like, I don't even give oh, a fuck. God. 
Like, I might wipe my ass on it tonight, Michael. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, I'm kidding. Hey, I'm, I'm totally. I I do own it, but I I've never opened the box. Like they sent it to me, I've never opened it. I just kept it because I was like, oh, this might be worth something someday. And then I'm like, I'll piss off now because like should have got that saga issue because like that thing CGC CGC graded is like worth like thousands of dollars now. I'm pissed off at myself for making the wrong purchase. But anyway, um, we I. Honestly, I've got a couple more news stories, but we are running so late on time. I'm just going to burn through them here real quick. Slash Film uh, had an article about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot. So we're going to get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot, which is going to come from Platinum Dunes. But they are not including Michael Bay in the project at all. Not even as a producer, it looks like. They're keeping his name off of this one completely. Um, and then Deadline announced that Netflix is rebooting Unsolved Mysteries. So we're going to get 12 episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Who would you have replaced Robert Stack, Rebecca? Uh, oh, I, I have an answer because I listened to a really cool Unsolved Mysteries podcast and they asked the same question. Jonathan Frakes. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I he he's done back in the day. I know it might not sound like an obvious choice, but like back in the day, he did a couple of seasons of like a very similar ish show. I think it was like a Believe It or Not type show, like a like a Ripley's. And I don't know. I just feel like Jonathan Frakes could do it. Like I I've always liked him since Star Trek, and yeah. and I think he could. I I think. You know, I mean, n- nobody beats classic Robert Stack in a, in a trench coat, but I don't know. I feel like Frakes could, could pull it off. I'm going Christopher Walken all day. <laughs> Christopher oh Walken. Uh, that's a cool choice, though. I'm not even mad at that. That's Dude, I'm with cool you choice. on that, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm going Walken. So. Two mice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dog had no tail. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Eyes. Some little bucket nope. of cream. <laughs> Oh fucking! I love yeah. What's his name? Uh, J J Moore. When he's talking about yeah, how, how the, that's his bit, man. About yeah, the dog had no tail. Yeah, yeah. Like J Moore did. Like, did you ever see J Moore when he was on Saturday Night Live and he did the uh, he did the uh, Lucky Charms commercial as Christopher Walken? Yes, yes. And he's <laughs> and he's talking about he's like yellow moons, pur- pur- purple horseshoes. Yeah. <laughs> And he's he's doing the walk-in, and it's it's great. He's talking about all the different, like you know, <laughs> it's so funny. And then he talks My about favorite. actually meeting Walken when he did that movie mm-hmm. with uh, with with Johnny Galecki. Uh, what was that movie? Suicide Kings. And how and and how he's talking to Walken, and Walken was like, "I wish." That you know, people had tails because then you could tell if people were happy or not. Because when dogs are happy, they wag their tails. Mm-hmm. That's a funny bit. That's a that's an L where he's like uh, he's at the Continental, which is funny because we were talking about John Wick, and he goes, "Do you need some more sh- champagne?" <laughs> yeah, <where he laughs> and they're like, "What the hell are you talking yeah. about?" And he goes, "Do you need some more champagne?" <laughs> they're like, "All right, man, like get the fuck away." <laughs> I don't know, guys. We are running late on time, and we have any. I'm, I'm going to skip Marvel news 100, percent and we're going to jump into. I'm going to fucking laser fire these DC rumors here. Um, I've got. Uh, I'm going to just kind of like fly through these rumors. Geeks Worldwide is reporting that Booster Gold is going to appear in the Blue Beetle movie. 
that's a big rumor. Um, hmm. I've got uh, tons of unverified rumors here from DCEU leaks on Reddit that I just kind of like want to rattle off here. Uh, the Shazam trailer is going to the official Shazam trailer. There was a sneak peek that dropped today, but um, the Shazam trailer is going to drop officially on January 22nd. Um, the majority of characters from the first Suicide Squad film won't return. Right now, it appears that only Deadshot and Captain Boomerang will 100% return. Harley Quinn won't return. She will have her own arc of the film of films with Birds of Prey, Joker, and Harley, and a future film with Poison Ivy. Harley Quinn could return for a third Suicide Squad film. It seems that Rick Flagg left the Suicide Squad to live a peaceful life with June Moon. Characters that have been discussed for Suicide Squad 2 are King Shark, Manchester Black, Bane, Killer Frost, and Black Spider. Black Adam director should be announced soon. Henry Cavill and Warner Brothers did resume contract negotiations at the end of 2018. Matt Reeves has plans for Catwoman. Hmm. The Batman will take place around 12 to 15 years before The Man of Steel. The script has Batman in costume for the majority of the film. They want Batman to have a leaner and less bulky physique compared to the Batman v Superman Batman. The script focuses on Batman's detective skills, but rewrites were also made to focus on his fighting skills. Um, They want an actor that could be both a younger and older Batman. I'm hearing names being thrown around. Not 100% like who they're targeting like these names for whether it's a villain or Batman but I'm hearing John Hamm is still being talked about whether that they're talking about John Hamm as Batman or Two-Face or whoever I don't know but I'm really intrigued by the rumor of and I think that they're talking about a younger Batman for this guy Billy Magnuson are you guys familiar with this guy Billy Magnuson. This might be a guy uh, that you. So. This might yeah, be a guy that. Go ahead and look him up on IMDb real quick. Billy Magnuson, M A G N U S S O N. This might be a guy that you've seen in stuff, but don't remember the face with the name. I and mean, this is one that I saw from Daniel RPK on Twitter, and he said Billy Magnuson is um, in talks for a role possibly here. I loved this actor. In Game Night, uh, he was also in Ingrid Goes West. He can do comedy. Oh, he was in uh, Black Mirror. Uh, the he played like the burly like guy with the gun on the uh, space episode, the Star Trek episode. Oh, the... oh, I know this guy. Yeah, you're right. He's the guy that you go. Yeah, who's that? Yeah. Guy? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, you've seen him before. Oh. Uh-huh. He was an American Crime Story. He played Cato Kalin. Oh, nice! Yeah, and, okay, yeah. I totally, yep, I totally know who this guy is. Yeah, he was also uh, he played uh, Jonah Hill's brother in Maniac on Netflix. Okay, yeah, I've seen this guy in a bunch yep. of stuff. And he's also going to be in the upcoming Netflix film that we talked about last week with Jake Gyllenhaal, Velvet Buzzsaw. So he's going to be in that. But like, I don't know about you guys, but like, give this guy. Dye his hair, you know, and I mean, he could be a younger Batman for me. I mean, I think he could pull it off. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think I think he could do that too. Actually, I don't. I don't. Uh, 
I don't disagree. I think he could do it. Yeah, this guy's been in a a lot of stuff, and his his range is is really good. Like he could do comedy, he mm-hmm. could do drama, he could do action. Yeah, this guy could do it all. Uh, so Billy Magnuson is being thrown around as possible uh, Batman. It looks like I've also read a rumor that the Batman will have two villains. I'm not 100 percent sure if that's true. I'm hearing that it's almost confirmed that the Penguin is going to be the villain in the Batman, and that comes from Daniel RPK. But I'm also hearing that the other big name that's being thrown around as the secondary villain villain is going to be Hush. Really? Yes, but they're also saying it could be the Riddler or the or the Owls from the Court of Owls. But like from two different sources, I've heard from Hush. I've heard Hush. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's that's surprising. I mean, I, I could do for a new penguin, depending on how it's done. Yeah, I just don't want Josh Gad being my fucking penguin. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm sick of Josh Gad. Like, I, I don't mind Josh Gad, but I do not want him being my penguin. He can stick to his fucking Disney musicals, and he can sing and dance and all that bullshit. I just, I don't want yeah, to see nah, him. Yeah, keep it to the beauty and the beast, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, as far as other Batman rumors are concerned, Mark Hughes of Forbes had an article concerning uh, rumors that he's heard. And I'm just going to give the bullet points here uh, concerning Ben Affleck. He says Affleck, of course, eventually departed the project first as writer, director and now as actor. There are still fans hoping he returns to the role after all. But right now, the project is still firmly written and planned for a new younger version of Batman portrayed by a different actor. That lines up with what I was talking about earlier with Billy Magnuson. Anyway, he goes on to say, while we should never say never in Hollywood, the fact is it would require a significant change in plans and situations for Affleck to rejoin the project. And I don't expect that to happen. Concerning villains, the Penguin is one of few villains appearing in the film. The main, the character was reportedly previously part of the Birds of Prey project before being replaced by the crime lord Black Mask. Uh, That's going to be played by Ewan McGregor, of course, as we all know. Anyway, in order to reserve the Penguin's first new on-screen appearance for Reeves' Batman movie. Concerning Matt Reeves himself, he goes on to say, while currently only one Batman film is officially announced and in the works by Reeves, it's generally understood that the expectation is for multiple films in a new Batman series. Reeves has a very clear, bold vision for Batman and has been given full control of the project. Me and Jacob talked about this many times before that mm-hmm. Matt Reeves was originally announced as the director. It felt like, and then he dropped off and then all of a sudden he got brought back in and me and Jake felt like that was basically Matt Reeves flexing his muscles as a director and saying, if you want me to do this movie, I have full control. And we've heard like Toby Emmerich say like, oh, Warner Brothers is a director driven studio. We're being we're we're moving away from the DCEU connected universe and we're bringing it back to more individual based stories after the success of Aquaman. And it's you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he did say this recently, I believe, to Variety. And he's talking about how it's more of a director driven studio. And so. Yeah, that's what uh, Hughes is reporting here is that uh, Matt Reeves has 100% creative control over this project. 
And I hope that's true. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do hope he has full creative control because we've seen what Matt Reeves can do. And mm-hmm. so for him to have full control of this. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Extremely happy. I, I believe it. I believe it with like the, the, the history of what's happened uh, earlier when Matt Reeves was kind of like, you know, they were rumored to have Matt Reeves. And then we, we heard the rumor that he was leaving. Do you remember that? Like it was, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like Matt Reeves is back on. I felt like that right there was kind of like that balance for control. Like Matt Reeves saying, OK, you guys are wanting to take this in a different direction than me. Then I'm out. Yeah. I, back when this this is yeah, this is going back too because uh, Paul and I talked about it on Animated Backcast that we we felt the same way that basically – uh, this this was Matt Reeves taking his toys and going home and saying, yeah. if you if you want to tell me how to make this movie, then get yourself another director because I'm not your puppet. And Warner Brothers blinked and they brought him back. I am 100 percent convinced that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Back in it was uh, February of 2017, where like that's where kind of like this stuff kind of happened. And they they felt like they were still going to use that Ben Affleck script, the one with uh, Deathstroke and Joe Manganiello's character. Mm -hmm. That's that. I think that like when when they were still kind of like debating whether they were going to do go that route. And Matt Reeves is like, well, that's not the that's not the Batman story I want to bring you. Well, I'm out. And they were like, okay, fuck, fuck it. Here, we'll give you the movie that you want. You can write it. You can use any character that you want to go any direction you want to go in. But don't leave. Just see this through. And so I think, yeah, I, I really do think that he's got some creative control here. Now, now whether what they whether like once he does this movie. Whether they actually give him his director's cut is another thing to be seen. And, if mm, they, that, and that's very true. If they don't give him his director's cut, he's not coming back for multiple films. I can tell you that much. Oh, uh, 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely. If they they do some other – they do what they did to Suicide Squad, he ain't coming back. No. But anyway, the Batman is now tentatively sent uh, – uh, it's slated, excuse me, for a 2021 release date, summer of 2021. Uh, they said it could possibly be pushed back to 2022, but Mark Hughes thinks it'll get the summer 2021 release date. So that is what we are looking at. And uh, what else am I going to talk about real quick? Oh, um, <laughs> real quick. I want to uh, we got this covered talked about how they heard Steve Trevor is going to return in Wonder Woman 1984 after meeting a tragic and several after meeting a tragic end several decades prior in the events of the first movie it said that Wonder Woman's love interest is brought back to life by one Maxwell Lord tying in with previous rumors that Pedro Pascal would assume the role of the DC villain to elaborate, we're told that Max is looking for magical artifacts that he believes will make him as powerful as a god, drawing on the help of archaeologist Barbara Ann Minerva to do so. Kristen Wiig's character is soon out for Max's blood, however, after one of the artifacts curses her to become Cheetah. From here, Lord enlists the services of Wonder Woman 
against his new foe, using the artifacts to resurrect Steve in return. Hmm. Interesting. Elaborate, Rebecca. Oh, sorry. Uh, I know. Yeah. um, yeah. I I didn't know if you had more to say. I'm sorry. No. Um, Leaving it there for you. uh, I don't know. Like, I I get, I I mean, it's okay. my, My thing has always been, I just don't want, I don't want Diana Wonder Woman to be dependent on Steve Trevor to make her a hero. And and I don't think that the first movie did that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that by having him so in having him involved in this movie, I just don't want I don't want her motivation to be, oh, the boy I like is back and you know what I mean? Like no, I just I don't, I don't want that to happen and I'm not saying it will because I will put my trust in Patty Jenkins. I just uh, I'm I'm a little nervous, but I I will have faith that Patty will give me a good movie because she gave me an incredible origin story. And I, I don't want Steve's sacrifice to mean nothing. His sacrifice did a lot for Diana. I just I don't want that sacrifice to become. I think that like she was. A, I think she was a hero before she even met Steve. I just. I, I think that she just loves the guy, right? No, she And I'm not saying that. I, I, she she was always a hero before Steve, right? But like Steve was the first man that she met. It was her first relationship with a man, and then uh, he dies, and it, it's an incredible, impactful moment in her life, and. Um, I don't know. I just I, I just don't want I, and I'm not again, I'm not saying that this will happen. I just don't want her motivation to be always tied to Steve Trevor. That that's all I'm saying. And, He's a big and, part of her in the comics though. See, here's the thing. I I wanted I, I thought the death was I thought the death was kind of like permanent and kind of like it meant a lot when it happened in the movie. And I think mm-hmm. they should have just left it there. I, I feel like right. I feel like Patty Jenkins really enjoyed working with Chris Pine because fuck, I mean they're doing a TV show together on TNT for crying out loud, which coming which is coming out at the end of this month. Right. Okay. They really like Patty Jenkins really enjoyed working with Chris Pine, and I think she found you know his schedule opened up and she found a way to maybe bring his character back into this movie. My biggest fear is I don't want it to take away from the powerful death that his impact had on the first film. I have no problem with Diana still loving Steve. I think that's kind of beautiful. I just don't want it to like 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 them to bring him back and for like you know, if he's going to leave us again for it to just be another like I don't want to have two fucking movies where this guy just dies. <laughs> but know? but I think that's what we will have. Yeah, I, think I, I don't think it'll take again in this. Movie. I don't think I don't think that bringing Steve back, though, affects like the way I view Diana as a hero. I don't think I don't think the fact that she loves Steve takes away from the fact that Diana's a hero through and through. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ever would. Just the fact right. that she loves this guy so much that she would she would, you know, run the risk of even trying to bring him back. It's I think that mm-hmm. goes along with like the first movie where she like 
Like that, the hero, that, that movie kind of like the whole theme of that movie at the end was like, Diana is a hero that was born of love. Right. right I mean, like right. that's, that's what her love like is what like, like, I don't know that, 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 that final battle, she actually makes a point of saying like, you know, love was like a big part of that final battle i she just loves steve i i don't i don't think that yeah. her love of steve would ever take away from her as being a heroic person right does that make sense or am i no it's, it, it does i, I I'm just, just yeah i'm and more i don't i'm, I'm not more, saying she yeah. can't be a hero i'm not saying her being a hero and her loving steve are two things that can never be exist in the same time i i I, I don't think I'm saying it right, but I'm just I don't I don't want her only motivation for doing stuff to be Steve. And and I and I know that in the comics I know Steve Trevor has a, is a big part of her life and, and I'm mm. not saying he can't be a big part of her life. I just don't want him to be the focus. And I don't know. I think, let's I'm think, just of, worried think about, about that. Like I mean she she falls in love with a guy, you know, like and then well, think about it. Like, what, 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 uh, remember uh, Rose from Titanic? Do you think she would fucking bring back Jack if she could? I would. Oh. <laughs> right? Don't you? I mean, shit, man. Just I, I, fuck. She should have just let that fucker sleep on that fucking goddamn door with her. Right? It's a big ass door. Yeah. There was like seventeen proven ways where both of them could have laid on that door. I know. But instead, sorry about that. <laughs> You know, I don't know. No, I'm just saying like, uh, it's gotta be bugging her. You know, if, if he died in, uh, you know, the early, you know, 1910, 19, you know, 19, between 1914, 1918, whatever. And it's been like 60, 70 years now. We're in the eighties and she's got the chance to maybe bring this guy back. I can see what Patty Jenkins is wanting to do here. The first movie, she was the fish out of water, right? Now, you know, because she's she's sure. she's lived in Themyscira, and she's you know lived on an island full of women with, with women and and, and uh, with with magic and 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 these these women that that are the that are warriors, and now she's coming to you know the you know the United States, and now she's eating ice cream and. Wearing dresses and shit. It's funny. We've got that fish out of water moment. Now, now we put Steve into that. And I think I th- I see what Patty Jenkins is doing here. Steve hasn't been around since like nineteen, you know, fourteen, nineteen fifteen, whatever. And here he is in the eighties. We're gonna throw him in a fucking members only jacket and have a fanny pack on him. And <laughs> yeah, you know, no, for sure he'll he'll be the fish out of water. In, in I get what one. you're. I get. I do get what you're saying. I do. I, you're saying that you don't want Diana just to not just to just to be make stupid decisions that aren't heroic just so she can get her man because back. Because ex- that's, yes. I, I understand that. Rebecca now. But like, yes. yeah, like that's, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't yeah. want that to be, I don't want that to happen. That makes sense. She can, a powerful woman 
can love a man and it doesn't diminish her power. I, right. I am a firm believer in yes. that. But when she starts making stupid ass decisions right. because of a boy, now it's a problem and yeah. it does diminish her power. If and she brings, that's what I'm afraid of. If she brings back Steve and yet it could affect everyone else and possibly yes. be the wrong decision. Boom. Okay. That yeah. I'm against. Yeah. Because now it makes her just look like a stupid woman mm-hmm. who's who's thinking with her with her vagina. Yeah. Like that that's not and I don't want that for that's, Wonder Woman. Yeah. I don't want that for Fuck. any woman. I don't want that for her. Uh, that's a good that's a good point. But you know what? It, it's a good it, it's a really good point, Rebecca. Fuck. I didn't That's get, what I'm afraid. Of. And it took me yeah. a minute to spit it out, but you figured out what I was trying to say. But no, like no, that, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't think that I'm you, afraid of. I don't think that you just say stuff and and don't have like a good reason behind it. I just the more I kept thinking about what you were saying here and like the way that they could use it. I was like, oh, fuck, I think that's what she's saying here. Is like, that, that's exactly uh-huh. it. Because, that is yeah, a problem. Mean, that is a problem. Because yeah. now what you've done is you've taken Wonder Woman, yeah. who, you know, besides being an incredibly powerful comic book character, but she has become, for a long time, a feminist icon. You take that, and now she starts making stupid-ass decisions because of a boy. Now it's a problem, and that's Shit. what I am afraid of. Well, and here's I the thing. Hope- it goes against the whole thing of love because not she's got to sacrifice. Not she, if she brings back Steve, she's being selfish. If she does feel in any way that she's sacrificing humanity – to bring him back. Yes. It, it makes her incredibly selfish. And yeah. let's, let, let's also be honest in a, in a, in a male led superhero or any movie, if the guy makes a dumb decision because of a girl uh, of a woman, it's not like, it's like, Oh, well, you know, he's thinking with his dick or whatever. But then for, for women, the bar is set higher because we have more to prove and we've always had more to prove. And that, that's just my oh, only yeah. fear God. here. And then fucking uh, fanboys will be like, well, yeah, well, you know, look what she did and blah, 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 you know. And, yeah. and you just try to drag down Wonder Woman after she's probably, in my opinion, that Wonder Woman movie has been the, the best thing to come out of the DCEU. I agree. It's so, my number one DC movie. Mine, I mine fucking too. love it. Mine too. Mine as well. Yeah, it, I, I would go Wonder Woman followed by Man of Steel and then followed by Aquaman. Nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. If I got to be honest, I got to say Aquaman. But then after that, it's just like a it's a it's a crapshoot. So, yeah, I, I'm about the same, too. It's yeah, I, I would I would put Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, Aquaman. And then it's like whatever. It's a good. It's a, it's a, you. You bring up a good point, Rebecca. I didn't like the more I kept thinking about it. I was like, holy shit, you've got a point here. Because like, if she if she, if she brings back Steve and doesn't think about the rest of humanity, and like maybe like you know like maybe how could that affect other people? And is she opening a door that's maybe not you know, you know it never works out when you bring back somebody that died it, it never kind of mm-hmm. worked they always come back and it's different or it doesn't work out she might be sacrificing the rest of humanity <laughs> uh you know uh for like her feelings for steve like i i want I, you know i think it's great that she loves steve so much but like part of like 
I don't know. We're getting him back. It doesn't matter, Rebecca. We're getting Steve back. He's coming back. Yeah. Could, I we, mean, yeah. yeah. Whether I, whether I yeah. want him back or not, yeah. he's back. So yeah. Exactly. We'll just have to see how it all works out. Whether I think that that death was impactful, because it really was. I thought that that death was very impactful. Whether we think that death was impactful or not, Patty Jenkins seems to think that we need Steve Trevor to come back into this movie. That's another thing that I'm kind of worried about is, is she worried that like, also, yeah, Rebecca, is she worried that Gal Gadot can't fucking do a movie without Chris Pine showing up? Now that, yeah, that's another question. Do, does she think Gal can't carry this movie? I, right. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about it. I mean, like I said before, though, I do just remind myself that Patty Jenkins gave me a really great origin story, a, a movie that I absolutely loved, and Gal knocked it out of the park. You know, I, I'm sure she will do the same in this movie, and we'll just I'm just going to hope for the best. You know, I just I want this to just be up there with my top DC movies. Yeah, I don't know, Patty Jenkins. Um... She loves working with Chris Pine. I mean, like I said, uh, Chris Pine and Patty Jenkins are doing the TNT series I Am the Night, which premieres Monday, January 28th, which I will be reviewing on an episode. But and then she's, you know, I don't know. I just. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think Patty Jenkins loves uh, Steve Trevor more than Wonder Woman at this point. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, we are done. I, I mean, I had other stories, but we've gone on way too long. So I'm going to wrap things up here. I think this has gone on for like over five hours. <laughs> this is, I, I love how we started earlier tonight. Yeah. And, thinking, and we're finishing like the same time we normally Exactly. Which is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. And I apologize. But I want to thank Rebecca, I want to thank you and I want to thank Michael. Thank you guys so much. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Sorry if I was a little bit uh, touchy here and there. <laughs> He was finger banging over the No shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking busy finger banging. You want to buy some cookies? <laughs> Everybody, watch Wayne on YouTube Premium. Please make it a priority. It's a, it's fantastic. You'll love it. Do it. I promise Do you. It. I promise you. All right. Yeah, Rebecca, thank you so much. Michael, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts before I wrap this bitch up? I got nothing left. Nothing. Uh, Just thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm usually on the uh, Leftover Army feed for podcasts, so catch me there. And uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, we will be back next week for episode 269, if you know what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right, uh, guys, just like all good leftovers, stay in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. 
They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.